It's your boy PSA Sitch here with another Tuesday Tuesday show. With everyone's favorite, we've never been late before. Adam Friended. What's up, everybody? It's Tuesday. Aren't it's you Tuesday. excited for the Tuesday stream? Hey, wow. look, we're early, guys. We're not late today. Of course, always <laughs> starting early. Yes, three minutes early. Ah, suckers. Look at that. <laughs> and instead of talking about all the stuff we like to talk about off stream, I just yeah. figured, why don't we just talk about it on stream? Oh, okay. This is obviously what are we talking about? On completely in the dark because. Look, Sitch, I, I don't know what your media diet's like. I try mm -hmm. to I try to do a little left wing media, a little right wing what right wing media. Mm -hmm. I'm convinced your media diet consists one hundred percent of Scott Adams. <laughs> and that is absolutely the only thing that you can consume. No, that is not true. I mean, I do listen to him pretty frequently, but there's I was actually just listening to the the hill today. The okay. Rising, right. Oh, so no, I so listen to a bunch this of is stuff. new, right? Though you just started right. listening to the hill since I turned you on. To right. No, like, I, these I people to a are bunch crazy. Of stuff all, especially when we're looking for, I didn't have a lot of time to do stuff yesterday, but mm -hmm. usually, you know, I'm looking for new stories that we're covering every day. So I'm looking through like, you know, a crap ton of different things. The hill is good. They have a good like left, right thing going, trying to hit the centrist market. Mm -hmm. You know, they're convinced that mainstream media has become so polarized. Uh, Breaking points is another one that does the kind of centrist -y one person on the left, one person center left, one person center right. Right. I think obviously the Young Turks is moving in that direction since Anna's kind of trying to to take the the I'm going to get the facts right more moderate position mm -hmm. i actually was listening to young turks yesterday and anna brought up a book a book that she said everyone should read do you know what book it was uh yeah i do because i saw did you really yeah i've been watching the young turks recently oh okay cool what book yeah. is it it's your favorite book yes well my not my favorite but no, it's, it's up there in the top book. three yeah what was it it was your favorite book i told you tell everyone no, I didn't see it. I just read that. <laughs> Tell everyone. I have no clue. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> Look, that's not that's bad for your authenticity, man. Don't don't uh, gaslight our audience. I'll she, gaslight, I'm trying to gaslight you. But, uh, she okay. brought up Generation why nations fail. Oh, why okay. nations fail, and said everyone should read why nations fail. Well, good for her. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Look, um, you and. If, since I was watching the Young Turks, I do know what's going on uh, with the Fetterman story. You brought up the Fetterman nice. story before the stream began. I saw lots of people yeah. were mad at Fetterman. Yeah, yeah, lots of people. Quite clear yeah. why. Lots of people are ready to just kick Fetterman in the dick. Mm. <laughs> Get out of here, punk! Knee him in the nuts. Right, right. We're done with you. But you didn't know why. No. You took a guess. The TYT video I saw was about the uh, Hitler remarks. Yes, yes. Yeah, Trump Hitler stuff. Yeah, which I didn't think their coverage was particularly good on that. To be honest with you, I mean Anna's coverage is always sparkling, but Jenks right. coverage. A a Anna gets it. Anna mm -hmm. understands that there is a a political game going on here, and that you know Trump says incendiary stuff like this oftentimes to get attention mm -hmm. of and course. right he's just a, it's a cynical political ploy i think Sauger said similar comments on breaking points 
where he said, obviously this is incendiary language. I'm not going to endorse it. It's, it's awful and he shouldn't be doing it, but here we are talking about it on our, on our show, right <laughs> here. We all are talking about it. Mm-hmm. And also it's just so many, so many people are so used to being, uh, to Trump being called a Nazi since Charlottesville that it's just, is, does it really, does it have an effect? Um, no, probably not. I mean, yeah. well, I think it hasn't, you know, so if you don't, so Trump made this comment where he said like, uh, immigrants are coming from all around the world from mental institutions. That was kind of a new one. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. Hey, just um, throw it in there. Get the, in there. Get, the, get the press talking, get the yeah. MSM all warmed up. He said, um, they're poisoning the blood of our country. Right. The, these people that are coming into our country. It's funny. Mm-hmm. I think he said it, and I think he realized he he shouldn't have said it because then he kind of did like the weird trying to sort of save himself by just using the same metaphor or the same not metaphor, but the same you know adjective. Because he said they've poisoned mental institutions and prisons all around the world, and I was like, oh, all right, <laughs> like okay, sure. The globalists. Um, what? The who? Who's they? The immigrants that are coming into our country. Oh, okay. Right. Gotcha. Um, and he's like, not just in South America, but from all over the world. And I was like, and then he, you know, talked about how crime is going to increase because of, you know, the immigrants. Um, now obviously I, you know, I don't, from what I'm aware of, I don't think we have that much crime from illegal immigrants anyway. I don't think that's like the bulk of us crime is from illegal immigrants. So it's, it was like a weird statement. It's definitely heightening up people being xenophobic, which I'm not in favor of. And obviously, you know, hearkening to talking about like poisoning the blood of our country, you know, it sounds pretty fucking racist when you kind of frame it in that way. It kind of invokes the image, at least to me, of like there's a quote American stock, you know, American blood, American genetic material that is being poisoned by outsiders. I think American that is like not genetic material. Well, I mean, that's what to me when you say like that's like this kind of imagery that comes to my mind, you know, the DNA talking, of America. Right. And, and I'm, I, I think that, you know, I think that's very irresponsible to do, to kind of use that kind of language and all that stuff. And I think it's gross, blah, 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 blah. Um, but, you know, putting all that aside, I don't believe, so I think it's all gross and you should have said that, but I don't believe the idea, you know, people are like hearkening this to some speech that Hitler made where he just said something like, he didn't say it the same way that Trump said it, but he just made some kind of comment about like nations fall because they're stock was poisoned you know by immigrants or outsiders or whatever and i'm like i don't get the real quote i don't know i feel like well okay i'll i'll look at i'll try to bring it up but it's it's like it's not it's not close and he says hitler said all great cultures of the past perished only because the originally creative race died out from blood poisoning right so to me i'm like well that doesn't really sound close enough to what trump said for people to make the comment that he like intentionally read this Hitler quote, remembered it, and then did this thing in his speech. They sound way too far apart in my mind um, to kind of make that connection. There's some weird story about how in 1990, his wife or his first wife, I guess, Ivana Trump, uh, made some comments that Hit- that uh, Trump had a book of Hitler speeches next to his bed that he would read before he went to sleep. <laughs> oh and I was like, that's that weird. 
and it's from 1990. So I'm like, okay, so this is before the political stuff. But then also I looked it up and I think, I think this was around the same time they're getting a divorce. So that kind of makes the whole thing suspect anyway. Cause I'm like, oh, well, okay. Like, you know, is that a trustworthy source? So my final verdict is, you know, I think it's a kind of xenophobic thing for Trump to say gross. should have said it, but I don't really think it's a Hitler comment. Right. Yeah. I mean, I do agree that I do think that he's saying incendiary stuff deliberately to get his, to get people talking about him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I agree. Well, and, yeah, he is doing it for that reason. And, uh, but I also think it, it, unfortunately, I think it does activate a lot of the more radical elements in the right when he says things this like that. Yeah. Yeah. The dictator's handbook. Why, um, Bad behavior is good politics. Yeah. So he he does this incendiary Hitler quote, which all the well, a- again, actual Hitler quote. But. Okay, well he does this incendiary Hitler esque like <laughs> saying, okay. right? Okay. And all the people who love Hitler in the Republican right. Party are all just hearing the dog whistles. Oh look, he's our guy. They're completely energized, right? All the moderates who think that they banished all the people who hate Hitler from the Republican party. They think that the mainstream media who also hears it as Hitler S going after him are all lying because right. you know, they're all just insin- pretending that he's saying something incendiary when he really is just saying, look, it's a joke. He's not saying right. anything incendiary. It's just, it gets every, everyone all jacked up. Yep. <laughs> uh, all these different competing voices all are suddenly aligned around we need to get trump elected for all competing and different reasons Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all contradictory and and competing reasons yeah it's all fun stuff i mean fun in a messed up dark way but yes (laughs) i mean yeah of course fun in a the fourth turning is here right away Right. So back to the Fetterman thing. So what's the Fetterman story? So what were you, what were you saying? What, what was what was your take? What well, I said I don't I don't all I heard was that people were mad at him because something about you know I saw a video Vosh was mad at him. I saw some other people on the left were mad, mad at him. Um I thought it was something to do with immigration and not supporting some kind of labor movement or something. I heard well Young Turks did a video on it and it was because he was supporting Israel and he's not a progressive anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think he actually said, I'm not a progressive. Fetterman came out and said, he's not a progressive when he told NBC news, I'm not a progressive. There you go. Yeah. He literally said it. I mean, base. And uh, he's been raising money all this Mm -hmm. time off of progressives. So progressives, this is the thing we were talking about on the Sunday stream. You were saying someone lied. Are they going to suffer a, a backlash right, consequences yeah right. yeah well this guy is suffering some consequences did he I guess say we'll he was a progressive did he say that at some point i mean i they thought did... he kind of ran as like a populist left type and and that can be interpreted as either well could it be either like l like a, a literal communist or b just a person who is very you know um kind of like an old school Democrat who wants to regulate businesses and stop immigration, which might be what he is. In the TYT video, they yeah. never showed any evidence that he came out and said, I am unabashedly a progressive. Mm-hmm. They did say he was doing a lot of sucking up to Bernie Sanders. And, sure. 
and virtue signaling progressive virtues. Well, Bernie used to be anti-immigration until he wasn't. <laughs> so. Why, look, where I don't know what this is. Did you pull up a story where he's anti-immigration? Uh, yes. I, I, yeah. Okay. What's uh, what is the immigration? Well, let's see. It says uh, Fetterman. He said, I'm not a progressive. I just think I'm a Democrat that is very committed to choice and other things. But with Israel, I'm going to be on the right side of that. And immigration is something near and dear to me. I think we do have to effectively address it. Betterman insisted he can be pro-immigration while also favoring policies to restrict the flow of migration to manageable levels, disagreeing with progressives who oppose new limits on asylum and bash some of the ideas in the negotiations as cruel. It's a reasonable conversation, he said. Until somebody can say there's an explanation on what we can do when 270,000 people are being encountered on the border, not including the ones, of course, that we don't know about. To put that in reference, that is essentially the size of Pittsburgh, the second largest city in Pennsylvania. All right. Um, so the Republicans are, and Democrats are, are negotiating over a bill that would increase border funding and they're the Republicans are tying it to funding for Ukraine and Israel. Mm -hmm. So that's why all that is tied up together. Right. So, yeah. Well, again, I mean, the, the immigration stuff is, is getting out of control. Um, at least, I mean, you know, it seems like it's getting out of control from, you know, the pictures and numbers I see when they talk about how many people are showing up. Again, and I'll just say this every time we talk about it, I don't know why there isn't a big push from really anyone to end uh, asylum status granted, being able to even be granted on the border. I don't see how this could possibly end until that policy ends or changes. Because that's the issue, right? You just don't want all these people just showing up, showing up, showing up, showing up, showing up. So you have to just stop that behavior. You have to say, well, if you show up, you're just, it doesn't matter. You're not getting in. For any reason, don't shouldn't they just flip the the open sign around? Flip it to close. You know, it was closed close, on right. one yeah. side, open on the other. Just flip someone, flip the sign. Well, it's forgot. Weird. It's interesting to me that so you have like, you know, the Democrats used to be you know more in favor of of restricting immigration, and they would kind of do it on along the lines of helping the American worker which is definitely true-ish to an extent, depending on what industry you work in. And it's weird to me that like Fetterman coming out uh, and just basically saying, you know, we need to do something about immigration to limit it is like being cast by some people as like, oh my God, he's like a fake progressive. It's like, well, why? Like, wh what are you talking about? You know, you, you guys were the ones that were saying that you weren't pro-open borders. I mean, is this just a mass slip for some of the people that are mad about this? They just want complete open borders here? Because I haven't even seen, like, what is... It doesn't look like to me that he's made some sort of specific policy prescription that they're mad about. It's just him saying that something needs to be done. I don't know who the they is. TYT was very specific about... Mm -hmm. they're, they're trying to get is funding for Israel cut. Right. Their whole narrative is that American bombs are killing innocent Palestinian children. Right, sure. And they don't want Fetterman to be on anywhere near that. They didn't bring up the immigration aspect of it at all in their story, so. Sure, well, maybe, yeah, but, you know, they're probably more moderate on that issue. Um, so they just only care about the Israel stuff. Right, but they did say he's pretty much dead to them. <laughs> because of the Israel stuff? <laughs> 
No, because he's a fake progressive because he oh, 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 lied oh. to them. Sure, 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 right. sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting to me how these things get tied and get like, why is why is having like what does being a progressive even mean at this point? Like, why is having an opinion? What is is Fetterman's opinion on Israel to just let Israel do whatever it wants? I don't know what his opinion is. Look, I didn't look at that. <laughs> like, he's, he's, why is that that not a progressive? He's, he's he in says, favor of sending. He's in favor of sending funding to Israel. The whole right. goal is to like stop the funding to Israel. He says, "I fully support Israel neutralizing the terrorists responsible for this barbarism." Okay, but you know, what does look, that he mean? used a yeah. conservative word, barbarism. Barbarism. Yeah, you're right. Man, hmm. I just I listened to a, another one of those videos where the people who were tasked with preparing the bodies for burial were discussing all the horrible things that he did on January on October seventh, and it is just it is grisly. Sure, of course, I agree. It is horrifying. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think if I mean it's weird again if the progressives tie themselves into lax immigration policies and not supporting israel i think those are both i don't know how many people no one actually i don't think most american voters give a crap about israel like they talk about it but they're not going to vote one way or the other for it it's not something they care about you know the young kids care about the internet cares about but like the actual normie voter doesn't not going to vote for anyone on any issue relating to israel they don't care um, well i do think the evangelicals care and no, obviously right. the okay. jewish people let me care. be clear which are no one, yeah, no one who block. no one whose vote is undecided cares about Israel. Okay, like yes, there are the you know the very Christian people, but they're going to vote Republican basically no matter what. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, um, but the immigration thing, I I do think could sway definitely sway people one way or the other, and I think if the progressives are going to like hitch themselves to being lax in immigration, that's going to be like, you know. Not quite as bad as the Republicans hitching themselves to uh, getting rid of abortion, but it's going to be close, I think. I think it's definitely going to be an issue. And if the immigration levels continue as what they are, I think the issue is only going to expand, expand, expand in coming into 2024. Yeah. Immigration is the thing that the Republicans care about. Mm -hmm. I did. I can't remember. I think we were talking to Jank and I looked up. The issues that matter most to progressives and conservatives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The only thing I remember about it was that I was surprised how much climate change, how much progressives really care about climate change. Well, it's you been there. never hear about it in conservative media. I mean, the, the fear over climate change has been like one of the guiding issues of progressives for the last you know eight years 10 right. years maybe now it hasn't really it's kind of fallen out of favor in the mainstream news cycle isn't talked about too much anymore i don't know if that's just because there's no weird weather events happening currently at the moment because that's usually what happens right there's some kind of weird weather event and then everyone starts talking about climate change because the assumption is we're going to blame climate change for the weird weather event and right now at least in America, there isn't anything weird. You know, you just have that volcano going on in Iceland, but that obviously doesn't have anything to do with climate change. So. Right. Anyway, I didn't anyway. prepare to talk about the issues, but I am curious about them. We should do a full stream just on that.
Sure. I have a I have a couple videos to watch, but I also want to talk. I sent you a link to the poll that we put up. And this oh, wasn't my idea. This was Cat 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 Branchman, is that yeah. her name? Cat Branchman asked us to do this poll. We got into a discussion on the Sunday stream about Christianity. And I, I have this broad argument that societies need people to embrace the idea of forgiveness, embrace the the value, I guess the virtue. Is it is this virtue ethics here? <laughs> For, um, embrace the virtue of forgiveness. And I argue that Christi the main theme of Christianity is forgiveness. And that since a lot of people are Christian and even our secular holidays have like a Christian history to them, that this is what's putting this meme of forgiveness into our society. And that the people who just are fully secular, they don't want any religion. They haven't put up a compelling way to get forgiveness into the society. Now, if you want to say, you know, we're just going to make a bunch of movies that embody forgiveness i do think there are a lot of movies that do embody forgiveness mm -hmm. isn't there sure there is um john wick which is a good movie <laughs> about forgiveness oh wait a second <laughs> i there is there is taken which is a good movie about oh wait now there you go no are there, there movies there are about movies. forgiveness yeah right listen here there are there are non-action movies. There are, you know, character family dramas that are about, you know, learning to forgive your parents or whoever wronged you, letting go, you know, moving on with your life. Right. Um, but yeah, they're not action movies generally. Action movies do not generally have a theme of forgiveness to them because forgiving people usually leads to less action, not more. Less conflict, <laughs> not more conflict. Okay? Well, see, that, that's but why. that's that's why I, that's my argument why it's good for society, but yes. bad for action movies, right? There you go. The the there Death Wish go. series about forgiveness, it's not as fun. It's gonna end in like the first ten minutes of the movie, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, we put the cat. We put this poll up, and I just I'm curious, Sitch, if this is evidence. Well, I, well, someone, my, yeah. Go ahead. My someone my in the replies put a good quote here mm -hmm. from the New Testament. It's from Matthew six fourteen. It says, "For if you forgive men their trespass trespasses, well, I like this translation of it better because more clear. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins." Yeah. Well, so that, that people, plays very strongly into sort of um, what you're saying about how there is a very strong meme of forgiveness embedded within Christianity. Yes. There was a lot of people quoting a lot of different Bible passages that I had forgotten. I just, I walked away from Sunday school with this just hammered in my head. Right. So I don't remember all the stories and whatnot. And like, you, like I've said a million times, I've grown up to be an atheist, but I still, I still think reflexively i understand the power of forgiveness and even coming at it from a scientific perspective i do think that there's a lot of of study that's been done about how forgiveness is both better culturally and better individually because you can just 
tear up your life if you don't let things mm-hmm. go. And forgiveness is as much useful for you as it is for society because you can move on. Move on. So the poll was, is it your understanding that forgiveness is one of the most important foundations of Christianity? Also, if you think forgiveness is important, but there is an idea that is more important than forgiveness, let us know what that idea is in the comments below the poll. I read a bunch of the comments. I'm not sure I read them all. There's 258 comments. The A, a big one was love, which I do think you know is... Love thy neighbor is kind of a prerequisite of forgiveness. But the results are 49% said, yes, forgiveness is essential to Christianity. And I am a Christian. And 42% said, yes, essential. I'm not a Christian. So that comes out to 91% say, yes, forgiveness is essential. And 9% say, no, it's not essential, and that's three percent who are not who are Christians, and six percent who are not Christians. So, so those these three these this three percent of Christians that don't think forgiveness is essential. Listen, guys, you, that's a failure of you guys at church. Okay, you need to beat <laughs> these people harder. Okay, <laughs> right, right. Well, how, how, how have they? How have you lost them? I, I think I think you made a mistake in how you mm-hmm. uh, did this poll. Oh, okay. Um, we can do another poll. The question that we were kind of debating was, is forgiveness, like, is that the primary thing in which you define Christianity as? Because you, we were kind of having this conversation that for you, like, if you're like, okay, if you ask a person, like, like, what's the one thing that you think Christianity is all about? You're saying it's all about forgiveness. Um, mm-hmm. but the question you asked is, is forgiveness essential? Which I think it's a different question because yeah, forgiveness is essential, obviously to Christianity, but is that the defining, the singular defining characteristic that people would, uh, say if they're asked to say like, what's the one thing it's all about? Well, that you're going to get obviously things all over the place. Right. Right. But that would be, that would be the more, I mean, that'd be the more complicated because you'd have to have, a, you know, you'd have a, all these different answers as to what it's about. So this um, is not enough evidence for you, is what you're saying. Well, not for the question, not for the conversation okay. we were having. I agreed um, begin from the beginning of our conversation that forgiveness is an important part of Christianity, and I think Christianity can uh, teach that idea in a very powerful way. But I, I would imagine, because I've, I mean, obviously this is personally from what I've heard from other multiple other uh, people that are Christian. You know, every person, depending on what sect they are, depending on what kind of church they go to, you know, they have a different experience about what is emphasized and what is not emphasized. And I think what happened, I think it was very clear is that your, the church that you went to, this idea of forgiveness was very front center. It was very emphasized. I don't know if that's the case with other people. You know, other people are telling me that was not of their experience, but I don't know like how that, what that means statistically. So this poll had 4,200 people respond to it. Right. What, how would you like to word the poll to better convince you that forgiveness is an important meme that Christianity is putting into the culture? I've never, I don't disagree with what you just, what you said. I disagree with. Okay. I do agree with what you just said. Yeah. That wasn't what we were disagreeing about. What were we disagreeing about? We were disagreeing about you had said 
that forgiveness was the primary thing of Christianity. Right. And I said, I don't know if that's the case. Right. Right. If you if you want to amend that to just forgiveness is an important part of Christianity and Christianity helps push that in the culture, then I'm not going to I agree. I, I think it does. Okay. So Christ, this this convinces you that Christianity is putting the meme of forgiveness into the culture. Like the central disagreement, I think, is over whether well first of all you agree that forgiveness is important and needs to be put in the culture obviously yeah i think the disagreement was you were saying you weren't sure that christianity was doing that no the dis again no the disagreement was what i said it was a second ago but the further extrapolate disagreement was there are if we're going to take our, our thomas Sowell quote here okay everything has trade-offs right and I feel like you're a little too focused on the positive trade-offs of Christianity and not enough on the negative trade-offs that Christianity can also embed in the culture. Right. Such as? Such as, obviously, anti-LGBT sentiments, obviously, you know, bigotry of all types, obviously, uh, just being closed-minded to everyone, saying, you know, you have to believe what I believe very strictly, or, you know, you're wrong or bad or should be, you know, exercised from the community. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like there was, it's the the problem, the issue here is if, if you read the Bible, okay, that's part of why I read that Matthew quote, because I read that Matthew quote, and it's like, oh, this Matthew quote is like super big in forgiveness. There's another quote, I should have, I should have saved it, um, that came up around the Satan statue. And some people were throwing out quotes about, or Jesus was saying things that seemed to be the opposite of forgiveness, or Jesus was saying things that seemed to be the opposite of of tolerance. Um, the problem I have with the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, is that it's long enough and broad enough that you can basically cherry pick almost anything you want out of the Bible in its totality if you do that. Now, I think you can make an argument that if you take the whole thing as a, as a total work and you, you can able to distill things that, are, that come up in it more than other things, I agree with that. But people don't do that. They'll just parry, they'll just cherry pick the elements they want of it. Because as we all know, people start with an answer and then they look for ways to justify their answers. In Such the Bible, as um, what's going on here. Right. Well, no. What do you mean? Such as what you're doing right now. That's not what I'm doing right now. Oh, okay. You're being completely unbiased. I see. <laughs> yeah, okay. You think it's biased to say that... <laughs> Organized religion, like Christianity, has positive and negative trade-offs in our society. Neg are you denying that there are negative trade-offs that Christianity has provided in our society? No, of course not, but I, okay. that's not so the then question. What it, so the then question why are you is, saying how important is forgiveness to Christianity? Biased? Wait, wait, wait. Why are you saying I'm being biased by saying something you literally just said you agree with? Because you're working your way to why... This poll doesn't say anything about Christianity. No, I'm not. I'm not even talking about the poll. I've moved on from talking about the poll. Okay. Okay. I don't. I don't. I guess you weren't. You weren't following what I was saying. Okay. I said I agree with you, and I, I don't know how many times I could say it. I agree with you that forgiveness is an important part of Christianity. Obviously, I agreed with that on Sunday. I agreed with that before we ever had a conversation about it, because I'm aware of the concept of Jesus is supposed to be dying for the sins of humanity. Like I get the, I, I get the concept. Okay. I get it. I get the concept. Right. So obviously I get that there's a, an important part of forgiveness, you know, 
seen a million of the movies where the guy goes into the Catholic church and he, you know, father, I have sinned, you know, I've seen all that stuff. I get it. Right. I get it. My only, so I, I got all that. And then I said, okay. And I moved the conversation to the next topic, which is that I feel like that when we have these conversations about religion or Christianity specifically, you tend to focus too much on the positive elements of it. And you don't really, you kind of ignore the potential negative effects of it that have definitely been embedded in that's our not, society. That's not, that's not remotely true. Okay. You're making a complete accusation of something I never did. My whole argument is that we need this meme of forgiveness. I know. Christianity is putting it into society. Yeah. Where, what other source is putting it into society? And then you're moving the goalpost to like, well, it does all these other bad things too. The only disagreement was whether or not Christianity was putting the meme of forgiveness into society. That was never the disagreement. I never disagree with that at any point in any conversation we've ever had in the history of us streaming together. Okay. <laughs> so I, that's why I said I agree with that. And then I was moving on to a different topic, though related, which is that I feel like whenever it comes up, you're look, too uh, positive, look, right? Again, and if you say that, again, wait, and if you, again, if you you're say, doing wait, it again. You're doing you it again. You're putting wait, a position wait, on me stop, that I do stop. not possess. You're putting it, a position on me that I, I do not possess. Why do you keep doing that? Okay. I was literally trying to repeat and restate what I was saying so that I could move on, not reclaim. Why do you okay. keep putting this? Oh my God. On let me. me finish the sentence. The following I was just conversation. Saying it, with I Jeff. was literally about to say, okay. I made that claim, and then you said, that's not my claim. And then I said, oh, okay, well, then we could have a conversation about that, but we have to just divorce it from the forgiveness thing because we don't disagree about the forgiveness thing. Right. Okay. That's all I was saying. Look, if you are if you want to take the value of the forgiveness meme and put it up against the, the con of the anti-LGBT right. stuff, sure, we can have a conversation about that. The conversation that we had on Sunday and the reason why Kat asked to do the poll was because there was a disagreement over whether or not Christianity was doing this. And I think That's if we went back to that- disagreement was that- Okay, well, I think if we went back The disagreement was, you made a claim. Again, if you want to amend your claim or, or change it, that's fine, okay? The claim, at least that I was arguing on Sunday, was that I don't believe if you asked every the majority of, of Christians, or I said, actually, I said, I don't know, if you ask the majority of Christians, you said, what is the one primary thing, the, the one trait, you know, the one thing that you would define Christianity as that they would answer forgiveness? That was what I said on Sunday. Okay. okay. Does that make sense? Do you understand that that's a different thing? Well, I, I feel like you're amending what you said just I so you it. can be proven correct on no, the No, I didn't. I would never argue in a million years that forgiveness is not an essential part of Christianity. I'd never argue that. If that's what you heard, then you just misheard me or we were talking past each other on Sunday. That's not what I argued. Well, I mean, we can go back to the stream, but it's kind of pointless. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So, Listen, look, 4,200 people. You need to forgive people. me, Adam, for you. <laughs> no, look, I just, it's so weird. It's so weird that you'll immediately, you know, it's just you're so willing to admit that you were wrong yeah. when it's somebody else. But then when it's here and you're obviously wrong, you're like, no, I'm going to the mat. I'm right. It's so, it's just, it's weird. It's totally you, you, weird. Wait, 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 wait. You don't think there's any chance, any possibility that my characterization of my position 
on Sunday is correct and you're just misremembering it or you misunderstood it at the time. Look, Cat, an independent third party yeah. asked to do the poll. Yeah. An independent third party weighed in on the poll and said it wasn't looking very good for you. <laughs> so I just like, it seems pretty obvious what the poll was about. Okay. I was making, I was making the claim that Christianity was putting this meme into society. The poll overwhelmingly confirms that. And now you've moved the goalpost to whether or not it's the most important meme in Christianity. Okay. But that's okay. We can well, move on. Actually, if you look at what Kat said, it was closer to what our disagreement was. Even though when I, I looked at it at the time and I said, I should probably say something to Adam if he wants to do the poll because it's not quite my position, which is my thought when I saw it, but I never said, I never actually said this to you. Because uh, Kat's tweet was, I am so curious now, you guys should pull your audience. Quote, is forgiveness the foundation of Christianity? Okay. Yes. Which, again, is the not when you say something's a foundation, that doesn't mean it's essential. That means is it the foundation? So the foundation the of something is of not essential. No, 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 no. Stop. You you understand there's a difference between saying like it's a what word is, difference. Yeah, but you, okay, there's a conceptual difference. Between saying something is essential to something and saying something is the foundation of something, right? Because when you say something is a foundation that puts in people's minds the idea that this is like the first principle that all other principles are kind of built on top of that lead, you know, to everything else. And if you say something's essential to something, well, it doesn't mean it's the first principle, but it could be an essential part of it, right? So foundations are non-essential is what you're saying. That's not Okay, maybe we should talk about something else. Look, it's just, it's so obvious. You're just arguing like this is motivated reasoning. We're, okay. we're witnessing it right here. Okay. Well, listen, we could go, I, you know, we could go back, you know, after this and look at Sunday to see what exactly I said. I don't believe I made an argument make saying that Christianity was not, that forgiveness was not essential to Christianity. I don't believe I made that argument because it's not what I believe. That's not what I believed at the time. So, you know, perhaps there was some kind of miscommunication in that stream. That's sure. not the argument that I made. I don't believe that's the argument I made. Cool. You're a very gracious loser. <laughs> okay. Did just say the chat is very divided upon whether I'm uh, gaslighting you or you're gaslighting me. You are totally me. gaslighting me. What are you talking about? Look, it's so obvious. You're like, okay. Look, something is essential. It's different than if it's foundational. Yeah, you don't understand. You don't understand what my argument is when I say Look, that. I obviously reworded the poll to make it clearer. I don't think you did. <laughs> right. I think you made it less clear. Okay. Look, we can do your poll if you want. That's fine. Oh. Look, you word the poll how you think okay. you're going to win the argument. Right. And I'll word the poll for the information that I want. Mm. My argument is that forgiveness is being put into the culture via Christianity. I think the poll overwhelmingly proves mm. that. I, I, I never disagree with that at any point in the stream on Sunday. Yes, you did. <laughs> okay. Everyone heard it. 
Everyone saw it. I don't oh, think you're they, so don't smug. Know. You're so smug about it. Oh my <laughs> god. It's just it's I wish I wish that the it's long, infuriating. I wish that the long streams had transcripts so that we could just go to because I don't know what part of the conversation this was. Look, you, um, you we settled at like for it or something. CT, was there a chapter for we settled at like 80 20? Yeah, where you know, I was saying it could be putting eight like 80 percent of the people could walk away from Christianity thinking that forgiveness is very important, even essential, maybe even foundational. My, my, the, the central argument that I'm making is there's this meme and now you've shifted the goalpost to not only is the meme being put into the culture because it's this meme that's useful culturally, mm -hmm. but now you're saying it's gotta be the bedrock. 99% of Christians have to agree that this is the, the one thing that you can't take out, which is basically what essential means anyway. <laughs> it's like the poll overwhelmingly proves the argument that i made yet you're here just like oh well you know i was i was still right it's just it's insane to me uh -huh. anyway anyway we can move on look okay. we've established in this live stream that sitch <laughs> is not a magnanimous loser you, you okay? see how like um you know i'm trying to create <laughs> an exit for the conversation without being definitive <laughs> so that we can move on yeah, and you're look, like, no, you're wrong. You are. You look. You are so wrong. Okay. You are. You are so wrong. You. You. Okay. You're constantly wrong. But look, okay. everyone. Look just at this. Look. Okay. Listen, I actually didn't care to go back, but I guess I'm gonna have to because this has become such an important issue. But anyway, we can move on. Yeah, let's do it. I look. Okay. Let's go back now. I'm I don't game. know where the stream it is. If you want, so. If anyone knows the time code where we start talking about forgiveness, you could uh, drop it in the chat or something, or we can just move on to a different topic. Yeah, let's just move on. Okay. Do we have some super chats to read? Uh, we do. Um, not about this topic. Though. Uh, PC for $5 says, I write down the names of everyone I've forgiven in my notebook. Looks over at the death note. True. True, 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 true. Uh, Christian Barr for $10 says, Happy Tuesday, boys. Just got engaged to my girlfriend five years on Saturday, and I got my brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. She also mentioned she's A-team. She was like, man, this Adam guy is just always right, shaking my damn head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Listen, Christian, I, I don't know. Listen, I know that you're, you're happy you got engaged for five years, but, you know, that's a red flag right there. <laughs> you might want to think about something else nice way to just totally ruin his proposal such but uh christian sent me a nice video too of him proposing so good oh really wow. congratulations 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 cool. yeah mm -hmm. so they seem like a very uh nice couple and you know i i wish all the best it's uh more people should get married i wish i would have got married younger to be honest mm -hmm. with you so right um but yeah no that's awesome Anyway, someone said twenty six forty five in the chat, and they lied. That was not the correct time code. <laughs> Screw you! Okay, trolling me. Uh, we'll we'll bring Paul's... it up. We'll bring it up after this, guys. After here, I'll find it right now. Listen, Des Ball specifically for two dollars says black shirt and black jacket looks fire, Adam. Well, there you go. Look at that. 
Yeah, thanks. Uh, the man for two Canadians says, you guys watch Godzilla yet? Adam watched it. I, I didn't watch it. Adam said he liked it. I said I didn't watch it. So I thought it was great, yeah. So it looks like it's going to win a bunch of Academy Awards too, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Sammy G, hey Sammy G for five dollars says, "Why does Fetterman look like Xenohort from Kingdom Hearts? I can't believe the only one that sees it. Very sus." Um, does he look like? Wait a minute, does he look like Xenohort from F Kingdom Hearts? I mean, maybe that's what happened. Like when Fetterman like had his you know aneurysm or whatever. Uh, that was really Xenohort taking over his heart. Maybe he became heartless. I mean, I don't think they look that similar. Anyway, I, I don't know what you're talking about here. I don't see it. They have a completely different facial structure. Xenohort has like a very like uh, narrow chin. Like, you know, he's like Xenohort is like an upside down triangle with a like a round head. And Fetterman's like a big fat, you know, he's got like a big fat face. They look very different to me. Are you sure you don't just see like white guy with facial hair and you think that they look the same? I don't know. I don't see it. Okay. Uh, Dwight Baldwin for $10 says, can you guys go over the Hunter Avalon shooting? Um, Why? Yeah. Like, like what's, what's there to go over exactly? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't really want to go over like drama stuff unless i like really hate the person which i don't really hate hunter or anything like that um i don't really want to go over like weird drama stuff especially drama stuff that involves uh, real life you know harm and obviously someone you know minecrafted themselves and then i know people were criticizing like the way that they were talking about it so much on the internet and like i, I mean i get it i get there's like a lot of weird stuff going on there but you know everyone deals with very crazy situations in their own way you know i don't really want to honestly insert myself into that conversation you know sorry uh moondoggy for ten dollars says in a lot of shonen anime there's a lot of forgiveness that goes on quote your enemy today becomes your friend tomorrow especially when you fight it out yeah you know it's interesting and i talked about this before in a previous stream um now i've never read journey of the west journey of the west is like the famous you know i guess jap is it no it's chinese right sun wukong yeah like the, that famous Chinese, you know, Asian uh, story about the Monkey King kind of doing whatever Monkey King mythos that the Monkey King was doing. And I I don't know if that's a story about turning your enemies into friends. Because that, that whole idea about turning your enemies into friends and forgiveness, ironically. Um, and actually, like, it's kind of funny because we talk about gender gender differences and how men will fight each other and then they can become, like, friendly after the fight. That idea is like super common in Japanese anime, but it's only like kind of a little bit common in American anime. Like that's actually the foundation of Dragon Ball is like basically every friend Goku has, except for Bulma, maybe like, well, even then Bulma sort of, he meets through having conflict with the person and even having rivalry or outright being their enemy. And then essentially they become Goku's friend. And that was like the entirety of Dragon Ball. And then Dragon Ball Z that kind of disappeared. Only like Vegeta really became, you know, friendly sort of <laughs> in Dragon Ball Z. But that was the entirety of Dragon Ball. All the main characters in Dragon Ball, you know, Yamcha, Tien, uh, Chaozu, Krillin, all like all the, the main people, Piccolo, they all start off as Goku's enemies. So it is kind of interesting that, that you're right, that that idea 
about like turning enemies into friends is a far more common idea in Japanese anime. So the androids, I guess. Um, this this boo count. I don't know if boo counts. I mean, maybe it was really Mister Satan that did that, not Goku. But I guess it's kind of a similar topic. I guess that's true. I guess we can count boo. So. Let's see. Uh, thank you so much, Caleb Sinek, for the five gifted memberships. Remy LeBlu for eight. Aussie says, do you forgive people who previously took a hard line Israel bad stance against Israel's actions and now hold the nuanced sympathetic view on Israel? I, I'm pro-Palestine now, actually. Oh, you are? This really? conversation, you... Oh, okay. Yeah. That's funny. I think, um, uh, yeah, I think Palestine. <laughs> right. Um, that's interesting. Well, who has that? Does anyone have that position? I've never, I mean, I haven't been following it. Who who actually has that position? I can't think off the top of my head anyone who started the position of like Israel bad and now has become Israel good or Israel nuanced. I'm not actually familiar with anyone that, that has that position. So I would be curious. It seems like people either stuck, stayed where they were or they went in the opposite direction. So, but of course I would. Let's see. King of Rats for Chidar says, Adam, have you read Dominion by Tom Holland? People have recommended that to me a bunch, but I'm not a believer. That's the thing. Is, so it, I don't... is this a nonfiction book? Yeah. It's, what is I, it? I don't remember, but every time I look at it, I'm like... Seems Dominion, like how the Christian book. Revolution remade the world. It's a book about the influence of Christianity in the world. Yeah, but it's written from a believer's perspective. Right, I right, right. Okay. I mean, it could be interesting to your argument if this, if it talks a lot about just the history. Like, no, it I would can't. Not if it positive history of Christianity. Not if it comes from like a biblical perspective. How's okay, that going to help me? Right. Well, I'll just give you examples when you argue with you know people about. I never uh, argue from a biblical perspective. No, 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 no. But I'm assuming, I'm assuming just based on this summary from Wikipedia, that's not about like whether the Bible is true or not. It's about, you know, what movements and what historical events that were good historical events were inspired by Christianity or Christian thought. Is that what it's about? That's what it seems like it's about from the Wikipedia page. Um, okay. Where was I? King of Rats for two hours says, Merry Christmas, guys. Thank you. CT for two Canadians says, you guys are talking past each other. Move on. I agree. I agree. Alex B for five dollars says, I don't think forgiveness is a foundation. It's love. Without love, can you really forgive? Um, I mean, I think you can, right? Well, love of what exactly? Like you can forgive someone without loving them, but could you forgive someone without having the capacity to love like god or life or some concept like maybe not you know i think you do need to have it's hard for me to imagine that like like the, like the difficulty of forgiving your enemy you know someone who has like wronged you in some severe way you know some often you know a violent way it's hard for me to imagine that idea ever being able to be broadly passed and accepted in any sort of atheistic idea 
like you can definitely create an atheist logic to why it's a good thing. And you can definitely, there'll definitely be a handful of people that believe it, but I don't believe like widespread society could ever adopt that idea or a widespread group of people could ever actually adopt and live that idea without a concept of God. Because I think that idea is just so counter to what you want to do emotionally um, that I think you're going to need God or going to need something of, you know, some kind of divinely spiritual belief behind that, right? Because I'm sure, you know, I, I don't know if like when, I'm sure like Buddhists and other Eastern religions that maybe don't, that are spiritual, but don't hyper-focus on like a singular God, they could still have the same concept of forgiveness. But I think it has to be rooted in whatever that spiritual sense is, because it's such a, a difficult thing, I think, for humans to naturally do. Uh, Liam S. for 17 months says, Adam, quote, society and people need to forgive. Also, Adam, get <laughs> back here, Sitch. I'm not through demeaning you. Wow, look at that. Look, I just, I, it's, it's a little infuriating, Sitch. Obviously, you understand. I'm, I feel like I'm being gaslit here. I understand. Like, I just think you misunderstood what I was saying. We, on we, look, on Sunday, basically, I, I was making the argument, look, I was raised Christian. I think I understand Christianity. Right. And you were like, yeah, maybe you don't. That's okay. a little uh, demeaning, I think. Well, if that's how you took it, that was not my intention, obviously. Uh, I was just making the position that there are different sects of Christianity and different <laughs> sects focus on different things. And I mean, you had, you had, you know, you're part of your sect. So how many, how, so how many different sects do you think answered that poll? That's, that has okay. 4,200 respondents. Right. Okay. Uh, El Caliso for 14 months says, I'm not Christian, however, look, I, don't... I, I asked you. Look, I asked you a question, man. How many already, sects already, do you think answered that poll? I don't know. I already explained why I don't think you the don't poll know? addresses the question. Take a guess. Question. I already explained why I think the poll doesn't address the question. I mean, so you, you understand that, right? You think I'm shifting the goalposts, but this is, I'm just going to keep answering the same way. So uh el caliso for 14 months says i'm not christian however i don't believe it's all about forgiveness but mercy but if that mercy is to be given you got to admit you're you've been wrong but if that mercy is to be given i don't know what that means it's not about it's all about for i don't believe it's about forgiveness but it's about mercy what well, i don't know exactly what that means from a christian sense what does mercy mean from that like god's mercy to people I don't know. Uh, Bullseye89 for five hours. Thank you. Uh, Nigel TRC72 for five pounds says, watch your video on Coach Red Pill. It wasn't just he was shooting on Ukraine. He was doxing soldiers and journalists as well. Yeah, I saw someone, I saw some people have made this uh, claim. I was trying to look up what the source of this claim was. Um, all I found, or I mean, you know, I didn't do a super deep dive, but I, I did do some research into this. You know, the one thing I found was, you know, there was a, he was at like a hotel and he, he kind of took out his phone and he just kind of scanned the room and he's like, these are all the, the pig journalists. These are all the pig journalists, you know, sitting at a five-star hotel, you know, as the war continues and they're helping the war continue. Right. And I kind of watched it. And I was like, well, I mean, I guess technically you could say he's maybe giving away their location, like the speed at which he scanned the room with his phone, it's very difficult to actually make out anyone's face. Um, though obviously his intention was not to dox in these people, but just to be like, look, here are people in a five-star hotel. 
and they're you know uh, not his his argument was essentially that the people that are perpetuating the war are not you know participating in the war they're kind of living freely off of it. Um, so if, if that's the evidence for doxing, I'm not really confident that I would consider that doxing. If there's something else, you know, let, let me know. Just send it to me on Twitter or Discord or something. I would be curious to see it. Because um, when I was looking at the articles that I saw, which were quoting the Ukrainian sources, you know, they they didn't talk about the doxing element of it, which I would imagine that the Ukrainian government would be trying to make the strongest case possible for why he would be arrested. And so, yeah, obviously, if he was doxing journalists or he was doxing military people, you know, I would agree that he should completely be arrested for that, obviously. But uh, let me know. Miss Sparkles for $5 says, joke, gentlemen, how is God just like a regular man? If you're not on your knees, he's not interested. <laughs> also, you're both pretty, so kiss and move on. There you go. Uh, Van Codling for five dollars says Adam. Okay. Uh, Adam's robot for twelve months says, "Can squirrels consent?" Asking for a friend. <laughs> uh, one year of me paying to hear Adam abuse squirrels, cats, and sitch. That's why a team reigns supreme. Well, there you go, Adam. You got Adam's robot likes your uh, squirrel and cat love slash abuse. Sweet. Okay. You want to watch this clip that we have up? Sure, we can. I went to the clip on. There's two clips on here. Yeah. There is one on conflict resolution, which I was going to go to the one on discerning truth. But I think the one on conflict resolution would be more important at this point. And uh, we'll go to the discerning truth second. This is decision-making of various forms. Should be very good, especially in the context of our current uh, debate slash disagreement. Reason, the primary reason I did that is so that I could spend time on Blue Origin adding some you know, energy, some sense of urgency. We need to move much faster, and we're going to. <laughs> uh, what are the ways to speed it up? So, I mean, th there's... Uh... <sighs> You've talked a lot of different ways to sort of uh, at, at, at Amazon, um, you know, removing uh, barriers for, for for progress, sort of distributing, making everybody autonomous and self reliant in terms all the, all those kinds of things. Is that apply at Blue Origin or is the... it does apply? I know I'm leading this directly. We are going to become the world's most decisive company across any industry, and so. You know, it, Jesus is Jeff Bezos looking jacked. And I know, oh, of course he is. Look at this. This guy, I think he's like in his. I think he's almost sixty. He's also like looking puffy, though, right? Like, what's going on there? That's the Botox. Look at every every Botox. Oh yeah, okay. that's Bo. That's definitely Botox face. That's what like L.A. like all this. Of course, <laughs> look, I'm an expert in Botox. I live in Los Angeles. Do you think, yeah, I was going to ask, someone in the chat says he's on roids. Do you think he's on roids? I mean, the way his voice sounds, I don't know, something seems a little weird about his presentation here. I can't quite put my finger on it, but maybe it's just the puffiness. Amazon, for you know, for ever since the beginning, I said that we're going to become the world's most customer-obsessed company. Mm -hmm. And no matter the industry, 
like people one day people are going to come to Amazon from the healthcare industry and want to know how did you guys how do you how are you so customer obsessed how do you actually not just pay lip service to that but actually do that mm-hmm. um, and from you know all, all different industries should come want to study us to see how we accomplish that and the analogous thing at Blue Origin and it will help us move faster is we're going to become the world's most decisive company we're going to get really good at taking appropriate technology risk, making those decisions quickly, um, you know, being bold on those things. That's what, and, and having the right culture that supports that, you need people to be ambitious, technically ambitious. You know, if there are five ways to do something, we'll study them, but let's study them very quickly and make a decision. We can always change our mind. Uh, it doesn't, you know, changing your mind, is a, a, I talk about one-way doors and two-way doors, most decisions are two-way doors. Can you explain that? Because I, I love that uh, metaphor. If you make the wrong decision, if it's a two-way door decision, you walk out the door, you pick a door, you walk out, mm-hmm. and you spend a little time there, it turns out to be the wrong decision, you can come back in and pick another door. That's so important with decision-making. You, Whenever you're working on a project or anything, you con- I constantly catch myself doing this, thinking, mm-hmm. okay, trying to leave as many options open to myself as possible, but being conscious of the decisions that are like, okay, well, there's basically no way to turn that decision around. Do you think of that on? I'm not sure I follow what he's saying. Well, he's saying, um, you know, obviously if you're building something or working on any big project, you know, even in filmmaking, you mm-hmm. have certain decisions that once right. they're made, like it's just monumental to undo that decision, right? You're right, building yes. other decisions on top of that decision. Right. So, yes. But um, so in his business, he's talking about how he, a lot of, and I, I find myself doing this and it's, it's kind of a, it can be a problem when you push decisions off, like you want more time to meditate on them. I'm definitely like a, a thinker. So I think long and hard about decisions. I, I can find myself putting decisions off, but he's saying that that's really a bad move in business. You got to make decisions as quickly as possible. I don't, do you think about decision-making at all? Do you, is that a. Sure. Sure. But okay. Was he saying that, that you should make a decision in such a way that you leave yourself the capacity to go back and change your decision if it doesn't work out? Was that what he was saying? He's saying, depending upon the decision, some decisions are, you can make the decision and if it doesn't work out very well, you just undo it. Right. Some decisions are a one-way door. Once you walk through that door, it's like crossing the Rubicon. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Okay. There's no way back. Rome will never be the same. You know the story of the Rubicon? Yes. No army was allowed to cross the Rubicon to enter Exactly. And as soon as they did, it was like war. That was the sign that Caesar was coming to seize power. Right. Some decisions are so consequential and so important and so hard to reverse that they really are one-way door decisions. Okay, wait. I'm confused. Elon Musk took the headlines off of Twitter links and everyone said this was an awful idea. Like everyone, no one thought this was a good idea. It was an awful, stupid idea, right? To get rid of the headline. So you can't see what the link even is just like the picture of the article. Then it says the website. And then he said he was going to change it. And then they never changed it back. It's still the same terrible way. 
Well, he has access to metrics that we don't have. If he's trying to get more people to click on it, maybe more people click on it without the headline. Well, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe he wants less people to click on it because he wants people to stay on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. That could be it. That could be it. Look, there's all kinds of ulterior motives right. that go on with his decision making. I mean, that's especially probably in, it. in a platform situation. Because I know what I mean. Because I know when I look now at links, I'm less likely to click on it because, like, I don't know what that link. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, Everyone, look, every the X oh, thing. Look, God. he lost me when he changed the platform to X. I'm just like, yeah. No, it's still a dumb choice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there reluctantly. If yes. If another Twitter evolved, is that even possible? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe in the future. Who knows? But. That's ridiculous. And I, the, the concept didn't even make sense to me because, like, you know, the argument was, well, he wanted to do it because he wanted to change Twitter to be like an everything platform. I'm like, okay, well, you can do that and still have it be called Twitter. Like, it doesn't, mm -hmm. why would the name, the name doesn't stop you from expanding the scope of Twitter, right? People like when a brand name becomes popular, it can expand the scope of whatever the original meaning is in people's mind. Like I know the I know it's called Twitter because the concept is like, oh, a tweet is supposed to be like a small little bird sound because it's like a small little uh, message you're sending out, right? But once the brand expands, it expands in your mind what Twitter represents or what it means, and that would you, you could still have Twitter be banking or have movies or whatever the crap he wants to put on it, you know. It was you go in, it's so dumb. It's yeah, still, it was, it's still dumb. It's a bad. Decision. Yeah, you can't call it a tweet anymore because we changed it from Twitter. Change it called. Yes, you can. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, what the heck? Right. It's well, so it, ridiculous. It is a bad idea too because it's like you know when you brand something, it's like Kleenex or Windex, like the or Google. You know the the key or to or Xerox. Yeah, <laughs> the key to a good brand is that when the brand name becomes to the word to describe like just the generic action in the first place right yeah people say oh i'm gonna google something this means they're gonna look up something oh you want a kleenex means you just want a tissue right you know or xerox you go xerox something that just means you're gonna copy something um and so tweet was sort of like twitter and tweet became the generic name to mean this to do this kind of uh thing and then to replace that with post which is the generic name is kind of baffling <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, he flushed I some estimated at eight billion dollars worth of branding down the toilet. That's very a, weird. Yeah. That's a one way door. <laughs> yeah. That was a right. bad well no, he could have changed back, I guess. He could have changed back. Like but he not now, but like you know, back well, I guess and even now he could still change back, but Oh god, that would be amazing. Do, do if you he think did, well, actually, if he's like, Okay, I changed <laughs> change you Well, because then he could always change Everyone back. Everyone would be like, Yes. It's not like you know, he, since he owns the company privately, mm -hmm. well, I don't know. What is the board? I mean, does, can he be fired from the board? Is there a board anymore? Or is there's no board, right? Because it's not a public company. He's just He just owns it. He gives you whatever he wants with it, right? Sure. So, yeah. So, like, because if, if, there, if there was a board, you could say, oh, we can't change back because then there'll be a clear sign he messed up and there'll be a clear sign that maybe he should be fired. But I don't, I don't think he, he has doesn't... any constraints like to be fired because he just owns the company outright privately. So he could just change it back, you know, but he's not, I don't think he is going to, but he could. And he doesn't seem to care if he's made a mistake, admitting that he's made a mistake. Like he's right. He seemed open to doing that. Well, he didn't, I don't believe he's ever said he's made a mistake regarding the, the name change, but no, but he said he made a mistake tweeting out the anti-Semitic stuff. Obviously yes, he said, yeah, sure. look, I sure. fucked up before. Right. Right. He has no problem saying he's he's fucked up before. 
Like you have no problem saying you fucked up before <laughs> in front of destiny when you're sucking up to destiny. But when, when, when it's going to be in a destiny video, sure. You'll say, look, you're right. I look, I looked right here and now I find that you're completely correct about this destiny. But here on stream with the guy you've been streaming with for five years, you can't bring yourself to admit that you were wrong. It's funny. Uh -huh. It's very it, bizarre. Listen, if, when we go back and we look at it and I'm wrong, I will fully admit on stream. Sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't funny. have any problem doing that. Maybe we can get it in a destiny stream. There you go. In that door, you're not coming back. Mm -hmm. And those decisions have to be made very deliberately, very carefully. Um, if you can think of yet another way to analyze the decision, you should slow down and do that. So, you know, uh, when I, CEO of Amazon, I often found myself in the position of being the chief slowdown officer mm -hmm. because somebody would be bringing me a one-way door decision. And I would say, okay, I can think of three more ways to analyze that. So let's go do that because we ha we are not going to be able to reverse this one easily. If we, maybe you can reverse it, but it's going to be very costly and very time-consuming. We really have to get this one right from the beginning. And uh, the, the, what happens, unfortunately, in companies, what can happen is that you have a one-size-fits-all decision-making process where you end up using the heavyweight process on all decisions, For everything, yeah. including the lightweight ones, the, the two-way door decisions. Two-way door decisions should mostly be made by single individuals or by very small teams deep in the organization. Mm -hmm. And one-way door decisions are the ones that, that are the irreversible ones. Those are the ones that should be elevated up to, you know, the senior. This gets better, I know. Look, it's like. Well, this, what he's saying is would make every communist, like, re-in-terror. Okay. Because there's a hierarchical structure inside well, the company? He, I mean, he's saying that if you have a decision, a decision that you can go back and change if you mess up, that should be put up to like the committee, like the group of people to make the decision. But when you have this decision where, you know, you can't go back, he's like, that should be in the, the realm of the hierarchical CEO of, of the course. Of the company. Yes. The king, you should make the, like this, the hard decisions have to be made by like the hard man at the top, you know? Only the elites make the decisions. Right. And so yeah, I could, I could hear every communist going like. But according to them, anybody could be an elite. Just, it's a, just a matter of picking the person. Who cares yes. if they're a good decision maker, right? You just right, pick whoever. Right. Well, I mean, listen, we just talked about all these bad decisions Elon made. So I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, look, Elon's decision making at Twitter. Well, I, I'm I, sure he's made good decisions too, you know. Well, I keep the saving grace is if he's making decisions that are working out behind the scenes that we just sure. don't know how they're working out, like the link thing. Right. Like if that's happening, okay, it's forgivable, but just surface level, it is terrible. Right. He does have that mindset that he, he said, and we didn't watch it in that talk that he did, which mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you ever watched the whole thing, but the whole thing is amazing. He said, look, I'm sick of people who are more interested in looking good than doing good. Right. And I'm like, oh, so true. So true. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I am one of the decisions he made that I'm very happy about. I was happy about he basically telling the advertisers to F off. Um, mm -hmm. I'm happy about that. I'm not happy that there's a crap ton of racism and anti-Semitism on Twitter far more than there was ever before, but you yeah, know, I'm I not, guess that's the trade-off. 
I'm not happy that I can't tweet anything without a million bots liking it before anyone else does. Yeah. I'm not happy that I see more ads for OnlyFans than I do for for regular products like Coke and Pepsi, right? Yeah, there's it's a lot. So the, the, awful. The porn bots definitely have increased. Increased? They've why. taken over. Yeah. Well, not quite that bad, but they definitely have increased. Um, and I don't know why that is. I don't know what change that allowed that to come to, to fruition, but. Someone heard we were fighting and they showed up in the chat, Sitch. <laughs> what? So, oh. So, <laughs> is, that, is that what happened? So someone happened. someone told Shu that we were fighting. So oh, okay. now, what's up, Shu? Nice to okay. see. Always nice to see you. In I want to. I want so. you to know, Shu, that I agree with you 100. Uh, percent Your husband. <laughs> your husband is insane. Anyone who doesn't subscribe and just like rant and just like every time they want to watch a content creator, they they search for them manually. Well, you got to give the backstory on that. It's kind of an insane. That's the take. I mean, that's just a, that's an insane. Well, nobody thing knows. Happen. Nobody. It's, so Shu had tweeted out that. She was sitting uh, with her husband, and he is evidently not subscribed to anyone on YouTube. Yes, and yeah. he just watches videos randomly. And she whatever's like prod. the algorithm promotes him. It's funny because when you were describing this, I'm like, this is so like not conservative behavior. This is very left wing, like chaotic, not orderly behavior. <laughs> it's like super open to new experiences, right? This is all like very anti right wing. Yeah. So anyway. I want to get back to Bezos. Yeah, let's get this. Okay. Is, I'm telling you, this is going to play in right here. Really? This is, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm waiting for there's it. There's a theme going on here. Most executives who should slow them down and make sure that the right thing is being done. Yeah, I mean, part of the skill here is to, to, to know the difference in one way and two way. I think you might yeah. slow things down, maybe take a poll, you know, kind of get some <laughs> metrics, get some actual data on what's going on in the situation. So don't uh, leave it to underlings who just trust right. their gut intuition. So our good friend, uh, good friend of the show, Asif Artsy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he drew a picture. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw it, right? I didn't know. Yeah, you no, you did see it. You did see it. How do you, you know? commented on it, right? When and, did I? Uh, what? I didn't comment on it. Yeah, and uh, you you did comment. You even DM me about. It. Um, but he said he drew a symbol. He drew kind of like the yin yang and it had the Adam and Sitch inside the yin yang. And he said, uh, he said, Adam, you are a more obvious symbol of forgiveness than any religious symbol. Uh, but Sitch can stand for judgment in the yin yang. And I said, I like the symbol, but I am far more forgiving than Adam. <laughs> 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 and I guess this conversation is kind of playing into that, isn't it? Well, look, <laughs> I, I do. I've, this is why I understand the importance of the meme of forgiveness in Christianity, right. because I am not a forgiving person. Oh, okay. You feel yeah. it. Right. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Look, my instinct is 100% against forgiveness. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm about getting even. I am. <laughs> Hopefully when you're least expecting it, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, that's not a good way to live your life. Look, I got to fight those moral intuitions all the time. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person. So this is why forgiveness is, is important. But shall we, shall we soldier on here? Yeah. So we're talking about decision-making, right? Do you think you should make decisions based on metrics or just your gut intuition, Sitch? Which is uh, more Metrics, important? yeah. Metrics, metrics, okay. Yeah. 
Definitely, definitely metrics. Right. We, I mean, multiple polls is, I think, a good way to go. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think you mentioned Amazon Prime. Uh, the decision to sort of create Amazon Prime as a one-way door. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's unclear if it is or not, but it probably is, and it's a really big risk to go there. There are a bunch of decisions like that that are, you know, changing the decision is going to be very, very complicated. Some of them are technical decisions, too, because some technical decisions are like quick-drying cement, you know. If you're gonna, once you make them, it gets really hard. I mean, you know, choosing which propellants to use in a vehicle, you know, selecting LNG for the booster stage and selecting hydrogen for the upper stage, that has turned out to be a very good decision. But if you changed your mind, <laughs> that would be a very, that would be a very big setback. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I was saying? Well, okay. Well, you know, since I, I know, first of all, I don't know where where this clip is going, um, but. Um, you know, your favorite commentator, Scott Adams, always brings up this point where he says that these people don't actually make the decisions that they're talking about. You know, it's some, someone who makes a chart is the one that makes a decision. They're the person that says like, oh, well, I did, you know, as you said, you don't want to make your decision on, on gut intuition. I assume Jeff Bezos doesn't, doesn't want to intuit what, you know, fluid is better for the rocket ship right or whatever the fuck he's talking about <laughs> like what what uh accelerant that you should use so they you know they hire or they have someone in the company some team of you know quote scientists or experts you know they do some report and they they're basically the ones that make the decision and the ceo just does whatever they say does is that not true very often the case he talks about this hopefully before this clip because it's kind of long and detailed but he right. does say that in companies you build a number of different metrics and a lot of times people learn to game the metrics. So there'll be anecdotal information that will show that the company's not achieving some goal or not on the right track and people will pull out the metrics and they'll say, Oh, look at all these metrics. Everything is a okay. Right. <laughs> because a bunch of people in the company have learned to game the system They obviously they have to produce metrics that are going to be pleasing to the higher ups. So, and he, he says he always defaults to believing the anecdotes and obviously you can't really? just believe them out of nowhere. Right. What you want to do is you want to create a whole new metric and see that's, that hasn't been gamed and see what's actually going on. So, well, I mean, th that is always the difficulty. This comes up a lot in the kind of like, I, you know, I listened the other day to the very long conversation uh, that James Lindsay had with Carl on Benjamin Boyce's channel. And they mm -hmm. kind of talk about, you know, uh, liberalism and the kind of conversations that we've had. I know that you know, that's a really frustrating conversation. Yeah. It's an interesting conversation. It's a frustrating conversation at the same time. Um, you know, obviously James Lindsay is far more knowledgeable, uh, than either of us about all the various like philosophies that are being discussed. So you can kind of, you know, argue on that level. Um, but it kind of, you know, a lot of this kind of reminds me of, you know, the whole science is wrong sometimes argument that comes up in these sorts of conversations about liberalism or kind of the left versus right dichotomy. Because, yeah, like, it's true that very, any system that exists, people can gain it. Any metric that exists, people can gain, game it. Any study that exists, people can game it. And so, yeah, there are people that will, you know, in a company, they're using some metrics, they're trying to be scientific, they're trying to use some kind of fact, some kind of metric to sort of figure out what direction to go. And Bezos understands that people are doing these sort of modifying it for their own 
personal gain. And so he has to rely kind of on a combination of anecdotes and intuitions, you know, to figure out what is true sometimes. And while that is an act, and while I'm sure that works, I'm sure that that works, um, you just have to be careful to not mean like, well, therefore, these metrics shouldn't be important. Therefore, science is important. Like, just because there are bad actors that use a system to their own means doesn't mean that the system itself is is like a thing to be thrown away forever. Yeah, he. we're going to go into that in the next clip. The next clip okay. is on truth, and they go right. into that, which is super good. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of decision you scrutinize very, very carefully. Other things just aren't like that. Most decisions are not that way. Most decisions should be made by single individuals, but they need and, and, and done quickly in the full understanding that you can always change your mind. Yeah, one of the things I really liked, uh, perhaps it's not two-way door decisions, is uh, I disagree and commit phrase. So <laughs> don't. So somebody brings up an idea to you, if it's a two-way door, you state that you don't understand enough to agree, but <laughs> you still back them. I mean, I'd love well, for you to explain it. I'm yeah, disagree and that. commit is a really important principle that saves a lot of arguing. Yeah. So wow that would save a lot of arguing wouldn't it just disagree, disagree. and commit right yeah this is, this is a great idea but what does that mean exactly well let's see let's see if he expounds upon okay. it oh you know i'm gonna use that in my personal life <laughs> i disagree <laughs> but commit like it's very common in any endeavor in life in yeah. business and any you know anybody where you have teammates you have a teammate and the two of you disagree yeah that's a team both a disagree, okay? You following along, Sitch? Okay, I, well, I, I, I'm assuming he's going to say that, like, there's a disagreement about how to do something, um, but then the person in charge says, okay, I understand disagreement, but we're doing this this way. And so then it falls upon the person that disagrees and say, okay, I disagree with you, but I'll commit to doing it your way because you're in charge, right? No. At no, some point, you have to make a decision. And, you know, in companies, we tend to organize hierarchically. So there's this, uh, you know, whoever's the more senior person ultimately gets to make the decision. So ultimately, the CEO gets to make that decision. And the CEO may not always make the decision that they agree with. So like, you know, I would, say, I would often, I would be the one who would disagree and commit. Some, one of my direct reports would very much want to do it, do something in a particular way. I would think it was a bad idea. I would explain my point of view. They would say, I, Jeff, I think you're wrong, and here's why. And we would go back and forth. And I would often say, you know what? I don't think you're right, um, but I'm going to gamble with you. And um, you're closer to the ground truth than I am. I've known you for 20 years. <laughs> you have great judgment. I don't know that I'm right either, not really, not for sure. All these decisions are complicated. Let's do it your way. But at least then you've made a decision. And, I, and I'm agreeing to commit to that decision. So I'm not going to be second-guessing it. I'm not going to be sniping at it. I'm not going to be saying, I told you so. I'm going to try actively to help make sure it works. Okay. Well, I mean, that is kind of what I said, that, or at least that's what I meant. So... But I think this is an important. This is an important concept um, because it's something I definitely personally need to work on. Because I'm actually really terrible at this, you know, and have been my whole life. Is that when 
I'm in some kind of disagreement with someone and they're doing something that I think is stupid. Or this actually came up a lot when I was a young lad in school. If I was being taught something I thought was stupid and pointless, I just could not emotionally motivate myself to care, to learn about it at all. You know, like I could do algebra all day and I'd be like, oh, this is, you know, I understand like the concepts of why this is important and why we need to learn this information. And then as soon as we got into like the geometry stuff where it'd be like, oh, you have to measure all these angles without protractors and all this other stuff. I'm like, I'm never going to use this. This is pointless. Like, I just can't emotionally be bothered to care whatsoever with the topic. And it's kind of the same thing with this. You know, I, I know that growing up, if I had some disagreement with someone about, you know, something you know, I would emotionally unengage from it if, you know, just I just disagree with it. But what he's saying is important because especially if you're in a situation like a company or a team or something of this factor, because first of all, if a decision has been made, first of all, you have to make a decision. You can't exist in limbo. Um, that, that kind of screws you over. You have to be decisive and you have to be decisive personally in your own life is that, you know, when you're confronted with decisions, you make a decision and then you know, you can always change, but you have to be, it's like, it's very difficult because on one hand you need to be decisive because if you're not, that's what creates anxiety. That's what creates um, a lot of psychological problems. People don't like being around indecisive people. People like decisive take, take charge kind of people. So it's like this weird balance of you trying to, to be able to be decisive to say, okay, we're doing this, boom. And you confidently move forward. You confidently go ahead but at the same token, be able to, at least in your own mind, realize that you can get to a point where you've made the wrong decision and then change course. And it's so difficult. I feel like it's so difficult to find that balance of being able to be decisive, but also change course at the same time, personally. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to be decisive. That's well, no, where I'm most tough people to, fail. Like, people are decisive, and then they'll just be like kind of like stubborn. Or people are not decisive at all. Like it's hard to be both, like be able to, or to find that balance. And that's why, like you know, there's a whole meme that girls like assholes. And it's like, well, I don't think it's so much that girls like assholes. I think it's girls like people that are decisive. Or, you know, people in general like people that are decisive. They look at that as kind of like a leadership orientation. As you're decisive, um, it's just that a lot of times people that are assholes are decisive, <laughs> right? That's partly why they can be assholes. So, sure, but this is talking about a particularly tough decision, right? Well, this is talking about like from a team or a company perspective that, and this is a good, good, good advice that if someone in the company makes a decision and you and you've decided through whatever process that that decision to do, you should give it a hundred percent of your support to see if it will like actually work. You shouldn't be trying to undermine it or snipe it or you know whatever and do all these other bad things, right? Which a lot of people do fall back into I told you so mode. Yes. Every five definitely. minutes. Yes. Well, things are playing out. They're kind of actively sabotaging the decision that's been made. Yeah. Either it, consciously like or unconsciously just more by than anything. Right. And you can you can sabotage it even unconsciously by just saying, I told you so, I told you I was right, I told you I was right, I told you I was right, right. Like because that just brings the morale and the energy down. Oh yeah. That's a really important teammate behavior there's so many ways that dispute resolution is a really interesting thing in on teams and there are so many ways when two people disagree about something even though I'm, I'm assuming like the case where everybody is well-intentioned they just have a very different opinion about what the right decision is and 
Are they well-intentioned? Sometimes I wonder. I mean, sometimes. We have in our... You're muted. A-team is about goodness. Look at this. Look, you, ho you hope they're, they're well-intentioned. <laughs> you do hope they're well-intentioned, but sometimes yeah. late uh -huh. at night you're sitting there and thinking, <laughs> are they well-intentioned? Do they really have my interest in, in mind? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Our society and inside companies, we have a bunch of um, mechanisms that we use to resolve these kinds of disputes. A lot of them are, I think, really bad. So, you know, <laughs> Well, oh, can you think of some bad ways to resolve disputes, Sitch? You got any on the top of your head? Of course, obviously. I mean, you could just, you know, fight about something forever. You could keep trying to bring it up every two seconds. True. There's lots yeah. of ways. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. An example of a really bad way of coming to agreement is compromise. So compromise, you know, look, I, here's, we're in a room here and I could say, Lex, how tall do you think this ceiling is? And you'd be like, I don't know, Jeff, maybe 12 feet tall. And I would say, I, I think it's 11 feet tall. Yeah. And then um, we'd say, you know what? Let's just call it 11 and a half feet. <laughs> That's compromise. Yeah. Instead of the right thing to do is, you know, to get a tape measure or figure out some way of actually measuring. But think, get in that tape measure and figure out how to get it to the top of the ceiling and all these things. That requires energy. Compromise, the advantage of compromise as a resolution mechanism is that it's low energy, um, but it doesn't lead to truth. And so uh, in things like the height of the ceiling where truth is a noble thing, mm -hmm. you shouldn't allow compromise to be used when you can know the truth. Mm -hmm. Truth. Okay. Oh my God. Well, I wait a minute. Truth. What he's saying here is actually kind of retarded, but okay. I understand why he's saying it. Um, because, you know, he, you know, he's CEO of Amazon He's the guy who's making the one door decisions, right? Oh, of course. Um, so well, he's definitely signing off on them, even if someone right, else is right, making them. Right, right, that's true. Right, right. Well, he he's responsible, I guess. Even if someone else creates the thing he does, he's responsible, you know, for the one door decisions um, by signing off on it or or making it. Because um, like when he, to just blanketly be like, well, compromise is this bad thing because it's low energy, which first of all is not true, actually. And he gives this weird example of like, well, you know, this, the ceiling height, which is some objective thing that is like relatively easy to measure. It's like, okay, sure. In this like very specific, bizarre situation where there's no reason to compromise on the height of a ceiling because you can just check it, right? But when we're talking about like making compromises and decisions, it's for things that are not known or unknowable generally, or not even agreed upon what the set of facts are. You know, you look at all, like the way our, polit our political situation works is because you have, you know, we have two different political parties that have very different worldviews from each other. And yet they have to somehow come to some kind of agreement because every American has to come to some kind of agreement because we all believe in consent of the government, unless maybe Jeff Bezos doesn't. Um, so you have to have some kind of agreement on what exactly the, the rules look like that we live our lives according to. Like right. that's, Look, you know, we, and we don't have necessarily the answers. It's not like a high energy fact check that would either exist or that would anyone would even believe in, in this scenario. Right. There are, there are examples where 
you might not even really be able to determine the factors that are important in making the decision. There could be some right. third factor that you don't even have access to. You don't even know sure. about. So, but I mean, I, I see what he's saying as far as the trade-off goes, like there's a certain amount of energy that's going to need to be expended in coming to the perfect answer, the perfect decision here. But since we don't have infinite time or infinite resources, a compromise might be an acceptable compromise. Yeah. Right. Well, that's a good point too. Yeah. Cause we don't, but that's all he's saying here. Well, no, but he, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, I mean, at least, I mean, we would cut him off so we can get to the end. It yeah, no, like he, he does, was, he does go into okay. it. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, that is a good point. And I think that's part of why the American system is good is because it's a combination of, you know, the legislative branch is rooted in compromise but the executive branch is not, right? So we get both. We get the quote CEO and the executive branch, and then we get the compromise in the legislative branch. And then, you know, together there's a system that forms from that. Um, another really bad resolution mechanism that happens all the time is just who's more stubborn. <laughs> yeah. This is also, <laughs> so you have, let's say two executives who disagree and they just have a war of attrition. Yeah. And whichever one, gets exhausted first capitulates to the other one this seems like the perfect conflict resolution to me yeah of course to you it seems like the perfect what are you one. talking about <laughs> adam's favorite strategy this is this is pure gold <laughs> why would he say this is bad i don't understand <laughs> Why would he say this is bad? This is like every time what a that dumbass. Look, now I like, disagree with him. Every time we have a disagreement, it's essentially just uh, this is what happens behind the scenes. <laughs> Again, you haven't so arrived funny. at truth, and this is very demoralizing. So you know, but it's fun. I mean, and it's good content, even if it is demoralizing. <laughs> so, so shut the fuck up, Bezos. This is where escalation. I. I try to ask people who, you know, on my team, I say, never get to a point where you are resolving something by, you know, who gets exhausted first. <laughs> Escalate that. I'll help you make the decision. Like, let's, because that's so de-energizing and such a terrible, lousy way to make a decision. Do you want to get to the resolution as quickly as possible? Because that ultimately leads to a high velocity of the system. Yes. And you want to try to get as close to truth as possible. Yeah. So you want, like, you know, ex exhausting the other person is not truth seeking. Yes. And compromise is not truth seeking. So, you know, it doesn't mean, no, and there are a lot of cases where no one knows the real truth. And that's where disagree and commit can come in. Um, but it's, it's, um, escalation is better than war of attrition. Escalate to you know to your boss and say hey we can't agree on this we like each other we're respectful of each other but we strongly disagree with each other we need you to you know make a decision here so we can move forward okay so i think that's pretty much it on the on the decision making mm -hmm. did that seem that interesting stuff um you know is that, hel is that helpful to what just in you know in general? We all, i mean we all be, sure. we all have yes. to make this we all have to make yes. decisions right yes. yeah i think it is good i think it's helpful i think the most helpful part again is you know the decisiveness is that you know you can depending on what, how much time you have you can take your time on decision but once you make the decision you know be dis 
be decisive about it. Say, I'm doing this, right? And don't think about self, don't start self-doubting yourself. You know, there's a lot of self in there, but don't doubt yourself when you're making the decision. You know, you have to sort of train your mind to be able to open up the possibility that you can change your decision if, if that's an option available for you. But while you're doing it, while you're enacting the decision, you have to remain in that frame where you're confident because otherwise you're just going to self-sabotage or self-sabotage someone else if you're sort of doubting them every two seconds. So, yeah, that, that can happen a lot, obviously, and yeah. I think it's bad. To, yeah, sometimes you just got to let things play out. But there obviously are times when you have to cut your losses, so. Yeah, but I, and I wonder actually if psychologically we're training the, the generation, you know, the younger generations to be more indecisive, not just because like, you know, decisiveness, I think, is generally considered, quote, like a masculine trait. And we have this sort of idea about like toxic masculinity and you have to listen to everyone else. And, you know, you have to be very kind of feminine in your approach to things. But also just because people are confronted with so many choices, you know, like it's just, you know, we talked about sort of the whole meme of, you know, a bunch of friends get together and they spend an hour just looking at Netflix, you know, selections. They're not even watching anything. They're just looking through like the million different options because it's like impossible to make a decision because there's so many options available to you. True. My wife will spend two hours looking at <laughs> I know. Like, I know. It's crazy. I'm like. It's crazy. <laughs> I spend 30 seconds. I don't know about you, but. Well, it's like when you're with friends, it can it, like going through Netflix can be its own fun it's experience. like we could have watched the whole fucking movie well no <laughs> i mean the movie like usually when you're like at a friend's house or you know whatever and you're kind of going through like the streaming service you know you start talking about all the various things you're seeing right you're having conversations about all the various options right so at least it's like it's an activity but if you're by yourself there's no activity because you're just like fuck there's like a million things and you're like i don't know what the fuck to do here so i don't know like if you do it on your own I, then you're just lost right i don't know what you're doing <laughs> i don't know what you're doing be like sometimes, you, are like wife, make a decision. Okay. Sometimes I think women like to look at the Netflix menu more than yeah. they like to watch movies. Oh, well, I'm sure. Well, I mean, it's like people who like to. I mean, this definitely is a more you know female tropey thing. Is the idea of like I want to go to the mall. Remember, this used to be a huge thing. People would go to the mall to just look at shit with no intention of buying anything. Mm -hmm. You remember this, right? This was like a thing that I think, does this thing exist anymore? This used Window to be a shopping? big thing. Yeah. Like, this used to be a big thing when I was younger. You know, women would want to go to the mall and just look at shit. They didn't want to buy it. They just want to look at shit. Yeah. And they I've, called I've it window that. shopping. Yes. They even had a name for it. And it's like, as a as a, a male and as a young male at the time, I was like, this is like, this makes me want to like Minecraft myself. Like, why would I ever right. want to do this? All right. This one is about truth. Which you and I are both obviously true seekers. So, so what? Uh, okay, let me read this super. This is from Honky the White Clown. What? Uh oh. This Honky the White Clown, thanks for the $20, though, but thank you. It says, Absolution is what is very important. If someone is apologetic, you should accept their apology, but atonement is key to Christianity. There has to be a path for atonement for someone to be absolved for their transgressions. Well, there you go. Thank you for $20. Cool. Atonement. What the, what is yeah. that all about? Well, it's about, um, you know, Compensation seeking to, for a wrong. 
right it's it's the like you atoning for sin or wrongdoing especially appeasing a deity yes you have done a sin and now you must do something to you know clean the clean say the your slate. hail marys yeah you have to do your hail marys right all right let's is uh it is it offensive that hail mary is now used as like slow like slang to mean you're just you know doing the last ditch effort <laughs> it's kind of funny maybe yeah i don't know anyway what is this clip they're talking about uh truth seeking which i think I, I mean, I, I think a lot as a content creator, because I am, I'm very much a truth seeker and I'm kind of coming to the realization and it's a little, I mean, it's a little bit of a black pill because I don't think people want the truth. Mm -hmm. I, I think people want. You only realize that now we've been talking about that for like the entire like years of this stream. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, it's worse than that. I think the. I think the truth is unpopular. Mm. It's not just that people would rather have lies. It's that they literally hate people who tell the truth, which is a much more severe situation. Well, what do you mean by that exactly? I guess. Well, let's, let's listen to Bezos's take on it. Okay. And you're not sure they're still as relevant as they used to be. Uh, what does it take to be a, the guy or gal who who uh, who brings up the point that this proxy might be outdated? I guess what does it take to have a culture that enables that in the meeting? Because that's a very uncomfortable thing to bring up at a meeting. Okay. We all showed Lex, up here. It's a Friday. This is such. You have just asked a million dollar question. So th this is this is what you're. Th if I generalize what you're asking. Mm -hmm. You were talking in general about truth telling. Yeah. And we humans are not really truth seeking animals. <laughs> we are social animals. Yeah, we are. And, you know, take you back in time 10,000 years and you're in a small village. Mm -hmm. If you go along to get along, you can survive, you can procreate. If you're the village truth teller, you might get clubbed to death in the middle of the night. <laughs> truths are often they don't want to be heard because important truths can be um uncomfortable they can be awkward they can be exhausting impolite yes all that kind of stuff. challenging yeah. uh, they can make people defensive even if that's not the intent but any high-performing organization whether it's a sports team a business you know a political organization an activist group i don't care what it is any high-performing organization has to have mechanisms and a culture that supports truth-telling. One of the things you have to do is you have to talk about that, and you have to talk about the fact that it takes energy to do that. And you have to talk to people, you have to remind people it's okay that it's uncomfortable. Um, you have to literally tell people it's not what we're designed to do as humans. It's not really, it's kind of a side effect. You know, we can do that, but it's not how we survive. We mostly survive by being social animals um, and being cordial and cooperative. And um, that's really important. And so there's a, 
you know, science is all about truth-telling. It's actually a very formal mechanism for trying to tell the truth. And even in science, you find that it's hard to tell the truth, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, even, you know, you're supposed to have a hypothesis and test it and find data and reject the hypothesis and so on. It's not easy. But even in science, there's like the senior scientists and the junior scientists, Correct. and then there's a hierarchy of humans where it's the somehow seniority, <laughs> somehow seniority matters yes. in the scientific process, which is it and that's not. true inside companies too. Yeah. And so you want to set up your culture so that the most junior person can overrule the most senior person if they have data. Um, and, and, and that really is about trying to, you know, there are little things you can do. So for example, in every meeting that I attend, I always speak last and I know. That's so brilliant. So he doesn't want to influence so everyone brilliant. else because they're going to suck up. Of course, of yeah. course. Like as soon as he says his opinion, all you're going to get is a bunch of yes men following him behind him. Huh? Right, right. Yeah. Yes, obviously. This is, I mean, and we've disagreed over this before because mm -hmm. that is that is something that's very, very powerful. And a lot of like content creators, a lot of influencers, they don't even really consider that. That they could say something incorrect and mm -hmm. people could carry that incorrect notion with them for the rest of their lives. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. It's so fucking well, powerful. Well, that's why, you know, you, know, you have to be careful when you're making when a lot of these uh, content creators make these fat claims. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we've said things that are wrong, but I try to like you know research, especially if it's like the you know claim that's gonna I know is gonna be brought up on stream, see if it's true. Because yeah, I don't want to say something like that because I know there's like there's this really weird thing that happens that I'm sure everyone's listening to this experience this, where you hear like a fact claim, you either hear it in school. Or you hear on the internet, or you hear like you see on a TV show, you know, so there's some fact claim like, you know, did you know that, you know, all dinosaurs were really the color blue, right? You just hear like this weird claim in some thing that you think is true. And then, you know, a year later, you'll be walking around and someone will be like talking about some red dinosaur. And you're like, no, 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 no. All dinosaurs are blue. And you're like, they're like, what are you talking about? There's a red dinosaur. And you're like, no, 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 no. And the person gets like really emotionally involved with like this stupid argument about the color of a dinosaur just because they once heard one fact claim being presented to them and they just assumed it was true. Yep. And then they become like emotionally involved in this thing and they get like really like invested in it. It's super weird. And I've, I've seen this happen all the time. I've experienced it myself where I've been the person emotionally involved. I'm like, why am I so emotionally involved in this thing? I don't even know if it's true. I just heard someone say it once and I'm just here sitting here arguing it. Yeah, I think the internet poses a particular problem because a lot of people's status is caught up in whether or not they're right or wrong. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it's harder to say, you know, I got this incorrect because there's a giant tweet thread of you arguing about the color of the stupid dinosaur for like right. two days. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's in the book Influenced by Cialdini, he also talks about how once you put things in writing, it kind of messes with your psychology a bit too. It's like a little stronger affirmation because you feel like there's this evidence in the world of me making this declaration. So it's harder to turn around on those things. And I, I, this is one of the things that I worry about with social media because people are making these, 
these claims, arguing about these claims, and they're kind of digging themselves into positions that could very well be false or yeah. even likely false. So, also because there's that you know that bias of consistency. So once you write it out, you're yeah, like, I have to be consistent. That's it, consistency principle. But that's also why, kind of what you were saying, where you're saying people can get mad at you or angry at you for telling the truth, for bringing the truth to them. There's that, that great quote, I can't remember exactly what it is, that's like, if you someone says something false and you tell them something's true, they'll like hold the energy required to like listen to you against you or something. Some quote kind of about that. Mm. But a lot of it is because people are, you know, kind of wired to want to be consistent. So if they say something that turns out to be inaccurate, and then you're like, no, this is inaccurate because here's what is true. Then yeah, that violates, you know, the that internal consistency, and then people will get upset about that. How do you feel about people arguing things that you know are factually incorrect? I mean, it can be frustrating, obviously. Yeah, it's super frustrating. It's super frustrating. I guess you just have to give, you have to just let that go. You have to like tell yourself people are going to be wrong and there's mm -hmm. nothing you can do about it. How do I get rich <laughs> off of this information? How do I get rich off of them being wrong? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's, I mean, that's the correct way to think about it. Of course. That's, a, that's the MMT thing right there. Like right. I've. I've given up trying to explain MMT and I'm just like, how can I make money off of this? <laughs> we, I was I, arguing about that before the stream. Ostracy, I guess ostracy is not an anti-MMT person. I, mm -hmm. I kind of blur every anti, all of our anti-MMT people together. But right. we had da uh, Doug on the stream to talk about MMT. I don't know if you remember that stream. I do, yeah. And I had talked about how I'm completely out of the market, so I would like a market crash. This would be a good time for a market crash. Mm -hmm. And he picked the bottom, and he was on Twitter today bragging about how he picked it. And he did. He totally called the bottom. And now we're up hugely off of that bottom. Right. But, yeah, I went back in on that bottom, and I'm very happy He's about it. So. rolling in it now. Yeah, look, I'm it's, uh, MMT. You guys keep saying <laughs> Saying no to MMT. <laughs> From but look, that's a MMT is a perfect example when I mean people are so many people are angry. Angry. Just that we talk about MMT. What's well, up with that? Um, well, there's a lot of different things going on there, right? Like people could be angry because they think it's a boring topic and they would like us talk about something else. Well, that's acceptable you know? right there. That um, one's totally acceptable. You know, there's a thing that happens, which I, I get because I've experienced it myself is if you, you know, listen to a content creator and you like them and they're just saying something that you just think is like wildly untrue or stupid, you know, that can make you angry because it's like, like you feel like a sense of, you know, betrayal or like, you know, maybe I shouldn't trust this person. So there's a lot of like weird conflicting emotions that can exist in this kind of sphere that we operate under. Mm -hmm. So. No, I get it. I guess it's the exact same thing because. I, I said, you know, how do you feel when someone's arguing something that you know is factually incorrect? They're in that exact same position, even though that they may be in the wrong position. Right. They, what they think they know it's incorrect. Right, right. Yeah. So that's exactly what's going on. Sure. Yeah. I guess it's just, it's tough.
it's tough because you just gotta i guess you just gotta like keep your mouth shut well it's just you know i don't know you, you just kind of have to learn around it you know it's part of actually i think what's helped me you know a lot when i listen to scott adams because i still like listening to him i still agree with him sometimes i still like using him as kind of a barometer to see what you know certain people are saying because he's a good window into that environment um but i disagree with like so much of what he's saying but i just i guess i've become numb to it at this point i just listen to it sort of you know and it, like when he says all this stuff that i think is wildly untrue it just kind of rolls off me like <laughs> like i it just doesn't i've i've grown accustomed to expecting it right yeah i can't remember the last thing i listened to of his but i do remember it being like wildly inaccurate mm -hmm. like very much recasting something so it was to increase his status it seemed like a major coach Interesting. so right yeah. I don't know. I can't remember what it was on though. I think it was on the whole when he got canceled for what he said, the the comments that he made that were spun as racist. Mm -hmm. He was basically making the argument that he did this deliberately. Like he was completely recasting that situation, which was in a totally untrue light. He was rewriting the history of that situation. Yeah, he's kind of said both <laughs> things in in kind of various ways mm -hmm. uh where it wasn't deliberate and then it was deliberate yeah he's, he's been kind of all over the place you know with that um i'm i guess i'm more forgiving for that because obviously you know it drastically changes life and so there's a lot of emotion behind that situation um yeah you're never going to be accurate about it of course he's, right yeah right. well i mean you could be but he's not going to be so he, there was something um he said, actually, it's funny, I thought of you, and I know you got a big kick out of it, was, you know, because he always talks about how he has a degree in economics. And he's been really harping on the debt being so high that it's going to destroy the country. <laughs> and the other day, it was funny, he, he sat there and he was telling his audience he didn't understand how inflation could be going down right now. <laughs> And I was just thinking, well, there's your, I thought you had a degree in economics. So. How is and he, that And he possible? said, it's funny. How does he, he fell, not know that? I don't know. He fell for the sort of the, the meme. He's like, I don't know how inflation is going down when we're still printing so much money. He said something like, oh, he didn't say that literally, but he said that essentially, I don't know how inflation is going down when we still have so much money. When the money supply has increased so dramatically, I don't understand how inflation is going down. And I was like, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I don't look i don't think the test is ever going to be done with the fed because i think the supply chains are just look the american economy is like a a giant ship that mm -hmm. he, everything they do is just so tiny by comparison to the all of the other factors in the economy that i don't really think we're ever going to get the clear test of whether or not interest rates affected anything well yeah i don't i mean i don't know if, is it, if we'll ever know like 100 percent, right but I'm assuming they have some effect. They have to have an effect, right? Oh, yeah. I guess, I mean, they have kept us out of a recession. Mm -hmm. Which was the not what they were trying to do, but... Right. Weren't they, they were trying to start a recession. <laughs> yeah, that's what they were trying to do. Didn't work. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, they, maybe either 
they're just wrong or maybe they don't have an effect. Who knows? <laughs> I, I think, so you know, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so, you know, it's unfortunate. And I keep forgetting so, so much of life is just remembering how little people understand or know about the world, even all the experts in all the high places. So, yeah, look, um, I'm, I'm super fascinated in economics. I, don't like arguing with people about economics because it's a lot of it is totally counterintuitive and people just have their own ideas about economics that I don't know, you gotta build a model from the ground up. Even you, which we've talked about this economic stuff a bunch. I was re-listening to our stream on the Fed and deleting money. Mm -hmm. And it's it's interesting because even you as much as we've done there's you're still like asking questions and because i never well this because i never actually built the model. trying to understand like the process of it is very complicated and super fucking weird and i never fully understood it i still don't fully understand it mm -hmm. um and to me i i don't i can't accept 100 percent until i can understand the exact process and go oh, oh okay that's how the process works and so, you know, so much of it is that the, pro and I think this is part of the problem, the process of money creation in America is so stupidly convoluted um, that it is just very difficult to understand in the first place. It's not, it seems like it should be a simple thing, but it's actually a very complicated thing of yes. how like a dollar is printed by the government. And that creates a whole series of complications and misunderstandings about how it works. And I think, as you said, that the reason it exists that way, or actually, no, maybe it's because it was from that stream that you, we listened to part of, and like the reason the money is constructed in such a bizarrely complicated way is because of the gold standard in the past. And we still have like remnants of an old system um, that creates all these like weird, uh, uh, I guess, things that are these weird hanger ons to how our economic system still functions today. Yeah. This is the thing about Austrian economics. They they wish the gold standard existed and then do all of their economics as if it still does. And it's just <laughs> like, uh, well, th that's th not just, how it works. The Austrian economics thought is, is seems to me to be entirely backwards motivated by just trying to constrain governmental power, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Um, which if you want to constrain governmental power, sure, but you just have to understand that that is the bias which you're operating under when you make these sort of economic prescriptions, because that's what the gold standard would do. But the same token, and I think what is not, um, I think what, what happens is when people, they say like, oh, I want this outcome. It's like, okay, but you know, that outcome will create a bunch of potential bad things that you're not intending for. And people want to dismiss that because like, you know, one of the important things about the gold standard, which Mark Blythe brings up not in this context, but is what he brings up when he talks about it, is that the thing that wrecked the gold standard in the first place was because when you're on a gold standard, it makes your currency under the control of foreign governments because you're trading essentially in gold. And so you're essentially giving your source of money away to other countries whenever you export. Um, and you're just giving them something of net value that you'd have to get back from them. Right. Or they'd have to they'd have to get back from you by you by buying, you know, your goods. Right. So if we're on the gold standard, us having, you know, China like us um essentially giving China all of our gold to buy their shit would actually be really bad for America. Because we're just giving them all our gold. 
but we're not getting it necessarily back from China. But if we don't have a gold standard and you have a fiat currency system, it kind of has the opposite effect because you give China a bunch of U.S. dollars, but they, but the U.S. dollars they want to spend, you know, in America again because they're U.S. dollars. Everyone's logging off. We had to get Okay, back to whatever. the video. We can move on. But I think we're almost done with the video anyway. right. Then I have another video that everyone will find much more fun. Okay. Um, experience that, you know, if I speak first, even very strong-willed, um, highly intelligent, high judgment participants in that meeting will wonder, well, if Jeff thinks that, I came in this meeting thinking one thing, but maybe I'm not right. And so you can do little things like if you're the most senior person in the room, go last. Let everybody else go first. In fact, ideally, try to have the most junior person go first and the second, and try to go in order of seniority. Right after the meeting, they're all going, God, why does he always have to go last? I never know what to say. How do I suck up to him Exactly. if he goes, <laughs> he goes last? Um, so that you can hear everyone's opinion in a kind of unfiltered way, because we really do. We actually literally change our opinions. If somebody who you really respect says something, it makes you change your mind a little. So you're saying implicitly or explicitly give permission for people to have a strong opinion that as long as it's backed by data. Yes, and sometimes it can even, by the way, a lot of our most powerful truths turn out to be hunches. They turn out to be based on anecdotes. Yeah. They're intuition-based. And sometimes you don't even have strong data. But you may know you may know the person well enough to trust their judgment. You may feel yourself leaning in. It may resonate with a set of anecdotes you have. And then you may be able to say, you know, I, I, something about that feels right. Let's go collect some data on that. Let's try to see if we can actually know whether it's right. But it doesn't matter, Bezos. You can collect all the data you want. It's mm-hmm. not, no, it's not going to change anyone's mind, don't you? It's all going to be. for now, let's not disregard it because it feels right. You can also fight inherent bias. There's an optimism bias. Like if there are two interpretations of a new set of data and one of them is happy and one of them is unhappy, it's a little dangerous to jump to the conclusion that the happy interpretation is right. <laughs> you may want to sort of compensate for that human bias of, of looking for, you know, trying to find the silver lining and say, look, this, that might be good. Roger, has the opposite of this, Sitch. Oh. Yeah, he's at the pessimism bias. Oh, yeah, He's yeah, like encounters yeah. a little bit of data and it's like, oh my God. Well, it's, I mean, as I said, it's funny. I said on Sunday, I understand better where he's coming from. Um, you know, if he's in all these spaces where all the people are saying, you know, fuck free speech, you know, fuck liberalism, you know, I'm willing to do violence. If that's what they're saying, then I understand, you know, that is definitely painting a picture in his mind. I, I, I kind of empathize more with where his position is coming from. Now, I still think, I'm so optimistic that we're not going to have some kind of broad civil war scenario or something. But. Yeah, I'm on the fence, obviously. I'm definitely on the fence about it. Mm -hmm. Did you see Ryan Chapman's video on 
the on the Civil War trailer. No, he had a new video. Yeah, he did oh, a video on it. Didn't come up in my feed. Super short video, but he was like, the fact that everyone is kind of just takes us as some cultural thing that we're all aware of is mm -hmm. a little scary is what he was saying um yeah that it doesn't ring like um like a far-off disaster movie right yeah i mean maybe i understand i understand the point i still see it as far off um I just, I guess I see as far off because just all the reasons I said, you know, to Rudyard, I, it's hard for me to envision a scenario where there is a current or future president, like if, if Trump or Biden or whoever is president and just does something that's blatantly illegal and then the military supports it. I don't know. It's just hard for me to conceptualize that that scenario would occur. I guess not could, it could occur, but. Yeah, I don't know. Obviously so. Okay. but i'm gonna go with it's bad for now until we're sure so speaking of okay i think we're good okay so is that interesting yeah it's interesting do you what is your take on the the people hate truth tellers um yeah well obviously because the you know what Bezos said is completely correct. And we've said this a bunch of times. People, and this is kind of goes in with the Hoffman perception of reality. You know, people didn't evolve to see what is true. They evolved to see, you know, they evolved to live in cooperative groups. And there's obviously some layer of truth, objective truth you need to understand to be an animal that survives. Um, but at the same token, there's an element of social dynamics that can be even more important. That you need to survive and he brought up a good point that you know from an evolutionary perspective the person who is able to get along with the tribe is probably far more likely to propagate to uh you know have a child you know propagate themselves and move forward and, and produce genes that go on forward as opposed to the person who always you know points out the thing that is true because the thing that is true can be uncomfortable or impolite or piss everyone off you know et cetera et cetera et cetera yeah, it's kind of crazy. It is. It is. It is. Kind of sucks, in all honesty. I yeah, mean. but that's why it's and so important, and I believe this very strongly. It's so important not only for people to understand sort of the elephant rider and how youth and how we all think in order for us to kind of temper ourselves, but how powerful evolutionary forces are on the human brain and our psychology, so we can kind of check ourselves to see what's like going that's on here. This is part of why I don't like, I understand that intuition is a very useful, very powerful thing and people should not give up on intuition, but it's also why you can't trust your intuition because <laughs> your intuition did not, your intuition did not evolve to tell you what things that are true. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. We could all. I think sometimes people trust their intuition far too much. I always try to temper my faith in my intuition. Yeah. Um, hmm. So what is this? Journalist gonna... Jonathan Liss says six-year-olds should be assisted to be trans. Wow, okay. That seems uh, interesting. Oh, yeah, this clip is bizarre. 
was going to say something else, but I forgot what it was. Yeah. Damn it. Anyway. Um. Hmm. Ginger Miss Prime for three Aussie says, oh my God, Jeff Bezos sounds exactly like no bullshit. Does he? I don't think he sounded like no bullshit. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't make that association either. Mm -hmm. uh, Scroll in Oz for 20 Aussie bucks says, Trump said the Democrats were poisoning the blood, not the immigrants. Listen to the statement. Did he? Wait. I'm going to go back here. Have I been, have I been gaslit and tricked here? It's very possible. Trump... Poison blood statements. Because I brought up the other day, I looked at like I actually had the video. Okay, I'm curious now because that would be a pretty big situation of the framing kind of tricking my brain into seeing something in a specific way. Let's see. Let's find out. Let's find out. Let's bring up the original. <laughs> I really like the the YouTube transcripts function is a real game changer. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. Because before you would like never be able to find, you know, the statement in its totality, right? So yes, the some someone in the chat said Adam would never put up a poll on MMT. So I p immediately put up a poll on MMT. The, the best way to make Adam do something is to say that he would not do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, psychological reactants kicked in. Immediately I put up a poll. But I am actually surprised by the poll because I would have assumed it would be like 10% yes. The poll is, do you want more MMT streams? And I would have assumed 10% yes, 90% no, but it's 45% yes. 55% no. I feel like some of you might be trolling us, though. Right. Do you want to look at this? Oh, continue. They don't allow you to switch votes, but go ahead. Right. Do you want to look at this Trump speech real quick before we... Sure, bring it up. I okay. don't care. Let's see. Are we going to get... Banned? Are we going to get accused of white nationalism? <laughs> I think we'll be okay. Okay, let's see. Let's watch this. I'm going to start from like two minutes out just so we can get like a good context of whatever the statement is so let's start here at the 42 minutes 24 seconds mark every time the radical left democrats marxist communist and fascist indict me i considered a great badge of honor look he adopted the uh glenn beck the fascists are really on the left <laughs> Spectrum. Oh, he did? Yeah. Because I am being indicted for you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. And never forget our enemies want to take away my freedom because I will never allow them to take away your freedom. It is very simple when you think about it. They want to silence me because I will never let them silence you. And in the end, they're not after me, they're after you. I just happen to be standing in the way and I will always be standing in their way. So this is really good persuasion. I don't obviously agree with the statement, but this is a very good persuasion technique. My persecution is really your persecution, right? 
I know. Look, yeah. a lot of people do feel persecuted too. It's of course. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Very good persuasion. Though obviously I think it's dishonest, but okay. Oh. You know, I had a great life. I had a life of tremendous luxury. I had a tremendous, I built a tremendous company. You actually got to see that with this fake trial I have going on in New York. <laughs> tremendous cash, very low debt, greatest assets. Nobody has, very few people have assets like, and I could have been all over the world sampling my assets, right? And instead I'm in New Hampshire with you and I'm very happy about that. I'm very happy. But they asked me, a lot of times they get asked this question, sir, you had the greatest life anybody could have. Would you do it again? I said, absolutely. I'm so honored to do it because we made America great and then they've destroyed our country and we're going to make it great again, greater than ever before. And there's nothing I can do that's going to top that. He frames it as self-sacrifice. Yes. I had this amazing life. Yep. Now I'm here on the cross. <laughs> I'm here on the cross with you. Right. Yeah. I've had plenty of the other life, right? We've had plenty of the other life. We got a lot of work to do. You know, when they let, I think the real number is 15, 16 million people into our country. When they do that, we got a lot of work to do. They're poisoning the blood of our country. That's what they've done. They poison mental institutions and prisons all over the world, not just in South America, not just the three or four countries that we think about, but all over the world they're coming into our country from Africa, from Asia, all over the world. They're pouring into our country. Nobody's even looking at them. They just come in. Uh, the crime is going to be tremendous. The terrorism is going to be, terrorism is going to be, and we built a tremendous... So, the, I'll agree that the day is vague, but I think it has, I can't be Democrats because he says they're, he said they're poisoning mental institutions around the world. The Democrats are doing that? That doesn't make sense, right? It has to be like some kind of criminal immigrant uh, uh, thing he's referring to. South right? America to do. Yeah, they're like, we got a poisoning the boo. You know, when they let, I think the real number is 15, 16 million people into our country. When they do that, we got a lot of work to do. So, because he says they let them into the country. So that would be like the they in that sentence is Democrats. So I understand that, like that first sentence. They're poisoning the blood of our country. That's Okay. So then you'd say, well, he's saying they against that would be the Democrats. Possibly. But then right after that, he says. What they've done, they poison mental institutions and prisons all over the world. That they're, they're poisoning prisons all over the world. The Democrats are doing that? Unless he just means like the left generally. Wow. I don't know. Wait, it was kind of a vague statement. We got a lot of work to do. They're poisoning the blood of our country. That's what they've done. They poison mental institutions and prisons all over the world. Not just in South America, not just the three. Wait. We got a lot of work to do. You know, when they let. I think the real number is 15, 16 million people into our country. When they do that, we got a lot of work to do. They're poisoning the blood of our country. That's what they've done. They poison mental institutions and prisons all over the world, not just in South America, not just the three or four countries that we think about, but all over the world they're coming into our 
country from Africa. So, okay, here's the problem with statement. I can actually perceive it either interpretation of it. Um, that the they that is poisoning is like the immigrants or is like the left. And he's trying to make some broader statement about the left is poisoning countries around the world, I guess. But the problem is that even if even if you accept that interpretation, the before and after of the poison line is fixated on immigration. So even if it's the they is the left, it's the left is poisoning America. You know, the interpretation would be the left is poisoning America via allowing immigration to the country. So it would still have the same effective meaning as if the they that's poisoning the country is the immigrants. It's saying, well, it's the left allowing the immigrants who are the poison in the country. So not a good statement <laughs> either way. Is it clear though? I mean, it's, it sounds it's not like we're, really clear. Yeah. So we yeah, have to read his mind. The yeah. thing is, I this is what politicians do expertly. Mm -hmm. they say things that are completely unclear so people can read them either way. This is the way you cater to two different groups of people at the same time. Well, here's the problem. Um, a lot of people have been pointing out, as is Scott Abbs have been pointing out, you know, Trump has done the whole, I'm only going to be a dictator on day one thing, right? Right. And the idea here that we're throwing around is that Trump is trying to you know, this is this is what the Trump um, defense is, right? Trump is is making a joke of it because the way to weaken the attack is to mock it, right? Is to make it a joke. That's the Scott Adams super Trump defense of that statement. Okay, mm. that's even if that's like true, is what's like the idea? We could very easily see a scenario because there was some polling. I forget today. That was like the majority of Americans were actually afraid that Donald Trump is going to be like a dictator or something. And you get this problem where if the left's messaging, which it has been, is Donald Trump's going to be a dictator, Donald Trump's going to be a dictator, Donald Trump's going to be a dictator. And then Donald Trump makes that, quote, joke about being a dictator on day one. Is that an effective strategy? If then, obviously, the left turns around and says, aha, Donald Trump said he's going to be a dictator from day one. And that's what, like most of the normie people who are the swing votes, that's what they're going to hear. They're going to hear Donald Trump himself said he's going to be a dictator just for one day. I should say just for one day, not not at day one, but just for one day. They're going to hear that. They're not going to hear like this, oh, it was a joke, he's mocking. They're not going to hear all this like kind of like subtlety, complex um, defense that people on the right are hearing. And so people go into the, the voting booth. You know, how is that going to affect, you know, their judgment there when they make that vote. Yeah. Look, I, he made the joke about president for life. And I <laughs> thought it was a super funny joke, but look, I, now I think he's serious. <laughs> well, it's not a joke anymore. I don't think he's serious, but I, I do think it was a joke, but I think it's a joke that didn't serve him. And I think that the dictator for one day comments didn't, is not going to end up serving him either. Um, and people, if he does lose, the I people think on the right that want a dictator, though, some people do. Yeah, I think a right. lot of people do. Okay, well, I hope not. Which is, <laughs> I mean, that's just that's the scary part. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I I remember Scott Adams did the poll where he asked his audience. 
and he gave three three choices for Trump not to be a dictator or for if they were cool with him being a dictator. And it was over, it was like 80%, right, for him, for Donald Trump being a dictator. Sure, Scott Adams is is telling himself, oh, you guys are, this is all funny. It's all just fun and games. Right. But I, look, I don't, I'm not sure it is, to be honest with you. I think a lot of people see people on the left as a threat to society because that's the way that they've been framed. Mm-hmm. And if Donald Trump basically suspends the Constitution to take care of the leftists, I think I think most of the Republican Party, most of the conservatives, I think, are in favor of that. I so I think Look, a lot a lot is... of people if you're listening to us right now, you're definitely not in that group, obviously, because right. you're listening to us. Sure. <laughs> right? Right. But if you're listening to Matt Walsh. I think you're in the group that wants Donald Trump to be a dictator. I think there's there's definitely a contingency. There's some percentage of people on the right that do want that. I mean, we've argued there's obviously a contingency. You know, there's the neo monarchist or whatever, right? We've heard all these arguments about why a dictator is better than a democracy. Blah 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 blah. We've heard arguments from some far right people about how. You know, democracy and liberalism is what allows the evil woke communism in the first place, and therefore it must be destroyed and replaced with something a little bit more fascistic, a little, or a little stronger, right? Which to me is like, and I've always made the argument, it's kind of ridiculous because, like, well, we basically have a situation where, like, a lot of the top people in power basically became corrupted by wokeness. Now imagine if we lived in like a more authoritarian country. With like a king or something, why would you think that they would be immune to like the corruption of wokeness? They could just be implementing wokeness and still be a king, and you'd have no recourse. And we actually there's a story um, that happened in Canada where you know there's some like because they don't have the First Amendment free speech principles that we have in America, you know there was some court case that could go forward about whether you know some people were calling some organization rumors, right? And the court basically said like, oh, you can go, you know, that could be defamatory. Like, you know, you don't have the free speech to, to have an opinion about whether you call someone a groomer or not. And I'm like, okay, to me, that's like, that's authoritarian, you know, this kind of authoritarian monarchical wokeness in action right there. But putting that all aside, um, I do think that there is some percentage of people on the right that would be in favor of Donald Trump being president forever or a person like that being president forever. I'm not... I don't think it's the majority of of people that vote Republican in this country. I think the majority of people that vote Republican in this country do not want Donald Trump to be president forever and and would be turned, I would hope, I would hope, and maybe it's my optimism here, I would hope would be turned off by such a notion. I think Scott Adams' audience is highly radicalized. I think whenever we go into any sort of internet political space, like it's generally going to have a a leaning towards more extreme political thoughts and ideas than than the normal population because it's people that are really into politics and there is well, some well, there's well, some percentage of people that are trolling there's um, but two, there's some there's percentage two, of people that are are telling the truth and I don't know I don't know what the answer is the specific number right. breakdown there's two questions here there is you know how many people genuinely would like a dictator so that they can deal with all the leftists and just take care of it, right? Yeah. Go be above the law, just whatever needs to be done, right? Mm-hmm. 
the question is how like what is the percentage what is the percentage yeah, that, know. you know are know down with democracy and right. what or not are yeah. you saying that the people who answered scott adams poll scott adams has a concentrated level of radicals in his audience so he's yes. most of his audience are those people that want to want a dictator but you know you hope that there are more people who are outside of scott adams audience that don't want that i guess look i mean none of us know that's the thing sure. right and, I, but, there's no but, way to know the answer to that question the thing that look and i penned sammy g's comment because sammy g definitely is the optimist she's sammy's like look i'm a conservative i'm a republican i don't i don't want that yeah look i i hope you're in the majority i just don't know yeah well i think as again i think you have to be very careful um mm -hmm. and this is this is part of what you know we have to be careful too because we do a lot of coverage on woke stuff you know we did the coverage of the matt walsh stuff it's very easy for people to, because we're kind of wired and programmed biologically that whatever we're experiencing is like the mental map of which we believe the world is operating according to. Um, and so like, yeah, there could be people that, you know, they, you know, maybe even people who watch a lot of our content, if we spend too much time just talking about woke stuff, and it can kind of inculcate people into like, well, this stuff is so pervasive that you need some kind of radical extreme thing to fix the problem and that radical extreme thing is you know some kind of dictator-esque solution right um so that's a that's definitely a thing but you have to always remember that what you're personally dieting on in your political consumption and what your personal environment is is not usually indicative of the whole especially on internet politics because we said this a million times internet politics does not map well onto normie politics you know the internet's favorite you know if internet politics mapped well onto normie politics you know vivek would be destroying everyone except for donald trump right donald trump would be the clear front runner vivek would be like a close second maybe or just you know he'd just be second and then everyone else would be in the dust but that's not what we're seeing like if the internet politics was mapping on properly you know why is nikki haley doing so well right in the polls yeah it's like so it's, i mean so my, right so i'm not saying doing that like, as well as a guy that said he'd be a dictator but i see what no, you're no, saying I, I yeah but trump but so much of trump's doing well is just because of his name recognition right it's just because people are like well i you know i like donald trump the first time um wouldn't he so, dip in the polls though if people were really offended by this dictator comment well if they were well um yeah but they're just gonna say it's a joke yeah look right i the, the place where i have a problem is where people say i know when this we can't possibly know there is an answer to that question but yeah I just, I just don't know how you get at it and people are like very 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 stubborn in the fact that they think that they know and i just look all you're doing yeah. is consulting your intuition your intuition yeah no yeah. so yeah and I'm saying, I don't know the answer to that question, but I just say to be cautious, I am, this is, and I said, this is my bias towards optimism. I don't think there's a majority of people in the Republican party that want some kind of dictator for life. I think there's a, you know, minority of people on the internet that want that. And they happen to be very extreme in their view and very vocal in their view. 
Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think that's indicative of the whole Republican Party. Well, no, I see what you're saying. You're like, look, right. there's a bunch of radicals on the internet that want that. The normies out there in their homes don't want that. Right. But what I'm saying is, I don't know. Do no, I know. That. Yeah, right. And I don't know for sure. That's just that's just my intuition. I mean, I've talked to some people that aren't really online people that seem like, oh, they'd be cool with that. Maybe. I mean, I, I would be more worried that people could, I feel like people, to me, the bigger threat is that people can be soft walked into almost anything. Yes. Um, yeah. To me, that's a scenario. So like you could have scenarios where both people on the left or the right are like, oh yeah, of course I believe in democracy. And then if it's framed correctly, that there's some existential threat coming from the right or from the left, you know, you could have someone could very quickly um, and probably scarily easily maybe accept, you know, well, we have to suspend, you know, the law for this scenario, right? Or more likely we kind of twist. Well, here's the thing. And here's why I guess I'm also confident. A lot of what happened with Trump and Jeremy Six and all this stuff, it was all still, all the arguments, most of the arguments, not all the arguments, most of the arguments, even though I disagree with them, they're, they're generally framed in the position of defending the correct law, right? It's like, well, Donald Trump, the election was stolen from him because they cheated, right? Like it's still framed within the context of, of the law. It's not really framed in the context of, you know, the law, who cares about what the law says? Donald Trump is like fighting evil and that's all that matters. So therefore Donald Trump should be president. Like if that becomes the main argument, then I will be worried. That right? is the main argument. It's not really the main argument. I've not really heard that be the main argument. Did his argument for why he, the reason why people are cheering for him to be a dictator on day one is because he's going to enact policies that they're in favor of. He's going to so, go around the system and enact the policies that they care about. He's going to build his wall and steal the border. Um, the, there's breaking news that we've got two super chats on, and I looked it up, okay. sent you an article on CNN. Evidently, Trump, the Colorado Supreme Court removes Trump from the 2024 ballot over the January 6th, which is, I mean, he, He's got to win Colorado, right? I mean, Colorado's like a big Colorado swing Supreme state. Trump from 20, whoa. What? Yeah, this is pretty big. So A stunning decision, Colorado Supreme Court removed former President Donald Trump from the state state's 2024 ballot ruling that he isn't eligible president candidate, presidential candidate because of the 14th Amendment's insurrectionist ban. The ruling was four to three. It will be placed on hold pending until January 4th, pending a certain appeal to the United States Supreme Court, which could settle the matter. Well, I mean... Well, here's, here's what's interesting. I can't imagine that the Supreme Court would uphold that. But I'm not sure what the legality of them getting rid of it. I don't know enough about the legal issues as to what the arguments would be one way or the other, but I can't imagine the Supreme Court would uphold that. He lost Colorado in 2016. So even if it does go all the way, he could still... He could still become president. Sure. If he's not on the ballot in Colorado, which um, I that's probably what people are wondering. <laughs> well, okay, where's the is there I hate when or I hate when these sites don't link to the judge opinion. Um Colorado 
Trump ban. Because um, I'm curious as to what the argument. He, he, here's the problem. Well, the argument. So, the, so if you haven't been following it, the argument is that they say yeah, you ahead. can't run for president if you've. Um, hold on, I just said the argument. If you've committed an act of insurrection. If you can, yeah. If you commit an act of insurrection, right? Which he has, according to the impeachments, I guess. Well, yeah, but here's the problem. Okay, here's my problem with that because I don't agree with that ruling. Is because. Now in the in the law it doesn't clearly define what, what an insurrection is, yeah. What an insurrection is or how that's categorized. That's because obviously when the law was written, this was a law that was directed at the South. It was right after the Civil War, and it was very clear, you know, who had insurrected against the country, right? It wasn't really like people weren't debating whether they insurrected against the country or not, because we had a civil war. It was all out in the open for the most part. Um, so they didn't really like put in a procedure to determine who is an insurrectionist and what that means. And it's hard for me, like if Donald Trump had been found in a court of law to commit the crime of insurrection, I would say, okay, then that makes sense because he was found in a court of law to commit insurrection, but he hasn't been. And I don't believe he's even been charged with insurrection, he's being charged with, you know, defrauding people and, you know, and stuff like that. Um, I don't see how when there's no official ruling, no official government body has declared that Donald Trump committed an insurrection, I don't see how a judge then can just on their own opinion rule like, well, well in my opinion, he committed an insurrection and therefore he can't be on the ballot for president. Like that to me seems too extreme. Like I'm, that's far too extreme for me to feel comfortable with a decision like that. Yeah. I, well, it's kind of, obviously they're going to appeal it. Yeah, well, it's going what's to go the article say about the appeal? It says it's going to go to the Supreme Court. Well, before um, or after the election? Well, I mean, before. It says, in, it says the ruling will be placed on hold pending an appeal until January 4th. Okay. Well, I'm assuming that the Supreme Court will try to rush, do a rush hearing on it or something. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, it doesn't... The only thing is, so I would be shocked if the Supreme Court upheld this, just because obviously the Supreme Court's makeup is very conservative at the moment. Um, but I don't know if, enough about the law because I don't know what parts of the law, like a lot of the federal law basically grants the states leeway to basically do whatever they want when it comes to elections. This was actually like the basis of... This was the basis of the argument that Trump, the Trump administration put out in the last election, where they were asking the state legislatures to throw out the votes and just vote for Donald Trump, saying that, well, the, you know, the Constitution says that states can kind of choose the manner of their, oh of their, of how like a president is in the past. So if you do these, you know, we won't go after you with federal power. That's essentially what the emails, that was, that was the death email. Remember, that was the the signing your own, what was it? Signing your own death certificate or grave or whatever. That was that email that that this, guy wanted. This happened in Colorado? No, 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 no. Okay. Remember we watched the congressional hearing where the guy. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to send a letter out, an email out to the states. The, yeah, the guy who yeah. defended the the oil spill people. Right. Or telling was it them, Enron? Telling whatever. them that there were investigations. Uh, yeah. pending investigations in two election right broad, but it was two yeah it was a two-fold letter it, true yeah it was it was twofold it was telling them that well threefold as a 
no, no, it's twofold. It was telling them that the federal government had done investigations into voting fraud and found uh, claims that validated that suitable voter fraud had occurred, number one, which was not accurate at the time. And number two, that the Constitution said that basically states could do whatever they want. So if a state legislature decided on its own to kind of throw out the vote and vote for Donald Trump, it was a signal that the federal government would not prosecute them, right? That was what yeah. Trump wanted the the Justice Department of the United States to send out. He fired the attorney general and put this other guy in charge. And then basically the guy he fired basically argued well enough to Trump to unfire him. <laughs> and that was, that's what it all that happened. And then the letter was never sent out, right? But that was essentially the same argument. So since that is true to an extent that the states have a lot of leeway over how they control their elections, I'm not sure. I'm sure that we'll construct one, but I'm not sure what the exact legal argument would be from Supreme federal Supreme Court to say that a state can't make a decision on how who's allowed to be on the ballot, unless it's because the decision is brooded on federal law because it's the 14th Amendment, and maybe they could. I don't know if. Again, I don't know enough about it. If the Supreme Court could say that a lower a state Supreme Court, even if it's a state controlled issue, misinterpreted the federal constitution. So therefore they have jurisdiction. I don't know. It's going to be a really weird, complicated case, probably, even though I think I think there's very little chance that this will be upheld by the Supreme Court. So and I don't think it should be. Well, here's the thing. Putting all the legal crap aside, I don't know if it should be. Look, if, if Donald Trump sent that letter out and tried to get Colorado to throw out their electors, right? I mean, it seems like obvious this could be just payback. It's like try to get us to throw our electors out, motherfucker. No, no, sure, you, sure. You're not on. You, you're not even on the ballot this time around. What I mean is, like, I'm conflicted because you know I said this on Sunday. I'm a very like I want things to follow the correct law and order procedure. Right. Um, Cause that's very procedural right. oriented. Yeah. Um, Donald Trump is the opposite of that. No, I understand that. I get it. Donald, Donald Trump, Trump is how do procedure. I get what I want? Right. He doesn't care at all about procedure. Um, but my opinion is that I, like, I think it's a dangerous precedent to set if States run around and say that you know, main can like big normal mainstream candidates cannot appear on ballots. Oh hell that, yeah, that's a way dangerous, dangerous president to set. So what it's I like mean, the I, states could collaborate and just pick who the president is just by right. who they put on the ballot. Exactly. And so what I, when I say I'm conflicted, what I'm referring to is I'm conflicted because even if there was a good legal argument that the Supreme Court doesn't have the jurisdiction to overrule the state Supreme Court. And force them to put Trump on the ballot. I still feel like this. Like I still feel like the Supreme Court should make them do it anyway because I think the precedent set for this is just so dangerous. That's what I meant when I was saying I'm conflicted. So you know, I because I just I don't think it's justifiable under what happened currently for them to take Trump off the ballot. And I do think it sets a dangerous precedent. So, but this is this is kind of the danger of the whole playing with the dictator joke because if you believe in your heart of hearts that Donald Trump is going to be a dictator then that gives you the power to rationalize basically doing anything to stop him right from coming of into course. power 
And so that's why it is dangerous to play these games where you call people that aren't dictators dictators, or you even joke about being a dictator when you're being called a dictator, because, you know, just empowers people to act in very specific ways. So I just think it's ironic that we're living in a time when, you know, dictator, socialist, all these terms would have just ended someone's political career. And now you have people on the left saying, hell yeah, I'm a socialist. You have people on the right going, hell yeah, I'm a dictator. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Uh-huh. What, what timeline are we living in? Right. All, the moder all the moderates are dead, Sitch. No, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I'm, I'm um, like full comedian mode, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, look, it was nice. It was nice while it lasted. This is the American dream. Said you're living in it. I'm over here like night out. It owl, came like, true. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Um, well, but I assume, do you, do you agree or disagree? I mean, what's your take on all this? I'm very excited about this coming year, this presidential election. Yeah. I'm, it's going to be amazing content. I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to watch every twist and turn. I'm fascinated by it. I think it could end in basically a civil war in the United States ceasing to exist, but it's going to be fun <laughs> while it lasts. I meant specifically about this uh, <laughs> new story. Oh, this new story? Yes, oh, yeah. Yes. Well, look, I, I don't know. I don't know the players involved. I, my intuition is that this could be, this is probably a lot of independent players who just have an ax to grind are kind of stepping up and, and making moves. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me if they Colorado has an ax to grind over the January 6th stuff. And they're just trying to keep them off the ballot because of that. It's obviously, well, obviously Democrats. It's obviously what's going on, right? Yeah. It's obviously Democrats, but I just, look, I don't know how much power they have. The states have a lot of power over how they, how they run their elections. So this could stick definitely. And mm -hmm. if it's, if it sticks other states that have Democrats with the power to keep ha Trump off the ballot, have some case law to turn to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look, if, if, if Donald Trump, is kept off the ballot in three or four essential states. He has no chance of winning. Zero chance of winning. Yeah. That's going to change the, that's radically going to change the whole shebang here. I mean, you think Republicans are going to be happy about that? Or you think they're going to be talking about civil war nonstop on their Facebook pages? Well, if, if, if Trump um, is not allowed to be on like key ballots and just can't win because of that, um, yeah, if they keep him off Ohio and then Michigan, yeah, I, I think that fine. I think that definitely increases the chances of civil war, and I think that definitely increases uh, people talking about. Oh civil wow, war. okay, yeah, that would definitely be something, right? Because then it's just obviously like it's not fair at that point, right? It's this kind of extrajudicial process. Yeah, the thing so. keep him off the ballot and. Michigan and Ohio, he's just, he's screwed. Mm -hmm. Huh. Fascinating. Yeah, but I, so I'll look into him because I'll have to read the opinion. Um, again, I'm pretty confident. 
I would predict pretty well the Supreme Court's going to try to overturn this. I don't know what the legal um, argument will be, but that they but they will, just because I think they're very conservative. Um, but I have to read through the opinion. I can only find the opinion from the lower court. It's like a hundred fucking pages, so I can't read it all on stream. Um, I don't know if the the state Supreme Court just affirmed it without giving their own opinion because I can't seem to find that at the moment. But I'll have to read through it because I'm curious as to what the legal argument will be to try to predict that the Supreme Court will make to overturn and get rid of it. So, but anyway, well, that's interesting news. It's definitely interesting news. But I, I think it's interesting news, but I don't think it's going to matter. So, well, that's uh, fa it's fascinating. But it is fascinating. A poll found that 56% of those surveyed at least somewhat agree that Trump will act like a dictator if given a second term. And it, does it break it down by Democrats and Republicans? Uh, let's see. I mean, I'm assuming it does. Um, what are you tapping on over there? Doesn't Never heard you tap before. Never heard that before. Okay. Interesting. Really? Um, yeah. Um, Zoom it, must be sleeping today. The little Zoom guy in there that doesn't. All that I mean, I'm assuming like, the poll. I'd have to go find the poll. They don't have a link to the poll, but I'm assuming it breaks it down. But 56 percent is going to be more. It's going to. It's going to be enough. You know. Uh, someone had a good question about you know for they said it's 40 percent of or good statement they said. 40% of Republicans, oh, sucks, is it, for $5. You have about 40% of Republicans don't want Trump to be president a second time, according to polls. I think we can assume most don't want a permanent Trump. I mean, that's a good point. That's definitely a good point. So, uh, Do you think Trump is selfish and self-centered enough to risk civil war for his ego? 100%. Yeah, easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah very easily. Um, so, Trump would inside a civil war. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm sure legal tube will have a lot of fun tonight kind of going over this decision so we'll see mm. anyways you want to watch this uh let's go back to this clip that we were supposed to watch are, are you done with the the blood and soil yeah Trump I, I, clip? yeah i think we're i think we're done well i mean we were done with it a while ago we moved off to this sort of okay news story but um, what do we got here? We have the journalist Jonathan Lisa talking about six-year-olds should be assisted to be trans. I don't know if this is Australia or, or England. Hawk Can't TV. tell their accents apart. apart. Yeah. It's, uh, Briefly, schools will have to tell parents if their children either socially transition at school. There is no duty on schools to allow them to socially transition. There is no duty on teachers to use a different pronoun or name for a child. Um, schools are obliged to maintain single-sex changing rooms, uh, but people who identify as different gender will be able to play with the gender they identify with, but only in non-contact sports. So this has come out today. Um, Samantha, parents have been waiting for ages for this. Has the government, it's a really, really difficult issue. Has the government got the balance right on this? I believe they absolutely have. I think that, I mean, as it said, the new parent first approach is 
absolutely the key. All too often, I think, especially in recent years, we've seen the government acting as a de facto parent, as you know, as we've as we've said many times, the nanny state. I think that parents have lost a great deal of agency and and a great deal of involvement in their own children's lives. And the idea that schools or medical professionals could withhold very important information from their parents just on the basis that oh the kid their kid doesn't want them doesn't want their parents to know if there are safeguarding concerns then parents and then, then social services get involved but parents should know what's going on in their kids lives the chiron says trans guidance schools should schools told to presume a child cannot change gender i think that would probably trigger a lot of people on twitter right Parents should always know, because the best possible education. Unpause. Sorry, I didn't realize I was muted. Um, I agree with what she was saying completely. Obviously, I think it's crazy. I think you, you have to, you know, tell parents what's going on here. Um, how old is this lady? She looks very young. I know she looks like she's ten. <laughs> I was like, why is there like a, like why is there a child? Why is a small this? child on here? Right. I mean, I agree with her completely, but honestly, she looks very, very young. So I don't know how old she is. Do you agree that that Chiron is pretty triggering to a lot of trans Twitter? School told to presume a child cannot change gender. Right. That would be that would be triggering to trans Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Obviously. Because they're so, like, what? Well, we're seeing. You know, we saw this because of the um, the Travis Stock Clinic. There's been kind of this big pendulum swing back it seems like in the uk on like a lot of the trans issues so it does make sense that they're moving in that direction right america's just light to the party because everyone's getting rich off it well that we haven't had like the big controversy yet like the travistock thing tavistock you know, tavistock sorry yeah. we haven't had that big central controversy i mean part of it's you know because we don't have a centralized kind of health system to get accurate information that to that extent, but right, we have all these clinics just right. popping up everywhere and right, but you know, up charges when, when the, credit cards when the lawsuits start piling up, I think you'll start to see things changing in the U.S. Let's hope. So, I wonder how Chloe Cole's lawsuit is going because she's yeah, even she's in California, right? I think the people, I honestly. I'm not optimistic about the lawsuits. I think that people are going to get screwed on the lawsuits. I think the the medical community is going to come in and, and protect their own and say, look, standards of care were this. Sure, the standards of care have changed, but we did the best we could at the time. No well, settlement. It's going to be funny because basically all of the protections, not all, but most, the overwhelming amount of protections that doctors have from being sued we're all implemented by Republicans. Right. Um, oh, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you get this kind of weird thing where actually in red states, probably you're going to have the doctors are going to have more protections than they would have in blue states. But putting that all aside, I think even that being the case, I wouldn't be surprised if you, we end up in a scenario where people that sue doctors in blue states are found that they can't sue the doctors and people that, that sue doctors in red states are found that they can sue doctors in red states and so it's going to have to be adjudicated on some kind of federal level uh to get to the bottom of you know the situation and then even then it'll be very probably dependent 
you know, at first the lawsuit would be like, well, did they follow the, the proper procedures and guidelines? And those that didn't will get hit first. And then there'll be a question of even if they did follow the guidelines, can you still get sued if the guidelines are messed up? So it's going to be a whole complicated legal web to untangle, but we're going to live through it. We're going to untangle it. We're going to watch it. We're going to comment on it as it, as it unfolds before our eyes. Um, is a partnership between those amazing teachers and the parents. They shouldn't be keeping any information from each other. And Jonathan, this will help teachers. They have been, before this guidance out there, they've been in such a difficult position because this is a, a rapidly changing part of our society. And I think teachers have felt out there on their own, sort of making it up as they go along before this guidance was available. So before this guy even says anything, okay, now I have seen this clip, so I know where this goes. Um, I said this before, this has always struck me as very weird. This is how I guess you knew that I was very classically liberal, or I really believe in like liberal ideas at a young age. Okay. This is the, the eternal rebel of Sitch's mind here. I never liked that people would signal super parts of their personality by how they physically appear. Okay. that's sweater screaming to you there so i never liked you know even when i hung out with all the goth kids i never dressed specifically like goth just you know i didn't like that people would dress like goth or preppy or um you know now it's like people kind of dress like how they're aligned politically right like there's a there's a very clear aesthetic for like leftists or lefty type people and to me, that's such a turnoff that you're like making a conscious decision. And this is because I believe, you know, as the as the the liberal that believes in authenticity, who believes that there's something inside of you that goes deeper than your appearance that kind of describes who you are as a person, and that should be what's important. I never like this idea of like I'm going to dress in some way that signals to the world everything about my personality. <laughs> And so I especially like, I don't like this idea that there's like this aesthetic that people who are like very left, like they, they, like this guy is signaling to the world, his politics by his appearance. Right. Yeah. Well, and his. <laughs> like you just look at it. him, you, you look at this <laughs> guy and you instantly know what his politics are. And to me, if I looked that way, I would change myself. I don't want to look in the mirror, have someone look at me and go, I know all your politics instantly by just looking at you, by glancing at you. I know everything, all your political beliefs. Like that to me is wild. Why would you want that? So you can get points from your tribe. I guess. Virtue signal points. I guess. It's what not just, it's a sweater, it's the beard, it's everything. You just know instantly what this guy's going to say. When you look at him. What anyway. do you think the judgment should be for for like bottom surgery when someone detransitions? You mean if they sue the doctor? Yeah. Um, I looked up the caps for California. Well, medical, I mean, it, it should be malpractice it caps. should be that it should be whatever the cap is because it's obviously. It should be the highest possible thing that they could be sued for. 
Okay, but what what would you think is fair? Um, I don't know, millions of dollars. Obviously, I go in the millions range. I mean, you you know really severely impact someone's life in a pretty drastic way. The cap starts at three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Right, this doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. Most super states low, have some kind of cap that's far under ridiculously a million dollars. Yeah, low. Yeah, exactly. Because the Republicans have been lobbying for these caps for very. So people probably don't remember this because this happened before a lot of people's time. In the '90s and in the early 2000s, when people were arguing about healthcare costs being too high, the primary right Republican argument was that the reason healthcare was too high, and there's some truth to this. Don't get me wrong, but. The primary argument was that the reason health care costs are so high Because of medical malpractice, is because yeah. of medical malpractice and medical malpractice uh, insurance. And so Republicans across the country, you know, were really pushing to implement these uh, malpractice caps. And there's, I'm sure there's truth to that idea, but so that, Yeah. you know, will come into, you know, down the road when these, if these transgender, you know, regret lawsuits kind of start picking up. But anyway, let's see what this uh, gentleman is going to say. Just one more thing. Wrongful death. Yeah. The doctor ends up killing your loved one. Right. $500,000 cap. How fucking evil is that? How evil is that? <laughs> yeah. Doctors drunk operating on your spouse ends up killing them. Well, I Half wonder, a million dollar payout. I would, I would imagine, I don't, I'd imagine if you looked at the law, there's some, like, I would, I would assume that the cap is if the doctor, you know, is acting accordingly, like doing their best, right? They, it's Oh like yeah, a cap. you don't get anything. No, 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 like, it's still, a, like, like, if the doctor is drunk, <laughs> right, and he's like, ah, you, you know, and they die, like, oh, you I, think you think you get more money then? Well, I think I would, I'm not sure I don't know about this, that. but I would guess the cap doesn't cover, like, the doctor was just completely negligently drunk, right? I don't know about that. Okay, I don't Look, know. you might be able you might get 500,000 out of their insurance and you might be able to sue him uh on the side. That might happen. I could see that going. Okay, ready? Yeah. Well, the one thing I would say um, is that I don't think, as this article was talking about, sort of um, teachers fearing losing their jobs, these are the wrong pronouns. I don't think that should ever be on the, the table. But I think Sounds that good. I completely object and reject the, um, the new guidance because I don't think that we should have a parent-first approach. I think we should have a child-first approach. If children... wants to feel very strongly about this issue. I think it's incumbent upon people to assist that and to, to encourage them to, to be who they are. Now, they're also... You know, I think we should have a child-first approach to Adam, okay? Don't I think, say it. Don't say it. I think, I don't know, whatever you're thinking I'm going to say, I'm not going to say, okay? Oh, please don't. Yeah. I think that when the kid says, I want ice cream for breakfast, okay? We have Yeah. to have a child-first approach. And we have to say, well, the parent doesn't necessarily know what's best for the kid. The kid wants ice cream for breakfast. So you got to give it to them. You got to give them that ice cream, right? Yeah. For breakfast. Yeah. He wants I think, a teardrop tattoo because his friend's yeah, dad was in prison. there you go. You know, when the kid says, you know what? I don't want to go to school today. I want to play video games. Right? I feel like I would learn more from playing video games than I would at school. You know, we should have a child first approach.
approach to these sorts of things. And we should say, well, let the child decide. The child knows what's best for it, right? That's why it's a child. That's why, you know, we give children all the same legal rights and responsibilities as their parents and, adu and adults, right? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, I'm being completely sarcastic. They Don't should do any be of able that to thing, work right? in the... <laughs> the coal mines, right? I was thinking the bar, but... Uh, okay. The kids yearn for the mines, right? That's why they play Minecraft all the time. So, uh, yeah, this just is a, a bafflingly uh, stupid take, but okay. It's it's dangerous for one point if you are you know there there might be parents at home who aren't as progressive and understanding and not necessarily they might have a they might not have a backhand of abuse. Sorry, let me just pay you. There there might be parents at home that actually care about their kids. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, well, no, it's I, just it's crazy that like because there's a possibility of a parent who will abuse their child because they hate LGBT stuff so much, right? They hate the trans so much to abuse their child because it's a possibility, which it is a possibility. Therefore, that means that all parents across the country shouldn't have a say because of some small minority, you know, would react in some kind of bad way. Like that's the argument that he's making, which is ludicrous. It's a ludicrous argument. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of scientific backing to any of this stuff. Every time I have someone try to explain the science behind it, it just, it seems like there's other explanations that are more plausible just through regular human psychology. So I just, I, I feel like this is a, like a moral panic thing on the trans activist side. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. And I do, I think they're just, they're gaslighting kids and creating false positives all over the place. Mm -hmm. Look, That's it's true. pretty obvious. So. From that there though, because I, I don't, I, I think. But this guy's saying, look, once you've gaslit a kid into thinking that he's trans, you can't tell the parents, obviously, because they, they might try to gaslight him out of it. Right? I'm, just, I'm trying to think of another example of something in our society or like it's some important decision the child makes and we just say well the parent shouldn't get a say the child should get a, a say in this life-altering decision right. you know we should trust the child's judgment like i can't really think of any other scenario yeah we what kind of is that this logic okay yeah that's a good point what is where what it, it, nothing yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely nothing yeah the the legal guardian has control over everything. Mm -hmm. But they're like saying, look, we here at the school, we think kids should be able to transition if they feel like it at six years old. Yeah, it's like, uh... We'd okay. like to step in. Where does this logic appear in any other time frame, you know? Can't think yeah. of it. Hmm. I, I can't think of another argument where I'm like, yeah, you know, let the kid decide things. What would happen if the kid came to the teacher and said listen i'm jewish but my friend billy is christian and mm -hmm. i really think this jesus thing is where it's at can you baptize wanna, me without telling my parents can you baptize <laughs> me in the name of jesus yeah but not tell my parents i really right. i think my identity is christian yeah yeah and uh just let's keep my jewish parents out of this they're going to be pretty Ooh. pissed about it yeah, that, that wouldn't go over well, right? What do you think the t what do you think old sweater boy here would be saying? 
He would, would not sweater be boy say, "Oh, yes, let's let's let them express their religious identity." <laughs> let the, you know what? That's a good that's a good point. That's a good thing to ask. Mm-hmm. You know, people that are make this argument is to frame it exactly that way. You know. Or let's say, don't even use Jewish. Use atheist because that's like more triggering, right, to the moral intuitions. Oh, okay, like, sure. Oh, you know, my parents raised me to be atheist. Oh, there you go. That you know, is, they said is God good. isn't real. Right. Um, but you know, I see my friend; he's Christian, and it just he's really, you know, I feel really confident that Jesus, right. you know, is my Lord and Savior. Can you uh, baptize me in secret and like just make sure you don't tell my atheist parents because they're very, you know, I I don't want to like any trouble. They're going to beat me if they find out that I'm a Christian. Well, no, just like, you know, they're just going to be very unhappy, right? No, no, no. They're going to beat the shit out of me. No, 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 no. Don't say that because that that gives an easy out, right? You have to say like, well, they're very unhappy with the Christian lifestyle, right? You know? (laughs) Like the first thing they're going to do is want to go to the parents and say, look, your kid's talking about becoming religious. You need to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the easy out for them. That's what they're looking for. No, no, Sitch. no. I'm saying if we had a conversation with someone, they would, you know, they would use that as an out to not answer the question. They'd no, they would say, they would say, listen, the parents should beat them. Okay. Yes, yeah, what they're going to say. Yeah, How sure. Dare. Of course. Of course. Right. How dare they be religious? Right. right. Now, do they want to transition? <laughs> Right now, if they, yeah, now if it comes to transition, so why is transitioning get like the pass here, but like the Christian thing doesn't? So you know, I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's not. There's not going to be a lot of consistency in that answer. I'd imagine. No, that we, what they're going to say is they're yeah. going to say, "Listen, every single medical institution, yeah, in you're the right. entire world, yep, except for most of Europe, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the right. Netherlands, right? Yeah." Except for the uh, Australia, right. uh, most of England, yeah, <laughs> but all the other ones in the world, right? <laughs> yeah, they're gonna say, "Look, it's a right. medical thing." This right. is, you're talking about ideology. You're talking about religion. Yeah, listen, something we, completely different. They're gonna say, "Listen, God isn't real," and I know that, but I do know that this stuff with the trans kids is real. Right. So that's the difference. You, you know what the difference is? You know what the difference is between these two things? It's very simple, Adam. It's okay. so simple. I'm going to blow your mind. Okay. Are you ready to have your mind blown? Okay. <laughs> Please don't. No. Good things are good and bad things are bad. All that's right? exact. That is exactly what they're going to say, too. Yeah. That's exactly what they're going to say. That's why that's such a stupid fucking They're going to be, they're going to go full Matt Walsh on you. Yes. I'm ready for a sweater boy to say that. Yes. All right. Here we go. Hey, you're absolutely wrong. So we're talking about primary school children, right? So when my kids go into school, if my son takes his inhaler at lunchtime, I think there's a reasonable expectation for me to say the school should tell me as a parent because when he goes home, I'll check his breathing before he goes to bed. So you are genuinely saying that this guidance that does allow for some exceptions, but this guidance that says to teachers, if your child socially transitions in primary school and secondary school, but in primary school, Parents should 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 be told. You're genuinely saying that that's wrong. I think it should be up to the child. It's up to the no, children. It's up to, it should be We have no idea what goes on behind closed doors. Having an inhaler is completely okay. different and, from something social like this. And so, sorry, just as a, a well, that's weird. He that's so weird. He agrees that this is social and not i know i caught that too biological so that that's even stranger than what his position is 
Okay. That's further towards a religious argument, definitely. Yeah. Can I just interrupt here and say, first of all, I absolutely object to the fact As a child, I disagree. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm being mean to <laughs> That a child, the idea that a child in, in a home where there's no social services involvement, etc., would be at harm because they because their parents aren't progressive enough. If the school or local authorities believe that a child would be a harm based on any social political views that there might be expressed to their parents, then social services get, could get, should get involved because that child clearly is not safe in that home. If that isn't the case, then a child should absolutely not be given these, in, these mammoth decisions. A child is a child under the Children's Act 1989. A child is a child under the 1989. And have been treated as when so I was... Let me just... See, yeah. thank you. Amen. Exactly correct, right? Yeah, they don't have the, they don't have the experience to make these decisions. And yeah, then you and got this, idiot boy here in the sweater who doesn't right. have the experience to make the decision either, making right. the decision for the entire world population in his area. And and if there is some concern about you know child safety, then you get child's you know protection services involved. You don't do this kind of proactive uh, take away the parents' rights to sort of have a thought or decision on this whole you know. It's a very serious conversation. Are you seriously saying that if a six-year-old child at school wants to socially transition to a different gender and says, don't tell my mum and dad, that those parents shouldn't be told? You can't do that under this guidance. That's why I support it, because it puts parents first. Are you seriously that, saying think that a six-year-old can make that decision? I think that... Uh, if a child is expressing a clear wish not to have their parents told, there might be a reason for that. Sometimes we don't always know best. We don't always, children, but sometimes have... Parents don't your, know better than a no, no, I'm not saying child. that parents don't know. I'm saying that teachers don't necessarily know what's best um, for people. They don't know what happens behind closed doors. And that children are expressing that wish, there may be a reason for it. Every case should be taken on its merits, Jake. But I think there's also another point here. Wow. There's another point. This is not just about the danger, the potential danger of it. It's also about pragmatism. Because if a child is doing something and you doubt that child's intentions or motivations or sincerity or whatever, it's actually quite sensible to kind of uh, call that, to do what that child wants because there's nothing to then push back against. There's nothing wow. to resist. Okay. And see what happens with that child if they still want to do that later on. It's not an irreversible decision. No one's talking about having surgery at six. Wow. It's about pronouns. That's so fucking dumb because, look, he doesn't understand anything about human psychology. No. Yeah. No. Not totally. <laughs> you're, no. you're totally grooming the person into that situation. Yeah. Uh, what an idiot. It's annoying. This guy's name is Jake Barry. There's a guy mm -hmm. in UK Parliament named Jake Barry who's not him. So I like I try to find like this guy to see who he is, and I can't find. I mean, it everything goes to this the Parliament guy. We were just talking about how difficult it is to get people to reverse their positions on some stupid thing that they're wrong about, that they've been arguing online about. Right. Talk about like changing your gender in, in at six years old. It's, it's this is insane. Oh wait, no, I'm an idiot. Jake Barry's like, this is a guy who's doing the channel. Yeah, Jake Barry's the show guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. this Jonathan Liss is the guy. Oh, he is? Okay. Journalist. Okay. There you go. Oh, like he's that. a journalist. That makes sense. Jonathan Liss. That's why he's a dumbass. Right. I'm curious as like what his background is. I hope this guy is a character in Civil War. And uh <laughs> let's, uh, let's really like what do you mean by that? 
I mean, look, it's an action movie. He could he could be brutally attacked. Wow. He's gonna be the hero. What do you mean? I know it's gonna be horrible. The hero of Civil War is gonna be is is gonna be left wing progressive journalists who uh, have to expose, you know, Donald Trump's plan to what be you, president for a third term. What do you want to bet one of the journalists is trans? I don't think so. I don't think it's gonna happen. So I'm, really? I'm gonna bet against that. Yeah. Okay. We're not we're not quite there yet. <laughs> I don't think. Or they would actually. You know what? I'm gonna. I'll take the easy bet. If we were there, that would have been in the trailer, right? No, they that's would have too definitely that's, been they, like, Even they know that's too far. You think? You, you think they even? Yeah, I don't know. This is not the. Every time they say this is irreversible, I just I cringe. Mm -hmm. Or or every time they say this is re fully reversible, I cringe. Right. It's like saying an education is reversible. Look, we're mm -hmm. just educating you, but it's reversible. We can make you dumb again. Uh, all that stuff we taught you, that's not true anymore. Nope. Anyway, did you find any good stuff on him? Or? Uh, no, I'm just, you know, left-wing guy, just general left-wing guy. So. Well, all I can say is, thank goodness the government has brought out this uh, this new guidance because under this guidance, I would find out what my six-year-old child wanted to do at school. I know Jonathan disagrees with me. He's perfectly entitled to this view. That's why we love him. <laughs> Look at this guy. Oh, this guy's this, such a loser. This is, this, is, this is very much like the, I'm so glad you're not in charge because you're an idiot. But I'm going to say it in a slightly nicer way, but still a way that everyone knows I'm calling you an idiot to your face. Look, I want to... <laughs> I'm so wanna... glad you're not in charge of anything important. We need to go back to the time when we just laughed and pointed at people like this. Seriously. <laughs> like, what's what's happened? Right. I, I mean, maybe it was Twitter. I mean, what gave mm. these people so much cultural power? If If it was Twitter and Elon Musk buying Twitter saved us from all this fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's a great thing. Well, this guy's a big following. That 120 follow, 119 thousand followers on Twitter. So 19 thousand followers. 119. On 119 thousand. Of course, because yeah. he's he. All oh, those are all the people he's transed. Uh huh. Well, he has their little you know rainbow flag in his bio, so you can. Oh yeah. Make it as you will. It's but. so it's so weird, and the fact that they lean on gay and trans being exactly the same thing, like. <laughs> I mean, you can tell who you're attracted to. This whole idea that you born in the wrong body. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Having you on the show, but thank goodness, teachers have to tell parents. Look, in good teachers have to tell. Who wants to leave it up to the teachers? Look, you decide. It's a case by case basis. Your your teacher decides. You have to let the children decide. Now. Teachers are not the children. Teachers are not licensed professionals that like licensed health, mental health professionals. They shouldn't be involved in this situation. Did you see the, um, kind of reminds me of, uh, I saw Pierce Morgan was talking to Jeremy Corbyn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like this hilarious interview. And, um, he keeps trying to get Jeremy Corbyn to like admit that Hamas are terrorists and he just won't <laughs> say it. Oh, I didn't see that one. It's like so I saw fucking it. wacky. We can watch it if you want. Wait, we wait, can wrap up. Funny. It's your call. I don't know. We'll see.
I'll keep. Oh, we're done with this clip. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is Jack is breathing over, before okay. he goes to bed. So okay, let me. Read, we're done. Let me read some supers. Uh, Captain Solo twenty four for twenty dollars says Trump has been removed from the ballot in Colorado by a state supreme court. Thoughts? That's what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for. But thanks for chatting in. Yeah. yeah. Um. Let's see. Where did I stop? Mitch for two Aussie bucks says. Reagan reminds me of Saul Goodman. Reagan is like if Saul Goodman was actually a moral person, but kind, you know, still kind of like a con artist, but but like with a heart of gold. That's why I like his character. He's such a good character. Oh yeah. Um that's the anime guy from Mob Psycho. Mob Psycho. Yeah. Look, yeah. I'm I know the characters now. Mm-hmm. Let's see, read that one. I've only Boss Apprentice for five dollars says I was gonna get you a gift for Christmas, but you two don't play enough video games. Here's five bucks instead. Well, thank you. That's true. That's true. Thank you. Yes. Uh Naxlis for five dollars says Sitch was ready to concede, but Adam took the concession as further resistance. Sitch said the poll's wording actually proved he might have been wrong. Did I say that? <laughs> I don't even know if I now I'm confused as to what that response says it all. Okay. Well, so, listen. So, sorry, Nax. Listen, let me let me tell you guys the truth. The truth is, I'm never wrong. Whatever, whatever the poll said is wrong. Whatever the argument Adam made said is wrong. I'm always right. That's all that matters. <laughs> truer, truer words have never been spoken. Okay. Toph for five dollars says I heard a rumor that Steve Michael Davis might be coming on for discussion soon. Any credence to that is true. He was supposed to be on today, and then um, I said I was going to be able to do today, and then I got canceled, and then I could do today, and then he was already doing something else. So he will be rescheduled in the f in January, right? Soon, next, next. Or, I don't know he'll be rescheduled soon, right? Yeah. Look, I think I'm I'm supposed to be on his channel next Ooh. week. Yeah. Oh, okay. Talking about what? Uh, I'm not sure. Wow, he, look at this. He wanted me to come on his channel yeah. for some something or other, and I told him I would I would promote it. So there you go. There and you go. um so I'm gonna be on his channel on the third. And I said I asked um if you if you wanted me to invite you along, but he said he said he talked, no. No, he said he'd talk to you later. He wants to talk to me about something. Okay. I don't know. So okay. um he said no. But he's going to be back on here to talk about generations theory, and on the sixteenth of January, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, cool, fun stuff. Okay. Anything um, else? <laughs> yeah. Let's see, Mitch, or the one. Um. Um, squirrel and oz you've already read yeah that's why we watched the trump speech mitch for two aussie buck says it slowly got good but what the fuck was the with the alien episode the alien episode what slowly got good mob psycho oh i don't know i mean the episode where they're like going to where they're going to look for aliens because they're part of the alien club that's the only episode that has like it's an alien episode i can think of I just don't remember that episode. Uh, CT for Falcon Ant says, Adam, think of it this way. You don't even, you don't have to get even with people. Truly bad people tend to destroy themselves without get, without having you to lift a finger. 
Right, but look, I don't want Sitch to destroy himself. He's my business partner, so that's not really a a viable solution. Mm -hmm. uh, Clown Moosey Bean for 10 months says, S-Class needs therapy. It's a good thing A-Team is a frontier psychologist. A-Team reigns <laughs> Wow, look at this. Adam's done a good job, uh, I guess, gaslighting the chats. Uh, into look, supporting his I, I do. I mean, look, we're joking around and stuff, but I do think that you have a bias that you're completely unaware of and don't even really, I don't know. It, you used to, it used to seem more open to the idea that you could be wrong or, or there was a bias, but lately I, I feel like you've gotten a little more stubborn. I mean, I, I obviously disagree. I just had, you know, I just made a comment about, the Trump poisoning lifeblood thing. Uh, and then someone said, you misinterpreted it. And I brought it up and then I, I listened to it in a longer context. And I said, okay, I can understand right. both directions. I mean, I still think it's a bad statement. And I don't think even with the, and maybe you could say, well, this is me being stubborn. Cause I'm saying, even if you say that the they is the Democrats, it's still essentially pointing the finger that the immigration is the poison. So it's still like not a great statement to make. Right. Right. Well, um, no, you, but I mean, you, I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty open to Right. I mean, you can do it in certain contexts. Okay. Uh, obviously. But just because, look, you can say, look, I'm not biased in this context. That doesn't mean you're <laughs> not biased in another context and completely unaware of it. Right. Right. Do you, do you understand the difference there? I do, but I. Okay. Still going to look at the. Um, still going to look at the, the stream because I. This is what I'm going to guess. This would be my prediction here. I'm going to leave the stream. And everything I said today, I said in the stream. And everything you said today, you said in the stream. And it was just... So your memory is of you making a point that we were talking past each other. And that's why you think I changed my mind. That's going to be my guess is what's going to happen when we go back and look at the stream. Mm -hmm. So... We'll find out, though. Uh, where was... Carmine Galante for two pounds says, love the show. If the woke were clever, the world would go after female orcs. Just saying. They would go after female orcs. I don't get it. What do you mean by that? If the woke were clever, they'd go after female orcs? I don't get it. Hmm. Okay. But thank you, Carmine. Daniel Sink for seven months says, was the initial disagreement KFAB or is Adam really 200 IQ? I'm not sure. I don't know. Adam is Adam is uh, definitely in the 200 IQ range. So there you go. Is that even a thing? I mean, what was I, what was Albert Einstein's IQ? I thought it was like supposed to be a 180 or something. Right. right. Look, thank you for the compliment. There you go. Uh, boop. Female orcs, female elves. Okay. Uh, Ginger Miss Prime for three Aussie bucks says, oh, I read that one. That was about Jeff sounding like no bullshit. Uh, Naxalus for $5 says, I figured out an alternative to Christianity to teach forgiveness. Game theory. Game theory tells us why forgiveness works mathematically and how people behave. You know, like, that's true, but that's not going to be emotionally persuasive to people's elephants. Well, so, and people learn from narratives. Storytelling narratives. Right, 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 right. So, like, that's why I was saying, I think you could, there are definitely ways to prove forgiveness is the way to go forward. But I think without having that emotional, you know, God connection, that spiritual connection to it, it might never, 
become a sticky idea. Like once it becomes embedded in a culture, anything can be justified because it's just embedded in a culture. But to get it embedded in the culture, I think I do agree that you do need religion or something of that effect to, to get it in there in the first place. Well, I, I mean, if you had some sort of, like a lot of people, there's no religious component to Christmas any longer. But all of our Christmas movies, all of our Christmas stories are about generosity. It's like, it's another meme that we need to implant into the culture. Mm -hmm. Generosity, right? We all know right. Scrooge. Sure is the bad guy, right? Sure. The stingy person who doesn't know any generosity is evil. Yeah. And that person should be beat up and die sure. alone and uh, unhappy. Right. So I do think you could potentially do it without religion, like, like Christmas does. But I just look... Forgiveness might be a, a harder meme to sell than I like generosity. that you said you could do it without religion like Christmas does. Well, there is a religious component, some, but you know, obviously, I know a lot of people like think of it secularly, aspect. right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, what what is look? I you I would you know more about Judaism than me mm -hmm. since you were raised in the the culture. What right. is the meme of of Hanukkah? What is the pro social thing that Hanukkah teaches you? Uh. Hanukkah is a very unimportant holiday that's only become important to counteract Christmas. So that would be the wrong ant question. There is a meme, and I've talked about this in, in Judaism, that says, you know, if you you can you ask for forgiveness three times or something, if they don't like after that, it's then on the other person's shoulders for not accepting your apology, essentially. For not giving the forgiveness on the third time. Um, so Hanukkah is about forgiveness. You're no, kidding. no, no. This is this is not has nothing to do with Hanukkah. Okay. Okay. Hanukkah is is a kind of a silly I, silly holiday about I, what is the theme of Hanukkah? I don't even know. Is it like fighting off fucking the Romans or who whoever the fuck? I don't even know who it was that was destroying the temple. You you don't you don't know the story of Hanukkah at all? No. Look, I was I was raised Christian. I know Christmas is about a fat guy giving gifts to people who oh, okay. deserve them, who are yeah, good, so who are nice. The story of people Hanukkah, who are naughty don't get gifts. Okay. The story of Hanukkah is about the the Maccabees. I don't know if you know anything about the Maccabees. Like getting too much into it is about the Maccabee uh, revolt. I don't remember if it was against the Romans or someone. It was against some fucking group of people, uh, you know, and they were attacking the jewish temple or something and there was some kind of light that had to be like that had to remain lit like indefinite like forever essentially for some religious reason and they couldn't get the lamp oil or whatever oil they were using to keep the light going because of i guess the, the military conflict but through like the miracle of god the lights you know maintained its light for eight days on one day's worth of oil. And so that's fucking what Hanukkah is about. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's not very like exciting. God, God, God made the oil last longer. So yes. It's like yes. in, in times of need, God will be there for you. I guess that would be 
possibly a way of, of looking at it. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Not sure that's super helpful for society, but. Well, it's just, it's reestablishing your faith, I guess, in God. Right. So. So faith in God is the virtue that you're trying to. Put sure. Forward. Right. Okay. That would be, I guess that would be the idea of Jesus. Also, I, I think it's supposed to be some idea about like not giving up. You know, you keep fighting, you know, don't give in, don't give up. Even when things seem hopeless, you could kind of extract that from the story. So optimism. So, yeah, optimism. So there's like this interesting things in there. Um, so I, I'm thinking of three, well, actually not. Uh, I'm thinking of three virtues, like right. in a virtue ethicist type way. Which I'm, I, I mean, I wouldn't call myself a virtue ethicist, but whenever I hear people talking about virtue ethics or read about virtue ethics, I think, oh, I agree with this, right? right? It's this idea that you want to foster certain ethics in individuals because ethics are more versatile than trying to come up with some rule for every kind of situation. So like forgiveness would be an ethic. Generosity would be an ethic. Gratitude would be an ethic, right? Right, right. Well, we have... Christianity, which I've made the argument and, and will continue to make the argument that for, forgiveness is the ethic that Christianity promotes. Generosity promoted by Christmas. We celebrate Christmas once a year. It seems like Christmas is all about generosity, right? Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, gratitude, right? Right. We're supposed to think what we're, what we're thankful for. All the America bad people are forced to come out and say, well, at least I'm okay with this, right? You know? So I just, I think these virtues have to be installed into society some way or other. Holidays are a good way to do it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't, I don't know how you would get those in there without some sort of narrative thing. And I don't yeah, think no, I some game, some class in game theory is going to do it. So yeah. Someone says, uh, as a fellow tribe member, the oil lasting eight days was literally made up for kids. Annika is really about the civil war between traditional Jews and Hellenistic Jews. Really? That's interesting. I've never heard that at all. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised by that, but that's pretty fascinating if that's the case. I did make um, a note about what I forgot earlier. What was that? Well, we talk about the elephant and rider thing a lot and people in the comments they always ask what the hell are you guys talking about and i wish there was a way that we could talk about it that was clear without mm. just citing the elephant and the rider which nobody knows about like well i think most of our audience knows about the rider so that when new people come in they don't know about what we're talking about yeah well right. it would be easier if someone who was listening to the stream for the first time heard a term that was synonymous with the elephant and rider but just was clear what it meant right mm -hmm. like that's your emotional mind or your something like that something to that effect you're i'm gonna make an effort to, to okay stop using that metaphor because other people are just confused by it and um, but I, I mean i was interested in your input what could be said that wasn't I don't know what thing about it. Such I mean, a deep lore thing. I don't know. I kind of like the the. I don't want to get rid of the metaphor. I mean, yeah, the question look, is: Is it better? I'm not, to... You don't. You can use it all you want. I'm just right. thinking. Look, I want to be more clear in my speech. So. Right. Is it better to say something that people will have to kind of learn about, whether someone else in chat explains it to them or look it up, or is it better just to 
just say a, a, a like the clear like the what the term means you know in a, another way they don't have to look it up but Yeah, like the no. symbol representing it Look, there's, I'm sure streams have all sorts of inside memes that go into them. right Yeah. so it's interesting it says this is some article from Haretz. We may not like to think of our joyous Hanukkah festival in such dismal terms, but the revolt of the Maccabees was not against the Greeks, okay, it was Greeks, not the Romans, as Hanukkah children's songs describe, but against our own rogue brothers. It was a civil war. For at least the first year of the revolt, the fighting hardly targeted the Seleucid soldiers. The majority of fighting took place between the Maccabees and the Hasmoneans, and their troops were called the Mityavinin, Jews who espoused the Hellenistic culture, or converted into the pagan Greek belief system. Interesting. Only much later, after the Mityanavin were defeated, did the Seleucid armies join them and attempt to crush the Maccabees. Fascinating. Well, I mean, I guess it's still metaphorically true, right? It was basically Jews fighting against a Greek uh, influence, trying to make them not Jewish. Whether it was fellow Jews or the Greeks themselves. So there you go. A lot of it's kind of funny. Uh, it's like so much of the Old Testament is just like war and shit. Oh yeah, it's mostly <laughs> that. just mostly war. You know, Jews are always. I dare you to try to read fights. numbers and just keep your eyes open for more than fifteen minutes. Was numbers just where they go through all the different laws? Oh my god, torture! Right? Is that what Yeah, numbers is? I think numbers is like just where they're like listing out. numbers of things Oh, okay. like numbers Really? of resources and shit Interesting. maybe i'm Um, thinking of the wrong the wrong chapter I don't know. Uh, it's you there know, it's are it's a few it's it's chapters very like easy that to. Here's the thing. This is part of why Christianity, I think, is more popular. It's very easy to like pull out the New Testament, sit down, and read it, and just and just be done with it. Reading the Old Testament, aka the Torah, is like a chore. <laughs> okay. Like, oh god, here we go. You know, so. And I'm sure part of that's because it was written 2,000, you know, or 3,000 years later. So it's a little bit more modern. So also the subject matter is just far more narrative structure that we're accustomed to. But anyway, that's interesting about Hanukkah. So, but you've celebrated this holiday a bunch of times and you don't really. No, I was told what I said. It was that, you know, the, the Maccabees were fighting against the Greeks. who the Maccabees won or whatever, and they were only had enough oil for one night and they had to keep this light going. And then through God's miracle, the light lasted eight days or eight nights, I should say. And that's why there's the eight nights of Hanukkah. It's just the miraculous oil that just, you know, God's will kept going. What did you need the light for? I don't know. You were working on some term paper or something? No, it was, you were a, like, it was a light of religious significance. Supposed to be like always lit in the temple, you know, to represent God. Oh, okay. So, uh, I gotcha. Yeah. Like your duty to God was to keep this lamp burning for a long period of time. Otherwise God would get big mad and come Well, no, and it was smite supposed to be you. like the light represents God. So like God is eternal, the light is eternal. Okay. There's a lot of imagery, you know, in the Torah about God being light. So light very often represents God. Candles being lit represents God. So there's a light that represents the eternity of God. It is supposed to be forever lit. And so therefore, 
This would be a validation of, I guess, the Jewish God existence is the fact that even though physically the light should have gone out, the light that represents God did not go out for eight days. It, it remained, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really, it's hard to relate that to some kind of virtue that the population. There, well, there, that's why I said, that's why I said Hanukkah is like a minor holiday. It only became a big holiday to, um, to compete with Christmas. Like, I don't even know when the gift giving part of Hanukkah even came into fruition. Cause that probably, I, that was probably like a new thing. So, yeah. Uh, I'm not a closet theist. I'm an open theist. I always say, whenever I'm asked, I always say, yes, I'm a theist. Not necessarily like the Jewish version of things, but. Uh, Orion for 19 months says, hearing them argue, I have to agree with S class. Sorry, Adam, you aren't addressing Sitch's specific argument. There you go. Who's that? That was Orion. Thank you for the 19 months, Orion. Okay. Blaine's escape quarter for $5 says if Sitch thinks he isn't wrong because Adam misunderstood him, then Sitch is wrong because communication is about speaking so he can be understood. True. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Blaine. Uh, well, Dwight I mean, it's, yeah. it's different. Western cultures definitely put the emphasis on the speaker. Eastern cultures put the emphasis on the listener. Is that true? Yeah. Hmm. I've never thought about that. So, but since this is Western culture, it's technically your fault. Right, okay. But I do think the Eastern cultures, I mean, if, if <laughs> that the Eastern culture is assuming that the speaker is saying something that's comprehensible, which, I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk via YouTube and say just a bunch of fucking nonsense. Mm -hmm. But anyway. Um... Dwight Baldwin for five dollars says, "Breaking news: Court rules Trump to be taken off the Colorado ballot." Well, there you go. Thank yeah, you. thanks. Landscape Corner for ninety-two dollars says, "Disagree and commit is how they shove dumb ideas." Oh, interesting. So Blaine doesn't like the disagree and commit concept that Jeff Bezos was talking about. Hmm. Um, well, what would a dumb idea be? I don't know. Well, it'd be dependent on whatever situation is. I'm sure disagree. Renaming Twitter X, right? <laughs> if you work for Elon Musk, you're like, I guess I disagree, but I commit to this. Right. <laughs> well, know. I'm sure somebody had to disagree. And, and I'm commit. sure. <laughs> the people that were erecting that big X, you know, remember the big X lights that like everyone hated? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you didn't live there, you liked it. If you lived there, you hated it. Uh, trying for seven months says, quote, dictator Trump won't happen. Let's brighten up the mood. Look at Donald Trump mewing to and tell me that meme alone won't win Trump 2024. I haven't it's, seen that meme. The problem is it's a lot of us get in these social situations where it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So mm -hmm. I just, I think if Trump is... If Trump is elected, mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of fucking chaos. This meme is horrific. I don't know why you want me to look at this, Trine. 
What is it? It's like they shift Donald Trump's facial structure. So he kind of has like a more conventionally like ha like handsome Squidward looking face with big lips and it just looks creepy. <laughs> and they use kind of like AI to like project it on Donald Trump's face and it's just creepy looking. So, but uh, thanks. I don't like it. Uh, TL1524 for $10 says Trump was made ineligible for presidency in Colorado. Thank you. Oh, wow. Everyone's talking about Delo Trek for $5 says breaking news. Colorado Supreme Court is removing Trump on the ballot. Um, Stuck for $5 says you have about 40% of Republicans. Oh, I read that one. You have about 40% of Republicans. You don't want Trump to be president a second time in polls. I think we can assume most don't want permanent Trump. I do agree with that. Uh, Say Dre for five SGD says, is there any proof religious people are more forgiving than non-religious people? Is America really less forgiving than Scandinavian? So that's an interesting question. Um, and we sort of briefly touched on this on Sunday because I asked this question or someone asked this question. And that's when we looked up the who is more against the death penalty. And it was that was kind of the stand in for that, even though it's not exactly the same. And it was the 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 atheists were far more against the death penalty than religious people were. Um, does that do you think that that's a good stand-in for forgiveness or not? Uh, I wasn't really paying attention. Okay, someone asked, "What were you doing instead?" I was trying to imagine what Orion was talking about that oh. I wasn't addressing. Hearing them argue, I have to agree at, with us class. Sorry, Adam, you aren't addressing Sitch's specific argument. I was trying to think, what is your specific argument that I'm not addressing? Well, I said it like a dozen times, but you said I was changing the You said I was moving the goalpost. Yeah, which was me addressing your argument. Yeah, but Orion is saying that he doesn't think I was moving the goalpost. Well, what is your argument then? I said that it already. I, that I'm not addressing. I said it already. But isn't me saying that you're moving the goalpost addressing your argument? I feel like it is. I mean, I guess you could say that. You you could say it. Well, it's you addressing your why you don't have to address my argument. So what is your argument outside of you moving the goalpost? Well, I don't believe I moved the goalpost. So it's it's my argument is the argument I said about the um we were having an argument about what is the primary belief of this thing and if you ask people if, th if they thought this was a primary belief of christianity if forgiveness was a primary belief of christianity or not or the right. central tenet of christianity or not not whether right. it is an essential part of christianity which right. is a different question but so the question the person said was is there any polling or any data that shows that religious people are more likely to forgive than non-religious people it's irrelevant well, no, it's, irre well, it's irrelevant to the irrelevant? argument that I'm making. I'm making the argument that Christianity puts the meme of forgiveness into the culture. Whether right. or not people like live by that meme is a completely different argument. Well, no, no, but wouldn't it be so? Like, if atheists were far more forgiving than non-atheists, that would be counter evidence, would it not? If atheists were far more forgiving, on average, right. What would that mean? Well, it would, well, that would be weird because you say, well, why is it the people that don't believe in God are more forgiving than the people that do? 
if I mean, you know, it's it's completely irrelevant to whether or not Christianity puts the meme of forgiveness into the culture. Whether oh, I'm well, an, I mean, I I'm an atheist. No, right, right, right. I agree with you, but it would be it would be relevant to the second argument, which is that can forgiveness would people practice forgiveness without religion? Like, is it is religion necessary for people to practice forgiveness? It'd be relevant to that argument because you say, well, yes. it doesn't have to be because a bunch of atheists are do, are the most forgiving people. If that was look, the case, I don't know. Yeah, if it's look, the case. if you right. believe that forgiveness just magically appears in people, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's fine. I, I, I guess this would be evidence that it does just magically appear in people, right? If these people are atheists, but you'd have to look at them and you'd say, "Look, I'm an atheist right now, but I was raised Christian. Have they always been atheists? I guess if you I don't know took, if you set aside people who were." atheist raised atheist raised mm -hmm. with no religion and these people were super forgiving i think that might be some evidence that forgiveness well arises naturally in people i i don't know if it's what i say is it'd be very complicated to disentangle because what i would say is like you know obviously even if you're atheist in america you're in a society that has been influenced by you know quote judean christian values those values could include forgiveness. You know, I would imagine, I could be wrong, but I would imagine that more forgiving people would generally tend to lean on the left, at least they would have before all the woke stuff. Um, and since atheist people tend to lean more on the left, you would expect that to be a more group that's generally more forgiving if those two stats, if those two stats lined up. Also the fact that maybe atheists feel like, well, if they're like, if they're more um agnostic as opposed to being strict anti-theists that maybe that would lead people to be more forgiving because they're kind of operating from a stance of of like i acknowledge that i can't necessarily know things and if you kind of coming from a stance of acknowledging they can't really know things it's kind of more understandable for you to logically think that other people are making similar mistakes because they can't necessarily know things the way you can't really know things so there's like a so i could definitely perceive of like a, a scenario where you can construct where People that don't believe in God would be more forgiving on average than people that do. Um, but it's an interesting question. I found a paper that's called an Analysis of the Relationship Between Religion and Forgiveness. So I don't know, maybe I'll send it to you, Adam, if you're interested in reading it. But Who's the author? I don't know. This this someone I've never heard of. It's a long paper, so I mean, it looks okay. kind of interesting. Do you got any papers on critical race theory you want to send to me too? I'll read those while you. Uh, okay. I just look, uh, some random author, obviously some random activists could have an ax to grind. They could, this, this, was, this, this paper this could was, be in, in your favor. I don't know. I don't, well, this, I just glanced at it. This it was looks like it's an, it, it looks like it's it looks like from a glance that it's arguing like in your favor, but yeah, but it, same thing applies. It could be some Christian activist that wants to right. make you believe that Christianity should be in every single school district in America because it promotes forgiveness. Right. This is this was why I had the disagreement with you over over um, the uh, fucking Joseph Henrik. Normally, I like to look at a, somebody who I 
accept their work, like Jonathan Haidt or Joseph Henrik. And then I look into reading their papers. But when you just read random activist papers, I mean, you can dig in on them and find out if they're accurate or not. But I feel like nine times out of 10, you do dig in and you find out that they're just, they're activists. Mm -hmm. They're p-hacking and whatnot. Do you disagree so, uh, with that, uh, that strategy? No, that definitely happens. I'm just saying you, sh I d you shouldn't make the judgment about this paper. The paper could very well support your points. So I don't know why. Yeah, but look, I'm not interested. Okay, I mean, the paper could be a legit not, history going through proving your point. Just, in, I thought it was something you might be interested in reading, but I guess not. I'm not living okay. and dying by the point. Okay. Um, yeah. And an unrelated topic, uh, I'll just tell this to anyone. Here's a pro tip, okay? If you want to like come talk to us about something, uh, you know, leading with insults is generally not the best way to do it. Even if you think you're being funny or kitschy, like I don't know you, like you might know me because you listen to me, but I don't know you, you're a stranger, right? So, you mm -hmm. know, you should keep that in mind when you're trying to like bring a point to me or Adam or get us to talk to you or something, right? Because I don't <laughs> know who you are. You're a stranger, right? So you should probably not lead with insults. Just, just a pro tip for how to interact socially with people, so. Was somebody insulting you or me? Yes, Oh, okay. sort of. They were not being like serious about it, but it still like rubs me the wrong way, so. So just letting you know, if you wanna try to convince me or Adam of something, you shouldn't lead with an insult, even if you think you're being funny. Um. Well, look, look um, I, I mean, I do read papers, but obviously like I don't have a background in statistics, so it's, I can't really dive into the statistical analysis in the paper. So when I look at a paper from an author that I'm unfamiliar with, like I have a, a certain amount of faith in Joseph Henrik. I have a certain amount of faith in, in, uh, Jonathan Haidt. I have a certain amount of faith in the guys that have written, um, like Bruce, uh, Bruce Bueno de Mesquita, the guy who wrote the Dictator's Handbook, like the guys who wrote Why Nations Fail, right? Often I come in contact with their papers. Mm -hmm. um, Jonathan Haidt recommends certain uh, people who also do research. So I feel like he's vouching for, they're not just some activists that are trying to prove a point. When I run across papers that are just, because this, this is basically what Vosh does, right? Vosh just searches for any paper he can find that is going to prove his argument. So while the paper that you're suggesting may be totally correct, I just, I don't feel like I have the knowledge to know that for a fact, because I can't dig into the statistical data that they do. I, uh, Aiden Paladin might be able to do that, but Sure. So that's why I do pay close attention to who the author of the paper is. Okay. Does, does that seem like a... Sure. Yeah, so I just, I wouldn't want to waste my time with a paper that I don't okay. really... Yeah. If, um, if, it's a, yeah. if it's a paper that everyone talks about, like the Stanford... Oh, it's a Princeton study, where it's like one study that is you know, everybody uses to prove yeah, a point. The, the rich people. You're sort, yeah. You're sort of forced to look at that paper. Sure. You're like, okay, well I yeah. got to figure this paper out. So I don't mean to, yeah, I just. Well, no, I just find it cause it's an interesting question that someone asked, which is, you know, is there a research that kind of compares 
how atheists versus religious people forgive, which isn't quite what that paper I found did, but you know, I because I would be surprised if there really was research on that answer. That would be an interesting I question. I would be surprised if there was unbiased research on that question because it seems like that's the perfect question. It's like, I I mean, I assume 90% of the, the research done on systemic racism is probably bunk, right? Right. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you think that's... I do agree with that, yeah. Yeah. Activists um, make terrible researchers. I agree. Mr. Tickle Trunk for 17 months, thank you so much. Says, I always ask, quote, why do we have the age of consent when someone wants to leave the trans decisions to kids, they stutter and never answer the question. <laughs> yeah, I see. I, I assume when I was doing my thing about letting the kids decide, you assumed I was going that direction, but I wasn't. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah, yeah I was okay. like, please don't. No. Uh, yeah, right. Okay, so that's definitely a, a definitely a direction you could take the conversation. Um, Stuck Fighter says the people who think every aspect of your identity is socially conditioned also think that social transition will ultimately lead you to surgery. Yeah, it's a very contradictory and bizarre, not consistent uh, idea. So, Fondue for Fighter says the hero of the Civil War movie will be a woke left wing British journalist. True, probably. Probably trans as well, but probably trans. Uh, Brian Fadar says, "Awesome stream, guys! You made me laugh, and now I feel better." A team reigns supreme. There you go. Sweet. Um, Al Al Fadar says, "Stitch." Oh, never a good sign when you start with Stitch. <laughs> oh, that's bad. Uh, Trump in October said that undocumented immigrants were poisoning the blood of the country. Please Google it. P.S. You guys are great. Really. Um, interesting. Let's check that out. Let's see. Poison the blood of the country. Trump. Let's do a limit the date to custom range. Let's do it to October. That is the superpower. That's the only way to actually actively look for things on Google nowadays. Um, 2023. I'll be right back. Get Adam. Get out of here. October 7th. October 6th. Trump migrants poisoning the blood of our country. So wait, he said this. Uh, he said this before. Wait a minute. How often has he said this? Um. Wait, no. This is the same clip. Wait. Why did I'm so confused? Why are people talking about this now? If this is from October. What? Nobody has any idea where the people are coming from, and we know they come from prisons. Wait a minute. I'm super fucking confused here. Or did he just say it the same way? Like, in exactly the same way. And I'm very confused. Uh, veteran journalist Geraldo Rivera condemned Donald Trump's latest comments about immigration. He said, nobody has ever seen anything like what we're witnessing right now. It's a very sad thing for our country. Uh, it's poisoning the blood of our country. It's so bad that people are coming in with disease. People are coming in with every possible thing that you that you could have. Oh, okay. So it was a different statement. Um, hmm. I mean, that definitely uh, 
puts things in the realm of he was definitely talking about the immigrants being the one to poison the blood of the country because he said that before. So not a great statement. Not good that he said this multiple times. It is uh, definitely triggering a lot of people's more xenophobic intuitions. So, Who's a xenophobe? Uh, Trump. Oh, yeah. Because he did say poison the blood of the country, and he did mean it in terms of immigrants like in October. So, so not great. Not yeah. Great. Things are going horrible. Al, Al, for $10, thank you. Says, I wonder if Trump realizes that he married to a Catholic Eastern European who a century ago might have been accused of poisoning the blood of white Anglo-Saxon Protestant America. Well, that's the ultimate irony. That's a good point. You know, whenever the white nationalists, so weird, whenever the white nationalists talk about their favorite immigration reform act in like the 20s or whenever the hell, the thing is that they always point to that was so restrictive and had the racial, or I shouldn't be racial, the ethnic country-based national quota system they always leave out that that immigrant quota system that America had and implemented in the early 1900s was literally designed to keep white people out, white people and Chinese people out, but specifically white people and Chinese people out of the country. It was a quota because they didn't want, you know, certain flavors of Eastern European white people. Um, and there was no immigration restriction whatsoever on people coming from Central and South America at all. So... It's kind of funny. Uh, fondue for five hours says three minutes behind, but I heard, but before I heard the elephant metaphor, I would refer to my elephant as Mr. Hyde. There you go. Oh yeah. Blank this, might be the, this might yeah. be the last stream of the year. I was just realizing that. Um, what is the date? Well, we're not streaming next Sunday, right? Yeah. We're not streaming next yeah. Sunday. Next Sunday is Christmas Eve. We're not streaming on... Oh, next Sunday is New Year's Eve. Holy shit. Yeah. Unless you plan on streaming on New Year's Eve. Uh, that might get us in trouble, so... What the hell? What this the hell, is it. guy? Christmas and New Year's Eve both on Sundays? Can we not? Well, we can stream next Tuesday, if you want. Next it's up to you. Tuesday, uh, I can't stream. Okay, well then I guess this is the last stream of the year, everybody. Happy New Year. But I will be streaming with, I believe, Stephen Michael Davis on the 27th. No, well, I'm we... streaming after the first of the year. I'm streaming on the third. Well, even if we can't stream, I'm going to be out of town this week, but next week we can make videos, can't we, during the week? Sure. Okay, so we'll still be here. We'll still be around. There we go. Tuesday's Boxing Day. Get out of here with your fake Canadian holidays. Blank Escape Quarter for $2 says, I ran an Amazon delivery company. Lots of dumb. Lots if dumb from execs. I mean, I'm not surprised, but yes. Jama Lama, thanks so much for joining the Free Will Seekers. Sam Wallace, R for dollars says, Christians almost never forgive, but say forgiveness is divine. Well, atheists say, fuck them, burn that bridge, but almost never fall through on it. There you go. Uh, and CT for two Canadians says, can I insult you? I probably won't mean it. Yes, CT, you can always insult me. Of course. Yeah. Look, we, we 
you have lots of insults built up because we've made so much fun of you being Canadian that I feel That's like true. you have at least turnabout's you know, fair play, right? Yeah, an infinite amount of insults. We have an infinite Im amount of insults coming. Asif Artsy for five dollars says, "Hi, Sachin Adam. Did you see my tweet? What do you think of my impression that Fareed Zakari doesn't reject wokeness? He just wants wokeness with official free speech." I didn't see your tweet. If I did, um, I missed it. I missed it. Yeah. Uh, where well, since it? this is our last stream of the year, I feel obligated to bring up some MMT videos and turn this into a 24 hour stream. Oh, god, <laughs> can Please you imagine? Don't. Come on, we have to go out with a bang. That's going Dude. out with a whimper, okay? Well, I mean, I like MMT, yeah. I'm surprised it, that it got like 40% in the poll. Maybe maybe you we have like um uh what's it called? Oh my god, I'm blanking here. What's Patty Hearst syndrome? Yeah, you know, oh, when yeah. you like kidnap someone and they like start to like it. Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm syndrome, thank you. Yeah. Maybe maybe people in chat have Hearst Stockholm syndrome, syndrome from uh, MMT conversation. So oh, I sent yeah. you Asafarti's art, you can bring it up. Oh, okay. Um, but where's I don't read Listen back to the clip. His trouble isn't student support of Hamas. He wants to get rid of DI so universities can have a competent president to tell Congress that free speech is based. He wants free speech to chant globalized intifa. A bit of mind reading, but I think Fareed is willing to risk right-wing bigots saying all lives matter, build a wall on campus because he feels the woke grip on universities is firm enough so social pressure would censor the unwanted bigotry without official policy. I mean, I... Okay. I don't know enough about Fareed's other positions to to weigh in on that one way or the other. But I mean, I'm glad that he's talking about how wokeness and DI sucks. So I'll take it. If he wants it because he wants people to be able to shout, listen, if if there was actual free speech on college campuses, so if this woke shit didn't exist, I don't I wouldn't care if people said from the river to the sea. I mean I wouldn't like it, but I'd be like, well it's you know it's free speech, right? It's only because it's hypocritical is like where I'm like, well, this is sort of a problem. So, you know, if we if we had free speech on camp college campuses and people would say from the river to the sea or intifada or whatever, I'd be more like, well, it's free speech. You just deal with it. So, yeah, it's that the rules are different for different people. Yeah. That's the problem. The hypocrisy and the difference of rules to me is my problem. In that, so. Did you watch Barry Weiss's video on on this stuff? It was no. amazing. That's good. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So uh Asifarti did this. The, the first one was about the statue saying, I just have a goat face. What have I got to do with Satan? Look at that. Poor little goat face guy. Right. This was the, the beheaded goat sculpture. Yes. yes. Sad. I know. Poor goat. Um and then this is the yin and yang. The Sitchin Adam uh such an Adam Yin and Yang. This that's Adam, you are Adam. That's more, not Freddie Mercury. It's not Freddie Mercury. Uh, he says, Adam, you are more obvious symbol of forgiveness than any religious symbol. Maybe you can design a yin yang emoji for the show where you stand for forgiveness and Sitch stands for judgment. There you go. Judgment. Justice. Why do I, I got to be in the black circle? That's racist. It's because I'm a person of shadow. Justice. Judgment. 
Oh, judgment. But I'll stand for justice. Listen, that's pretty based. I like justice. Lady Justice. Justice. Uh, Zokai for $2 says, Real people know the meaning Hanukkah from watching the episode from Rugrats. True. The Maca Babies, baby. What was the meaning? It's the Maca Babies are going to beat up Angelica. Dr. Diller for $2 says, If you're feeling down this holiday season, just remember people celebrate Kwanzaa, the copious of Cope holidays. It's a bad attempt to one-up Christmas and Hanukkah while pairing the people who don't care about it. True. What is the virtue of Kwanzaa? I don't even know. That's a good question. Why don't you look it up? What is, I don't even know what the Kwanzaa story is. Is there a Kwanzaa story? I don't know. All holidays should be designed to make people better. American yes. black separatist Malin Karenga created Kwanzaa in 1966 during the aftermath of the Walt Watts, Watts riots as a non-Christian, specifically African-American holiday. He said the goal was to, quote, give black people an alternative to the existing holiday of Christmas and give black people an opportunity to celebrate themselves in their history rather than imitate the practice of the dominant society. Wow, sounds like a fucking Marxist. So hmm. there you go. He says so you must have a social. Yeah. He says you must have a cultural revolution before the violent revolution. The cultural revolution gives identity, purpose, and direction. You, 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 right. So he's saying the cultural revolution doesn't subvert the violent revolution. You still get that, right? Yeah. The cultural revolution first, just comes first. To to direct the violence properly. All right. What a weirdo. So the message of Kwanzaa is fuck white people, I guess. Ouch. And um, fuck America. We need Ouch. to have our and fuck Christianity. We need to have some separate thing based on something I just made up, I guess, based on uh, Swahili for some reason. So there you go. Okay. Those Christmas elephant for jars says, since Christmas is about generosity, here's my Christmas gift for Adam. A team reigns supreme. Sing it for him, Sitch. Show your. <laughs> Show spouse some love. <laughs> S class is best class. Adam, 18, puts his crusty socks above the fireplace. Gross. Is that true? Nope. Never do it. Okay. No stockings Dr. in this house. Okay. Dr. Diddler for $2 says, fun fact, thanks to tidal forces from the moon, Sammy G gets a tenth of an inch shorter every year. <laughs> <laughs> By 2035, she'll be legally classified as a teacup breed. <laughs> Wow. They look, Dr. Diller shots fired at Sammy G. Ouch. What's a teacup breed? You know, like the teacup dogs? Oh, wow. You know, like know. that means like they're really extra small. That's so, cool. Uh, right. Um, bum, 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 bum. Adam unfriended for twenty dollars says I DM both of you on Twitter the Jubilee video where commies and capitalists debate. I cringe the video. I'm sure Adam would like to react to insert his MMT expertise. <laughs> that video really triggered me because yeah, just ugh. we might cover that whenever we come back on <laughs> the bad next Sunday that we stream. <laughs> right, such bad faith. Yeah, it's a really bad video. So thank you for sending us. I did watch it. Uh, Adam unfriended. Thank you for sending it to me. It was definitely a very triggering and awful video. So I didn't get very far into it. 
Did okay. you finish it? I didn't finish it either. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. I'm not gonna scream at Hayden. Uh, CT for two Canadians says, "Okay, I don't want to. Okay, I don't actually want to. I just want a permission." Well, there you go. You get permission. Dave Puff for sixteen months says, "Well, it's been a year. Thanks for the great commentary, fellows. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and everyone in chat. Here's to 2024." Well, there you go. Thank you. Thanks everyone in chat. Yeah. Equal you guys made for, it great. Equal for twenty dollars says, "Thanks for helping make twenty twenty three better." Session Adam, seriously, your streams have been a constant source of groundness and sanity for me in a time of disruptive change. Hope to keep up with y'all in twenty twenty four. Well, thank you, Equal Twenty twenty four is going to be huge amazing <laughs> it's gonna be huge listen 2024 for, is gonna be a time of interesting change right right one way or the other yeah. so no november 5th it's gonna be particularly interesting <laughs> yes yes oh man i'm sure we'll probably be streaming on november 5th the whole lead up yeah. it's gonna be just like wild okay it's gonna we're gonna be have trials wild. next year, Adam. We're gonna have Trump trials, baby. We're gonna have Trump trials. We're gonna have, I mean, Biden could fall down and die any minute. I mean, a lot it's of true. things could happen. I think my my read is, I really think somebody inside the Biden administration has tried to cut a deal with Biden, and I, Biden may say he agrees to this but really doesn't agree to it. We'll see what happens, but the, or maybe he believes this won't play out like I'm speculating here, but I think the plan is for Biden to nab the nomination without any of these ankle biters coming after him. And then he's made an agreement with people in the democratic party that if his poll numbers slip into double digits against Trump, that he will step down and give the nomination to Newsom, Gavin Newsom, mm -hmm. Gavin Newsom. I think that's what's going to happen. What do you think, Sitch? You know, I used to think that there was a plan by the mm -hmm. Biden team to switch out with Gavin Newsom. That used to be my operating thought process. Okay. What changed? Um, I don't remember the exact moment. But there was a moment where something happened, and I'm like, oh, these people are just fucking stupid. <laughs> well, look, uh, I and agree I, and that I they're said, stupid. Oh, okay. But... They're just stupid, and they're just ego. And I could very clearly see a scenario where everyone in Biden's team wants him to drop out or switch him with, with Gavin, and he just doesn't want to because of his own ego or whatever. And everyone just goes along with it because no one has the will or the balls in the Democratic Party to stand up and say, fuck you, you're dropping out, right? If he, look, if I can he's... very clearly seeing that happen, and I think that's what is going to happen, and no one is going to say that. So I actually have changed my mind. I do not think there'll be any 12, 11 o'clock hour Gavin Newsom swap. I think Biden is just le legitimately trying to, to run for it, and you know we'll see where that goes. If Biden is down, if if there's a substantial a substantial number of polls that show him losing to Trump by ten points, you don't think there'll be a massive amount of pressure for him to step down? There will be, and I don't think he will. Okay, okay. I think he will. So, I I feel like because my thought is like if if he was going to do it, 
why would he not he would have done it already what is the point of dragging this out till the last minute well because there will be a bunch of people entering the there are already a bunch of people in the primary so gavin newsom will be forced to fight against people on his left which will make him less able to win in the general election right but it's actually a smart plan to yeah. for biden to nab the nomination well, and then give it to whoever he wants first of all i don't know if that's possible i don't know if biden can win a nomination and then just give it to someone i don't think there's a process for that in the they Democratic don't look Party. they're not um, going to i okay no, this, this i don't know what, the this, i don't know the be, process either this would be the process i'll tell you they what, can't the have a whole nother primary i understand I'll, I'll tell you the process would be if you remember the democrats have the super delegates yeah that's okay? what i was thinking right the exact same thing the yes. super delegates are going to decide so you could have a situation where biden is in it in the primary um but then right before the actual vote the super delegates cast a vote biden drops out and then all the superdelegates could just vote for whoever. And it could be Gavin Newsom, right? No, my my um that would be the wait, that would be the mechanism in which this could possibly come to fruition. But my thought process is, and while it's true what you're saying is that would allow Newsom to circumvent opponents from the left, I feel like that maneuver would be too controversial and be so obnoxious to people. Now maybe they could get over it because they hate Trump so much, but I'm not it still would cause unnecessary conflict in the Democratic Party that I don't know why they would risk it as opposed to just having a normal primary where people on the left just fucking run and they just let them run and everyone, you know, votes for who the fuck they want to vote for. Well, once we're past the nominating process and Biden is the nominee and we're in the general election against Trump, I just I don't know what the process is if Biden drops dead, but it's not going to be. Is it? It automatically so. goes to his vice presidential pick. Probably. Well, if he steps down, I don't. Does it automatically go to his presidential vice president, or can he pick someone? Um. Well, I don't know. Let's look it up. See if there's an answer to this question. What happens if presidential candidate cannot? take office due to death or incapacitation before january 25th let's just wait that's when they've actually won presidential death during the electoral process yeah this is going to be tough tough to what find. happens to a u.s president candidate if they die after respect the political party grants them the nomination and before that's they are closer. elected yeah right there are there bylaws set up for each individual party answer no presidential candidate for a major party has ever died or withdrawn before a presidential election. So it's never happened before. And no right. presidential elect has ever died or withdrawn after winning the general election, but, but, but before taking office. However, one vice presidential candidate died after he was nominated, but before the general election. And another dropped off his party's ticket. Procedure for finding replacements for candidate vacancies are guided by federal and state laws and party regulations. They are not exactly a patchwork, but they've evolved in response to practical problems that have arisen during the presidential elections uh in this respect the procedures for filling vacancies in the party's nominated tickets are like those that have evolved for secession of the presidency when the person holding office vacates it for one reason or another when william henry harrison contracted pneumonia after giving a three-hour long speech in the snow at his 1841 inauguration and died barely a month later he was succeeded in office by john tyler it was not until confronting the issues raised in the transition of power from harrison to tyler that congress 
thought through the rules for secession of the president when the office vacated during midterm. Okay. So the answer is we don't know because it's never happened yet. I asked chat GPT and it's yeah. saying that it says if, if a presidential candidate drops out of the election before election day, the process and its consequences can vary depending on the timing and the specific circumstances. Here are some general aspects to consider party replacement. If the candidate who drops out is from a major political party, the party may have provisions to place uh, in place to select a replacement. The replacement could be chosen through a party convention, the party's leadership, or another established process. So that that that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking like it's the private party can do whatever give, they want theoretically. Yeah, it's binds to give to whoever the fuck he wants. Like, well, no, sure. it would be the DNC to give whoever they want. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure they're all working. Everyone's like, here's the game plan. Sure. And voting I, for I, I Biden would be voting for this other. This person. is going to be a controversial election as it is okay why would you want to saddle newson with this baggage of he wasn't even elected by the people he was assigned by the deep state democrats like why i just it just feels like such a bad fucking move strategically to do <laughs> doesn't it am i wrong i mean that's going to open up so Look, many avenues of attack of course him. of course all those attacks are going to come to fruition though but if if Biden is literally 10 points down in the polls against Trump, it's they're going to be ready to withstand those attacks. They're going to be ready to face those attacks. I mean, they're going to lose anyway, right? Mm -hmm. I Look, I agree. All those attacks are going to be levied at him. Or Democrats are going to go, look, we want to win, and he's young, and... I mean, he's a terrible liar, and everyone knows he's fucking lying. But. Right. But look, hes uh, he looks like a president. Throw him in there, kid. Well, the problem is, and there's another article I read about this, because, like, well, I think it's technically true that the, the political parties could do whatever they want. I mean, they're private organizations. They could essentially do whatever they want, so they could assign whoever they wanted. But the problem is a lot of the states have different deadlines for who gets to be on the ballot. Right, yeah. And so... They'd have to do the switch before those deadlines, or those states would have to change their laws because otherwise, the whoever the Newsom or whoever wouldn't be allowed on the ballot because they missed the deadline. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the Democrats though have. I mean, they have whoever's in charge of ballot access on speed dial. Like all the Democrats are working together to win. Yeah, but anyway. that only be for blue states. Red states would just say, "We're not going to change it. Fuck you." Or purple states, right? I, I mean, you'd be playing a election, dangerous game with these purple states, right? I think the election law is done by the state legislatures, which could be predominantly Republican or Democrat, but I do think the the election bodies are forced to have equal Republicans and Democrats in there. They do, but I'm saying if it's a if it's a state law that makes a determination about like the deadline for someone to be on the ballot right yeah that would be a dangerous game for the democrats to play to try to get all those various states to change the deadline because joe biden is going to drop out after the deadline they're going to try to do the switcheroo thing on him so it look 
and obviously I'm speculating here. If this is the game plan, the Democrats are getting ready for this game plan now. It's not like going to be a last minute switcheroo. Yeah, but see, I mean, I, I'm arguing the whole reason why Newsom did this debate with DeSantis is so that he can have some sort of public recognition when this no, happens. So I agree. Say, we, I agree completely. We both yeah. made that point. Um, and I think that is what happened. But I think that was more Newsom trying to signal that to Biden and the DNC. I don't think there is a plan in place. And if there is, I think it's going to be a last minute plan. Because as you said, as we get closer to the election, Biden's poll numbers get lower and lower and lower, as opposed to them planning that this is like the like the conspiracy from the beginning right now. What, what makes you think that the that high up high status individuals in the DNC are not having these conversations? Well, no, I'm sure they are, but okay, having it's not like they're they're not sitting there ready. I don't think there's a plan where like I don't think anyone right now in the DNC has create a plan where they're like on this day, Joe Biden is going to say he's not running for president and we're going to swap him with God news. I don't think any of that's solidified at all. Whatsoever. I think, do you think there are people that are saying we need a plan B? Yes. Okay. I do think that's going on. So what is the plan B? It's to presumably switch it with Newsom or someone else. Probably. Newsom. Okay. Right. Dependent upon what? On whether they can get Joe Biden to drop out. Or and also, I mean, the I'm sure they're saying, "Look, Joe, I'm obviously you're going to be way ahead of Trump in the polls. He's a fucking neo-Nazi." Okay, mm -hmm. when really they're thinking, "Oh my God, he's going to look so he's going he's going to be losing by ten points to a neo-Nazi." Right. So while they're saying, "Look, obviously you're going to be in the polls," but you know, just in case, maybe you're down like double digits in the polls you would drop out right oh yes of course i would if yeah but what was, was he say that what if the he says, risk no. of a neo look because joe the a neo-nazi would become president if you didn't drop out you realize that you don't want a neo-nazi to be president oh yes of course i what is it bedtime yet i need to go to bed but if joe no joe's like listen you horse-faced pony soldier <laughs> I'm the yeah, one, exactly. I beat Trump once, and I'm the only one that can beat him again. Look, and then he shuffles away. Okay, you hope, yeah, you hope right. he's, you hope he's not so senile. That's what I'm that saying. I don't know this is that so he doesn't clearly. remember the deal because it's becoming to me. If there's going to be a swap with Newsom, I, I just, I feel like it'd be a lot smarter to do it sooner than later, and we're really approaching that time where that needs to happen, and I just. That's, it's not happening. Now, again, I, we could wake up tomorrow and it could happen, but it just, it, they should do it sooner than later. I think the later they hold out for, if this plan was real, it's a, a bad, a worse and worse idea. And it completely undercuts Newsom's legitimacy as a candidate. The later and later they hold back because they're like, well, the voters never had a, they didn't get, they didn't choose you. You were literally chosen by the DNC. And I think that's good. I think that will have an effect. He could still win, but I think that will hurt his chances of winning. And I think it just, it seems like it's, you think it'll hurt his, me. you think it'll hurt his chances of winning in the general. Yes, definitely. But do, do you agree that the last thing the elitist Democrat shitheads want is like a shit show with Marianne Williams? No, I completely, like, no, no, no. If, okay. if this comes to, cause I think like if there was a primary, right. And it was like Gavin Newsom, rfk 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, Marianne, Marianne Williams like, all debating about yeah, like, how I, I how think Palestine. Newsom, how right, Palestine I think should... I think Gavin Newsom would win these debates. And I think he would just win normally because he's just the biggest name and he's probably going to say the most like mainstream things. I think Gavin Newsom would just win the normal primary anyway. Right, so I'm but not it's really... gonna it's gonna hurt his. It's gonna take him down a peg though. a little bit, but not. But he's gonna be running against Trump, right? So it's going to be like, oh, you have the vote for Gavin Newsom or like the ultimate evil dictator, right? Yeah, but look, Those Democrats, are going to be the presented choices. Democrats where, will not show up, though. That's They're always at a disadvantage because the Democratic base might just go, oh, look, this guy supports Israel. Fuck him. I don't. I don't agree. I don't agree. Um, okay. I, to me, the, he he loses so much more. He, he would take, in my opinion, Newsom would take so much more damage from being signed the candidate by the DNC, then going through the normal process and winning and having to deal with people, you know, other candidates throwing whatever they throw at him. I mean, you could you could be right. You, it's hard to it's, say it, what it's the going to be is. spun so bad. It's going to be spun because it, it's going to be spun like the deep state. The deep state chose Gavin Newsom. You voters, you didn't choose him. The deep state literally chose Gavin Newsom. You didn't even get the vote for him. It's going to be spun that way. Do the, does do the Democrats say the deep state? I mean, they I know they talk about Bernie. The Democrats don't know. I'm saying Donald. They Trump talk is about going the DNC. Well, Trump yeah, but who cares what he says? Yeah, but it's, it's going to have stickiness. It's going to have a level of stickiness. The only thing beyond the Newsom, Trump supporters. The only thing Newsom needs to worry about is the base not turning out. It the a lot of people might be turned off by what like this guy that was just randomly assigned i'm telling well, you it's it's going to be a weird thing and it's happens? not worth it is not it is a huge here okay here's why i will say this and i'll say this definitively if this happens okay this is what's going to happen if this okay. happens if uh they they sub out biden for newsom okay with like 95 percent certainty i will say that the reason it happened was because they could not convince Joe Biden to step aside until the last minute. And that's why they had to do the switcheroo. Well, that's what they're going to okay. claim. Anyway. No, no, no. I think that's going to be true. Okay, but they're going to claim that too. True. Right. To, to but, avoid the claims that you're saying. But no one will believe them. <laughs> okay. I think it will be completely true, but no one will believe them. Everyone will believe what you're saying, which is that no, they just wanted to assign Newsom and they didn't they want to circumvent the vote. Newsom. Right? New song, let's, sorry. Let's get it right. We're going to be talking about this guy when he becomes the presidential right. candidate. Gav, that, that, we gave, gave in here. Gavin. Gavin. Gavin Newsom. Ga Gavin, okay. Um, everyone's going to say, I think that I think what they're going to say is actually true. I think it was just a horrible incompetency in the fact of Joe Biden's ego that he would not step aside until the last minute. And they finally got him to do it. And there well, was we no agree time for the on election. that. Right. And there's no time for the election by the time they actually got on this episode, but no one will believe it. They will all think it was planned from the beginning and this was all a way to circumvent the democratic process. I don't believe that because in my mind, it would be such a bafflingly stupid mistake to saddle uh, Newsom with that anchor, then he doesn't need it again and give Trump all this ammunition. So I don't, I can't imagine that this would be someone's intentional plan because it's just so fucking blatantly stupid. Well, the whole thing about saddling him, if it comes together in the way that I'm speculating and that Biden is so far down in the polls, like Democrats just, they're, they're demoralized. There's no way they think they have any chance of winning. Then it doesn't, it doesn't really 
reflect that badly on Newsom if he comes in and everyone hates him because he was assigned the candidacy. I mean, they were going to lose anyway, so it's just it's like a push. No, I get it. it it'll be it'll be a massive hail mary as opposed to a more normal process of just right. you know, we had uh, primaries and this guy won. You know, right. So if Biden stays in the race, and I look, I've heard people saying Biden is not even going to do a debate with Trump. What the heck? I mean, that'd is be it, wild. Yeah. Yeah, every single presidential election in my entire lifetime, there's always a debate between the candidates. Do you do you think do you think there's any validity to those speculations? It's possible. I I think it would be. I mean, it's definitely possible. It is if that if if they if the Biden camp refuses to debate Trump, to me that would confirm basically everything about Biden is just completely incompetent um, and senile. Because there's no other reason for that other than that, right? right. It, it, like, if that's the case, you have to assume the worst. Because what they're saying is, whatever they're, they're, what that would be saying is, whatever he goes out and says is going to be so bad that it's, they're willing to, they're willing to take all of your horrible assumptions <laughs> over him actually doing the action, right? Oh um, God, it's so pathetic. It's because it's funny because I remember I had this conversation actually with my parents actually because they were all like. You know, we heard, you know, Donald Trump, you know, isn't going to do a debate against Biden. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, He's dying to do a ba debate like, against him. I'm like, if Donald Trump didn't do a debate with Joe Biden, that'd be a massive gift to Joe Biden and make Donald Trump look like horribly incompetent and cowardly. There's no way in hell that, that Donald Trump would just by his own volition say, oh, I'm not going to debate Joe Biden. That would be so stupid. If that was the case, then I would actually maybe believe that Dave Packman was right and there was some wacky shit up with Donald Trump. Because <laughs> I'd be like, what the hell's going on here? Why would he not want to debate Joe Biden? That's so weird. That's a little scary that your parents even said that because that makes me think Joe Biden is not going to do a debate and they're going to spin it as Trump didn't want to do the debate. Yeah, but it's going to be impossible because if that's not the case he'll just come out and say it's not the case because trump's going to be things. out on the stump every day going, yes why right. won't he debate me don't be a chicken shit debate right. me okay. yeah yeah and you're There's right no there could be some scenario that. where like they make up some bs where it's like well the biden team reached out to trump to try to get something organized and the trump team just kept refusing to work with us so he's lying like right there could be this like stupid he says she says something about the debate and a lot of the Democratic diehard people will believe it, and Dave Packman will will repeat it, right? But <laughs> but I think when you just look at the two candidates, you know, people's intuition are going to be like, I know which one of the people didn't want to actually debate, right? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be Biden all yeah, the way. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be crazy. So I don't know. I so there. So again, that's my prediction. If I I don't. I don't think there's a secret plan to replace. I think people are thinking about it. I don't think there's in the works the plan to replace uh, Biden with Newsom because it just seems like it's such a terrible idea. Well, I don't know that I classify it as a secret plan. I think it's like a B, like a contingency plan. Right, right, right. I agree with it. And it sounds like you plan. do agree that yeah, yes, there, there is, is a contingency, contingency plan. 100% agree yeah. with that, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Grendel Vat, thank you for the 20 get the memberships. Thank you. And thank you for 10 months. Uh, Sitch, Adam, CT, and chat. Thank you all for a great year. Well, thank you, Grendel. Yeah, thanks. CT for 5K says, since there are no streams, I'll try to host some movie nights in the Discord. If anyone is lacking holiday plans, come hang out. Hail Santa. Well, there you go. Check out the Laser Discord. Sweet. Uh, Stug for 5 dollars says, everyone enjoy your holidays. I can't wait to say I haven't seen a Sitch and Adam stream since last year in two weeks. Oh, yeah. There you, just, there you go. Uh, Dotoms for two. Aussie Buck says, Adam, how would you describe what the economy is? That's a tough one. I don't even know. I don't what, know. What does the question even mean? Like, is it doing good or bad? What, what do you mean by the that? the economy? Newsom. I know. I keep saying Newsom. 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 Listen. An economy is a system of production and consumption activities that determine how resources are allocated among all of its participants. That Yeah, that, that's good. I'm down with that. There you go. You agree with that, right, Sitch? I mean, that's sure. not Sounds too controversial. Fine to well, I was arguing with people on Twitter about the origin of the price level, hmm. which just seems crystal clear to me, but people are like, they want to overcomplicate it. PC for $2 says, politicians are famous for their well-thought plans. Yeah, I assume that's sarcasm. But yeah, no, listen, I understand what you're saying. Um, but just... <laughs> If, if if you're a DNC strategist and your main goal here is like they just want to defeat Donald Trump, they don't really care who, right? Defeat Donald Trump. They just want someone to defeat Donald Trump. It's it's hard for me. Again, I could be wrong. Everyone could just be literally retarded. There's always a thing that I have to keep in my mind. It's hard for me to imagine placing myself in the mind of a DNC strategist and thinking that it's better to have a candidate assigned there to defeat Trump as opposed to just having them go through the normal election process and i think it's just more likely that joe biden is egotistical um and he's just maintaining power and people just are telling him to stop and he won't or people are just too afraid to challenge him to tell him to stop you know that'd well, be my I, guess i think from the perspective of a dnc elite i think their thought process might go something like oh the normal people will pick someone that doesn't stand any chance of beating Donald Trump and that we, the elites know who can win. And but they we... don't have to worry about that because of the super delegates. So it's so super unlikely anyway. Right. And that's the whole thing with Hillary and Bernie, you know, what the, what, uh, Bernie brothers were complaining about. What are this? You're, you're saying that the best candidate would be produced through a normal, uh, primary process no i'm that, saying a, that's what you just said i'm saying no i'm saying a candidate who could beat donald trump would be produced through the normal election process right right so so you think a normal primary process would produce a, the candidate most likely to beat donald trump yes okay as, as opposed and to, i could see as opposed I, to assigning them at the last minute okay 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 and i think it would be very easy for powerful people inside the DNC. Their thought process would be more like a primary election is going to produce some socialist that stands absolutely no chance of beating Donald Trump. And we, the elites, must place somebody that's more moderate like Gavin, 
Newsom into that position, and that's how we stand the best chance of beating Donald Trump in the election. Yeah, but whether or not that's true, well, right? I could see some like DNC it, yeah. elites I mean, thinking sh- that. Right. Yes. Okay. Now, sure, yeah, it's definitely possible that there are egotistical retards <laughs> managing well, yeah. the DNC. Look, I don't that even mind you calling. So I don't even mind possible. you calling them that because right. that is that's true. Look, I, I'm a believer in democracy, so I do think, right. I do think. They're probably overly optimistic about, and your intuition about, you know, uh, the backlash from placing somebody like some authoritarian institution in is probably correct about the voters. Right. The base will probably stay home. Stupid to see it. Yeah. I mean, mean, it hurt Hillary Clinton. Sure. And I mean, again, that was just with the super delegate stuff as it was. Right. Which yes. I would think if they wanted to do this like replacement thing, they would they could just hinge things on the superdelegates instead of this whatever this is. So I mean they I think Florida didn't isn't even having a primary election. They're just giving it to Biden. Well yeah, but that's gonna I'm assuming it's gonna be most states for the Democratic Party not gonna have a primary. Why would they? Because there are other candidates running. Yeah, but you, but it's very rare where the where if there's an incumbent that the that's a president specifically that the that the party would say, oh well, we're going to allow you to challenge our incumbent. That's very rare. I don't know if that you know. So that so it wouldn't surprise me if most states do the DNCs and most states say no, it's not going to be a primary. So I think. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's I don't know what happened when Obama was president. I don't know if there was a primary just as a formality and that other candidates ran that we just didn't hear about because I don't believe there was. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know there's a there bunch was. of candidates running now. Marianne Williams, right. Jenks, um Dean Phillips. Dean well, Phillips is paying like five million dollars to get on the ballot. In is all these Jank states. even going to be on the ballot in most of these states? I mean, Jank is not. on, I believe, three ballots already. Okay, already, yeah, yeah. And Dean, like Dean Phillips, was saying he's paying five million dollars to get on the ballot in all the states, and all of them were super chapped that Florida did what they did because evidently it's not the norm. No, I think it they, is a norm, but we haven't been in the situation, I think, where there's been a candidate who people are afraid of is going to die or literally they, can't leave. They did, I guess they're supposed to hold a primary election, but they did some thing where they said, we're not going to do it if you have any objections appear at this place at this time to voice your objections. Mm-hmm. And then they wrote that on a napkin and slid it under someone's desk. So nobody knew when the date and time was for the thing. Mm -hmm. And basically they just kind of snuck it through. That's Um, what the narrative was from Jank and Young Turks. Right. Because he he was trying to get on the ballot in Florida. Uh, Let's see. It says... I'm curious. I want to look this up. How many states did a primary in 2012? Uh, yeah, with, that's a good question. For the Democrats. So, I mean, there were states that did it. There were states that did it. 
but I don't know. I can't find a quick answer for how many states did it versus how many just gave it to Obama. I don't know the answer then. Maybe people always show up. They're like, listen, fuck this president. I'm going to, I don't care. I'm voting for someone else. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> PC for two dollars says politician. Oh, there was one. Stud for two dollars says, "Hear me out. Biden runs with Hillary as VP." <laughs> oh go. man, nothing would surprise me at this point. That'd be disastrous. Uh, Shinto for fifteen months says, "Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. See you all next year. May A class get all the presents and S class get all the coal." Wow, Shinto. Whoa, Earth. come on, let's be nice here. Jesus. Drew Dogma for fourteen months says, "They know Biden is senile and can't win without shenanigans. Also, eugenics is bad. State involvement or not." Well, I okay. think they know buying a scene. I'll agree with that. Uh, Michael for 15 months says, I hope that bit about throwing insults and asking for invites wasn't about me. It wasn't about you, Michael. If you insulted us, I missed it. Anyway, I love you too. If an insult was offered, please know it was unintended. Well, thank yeah. you. Look, I do that. Not another stream. I do think I mistook, mistook something Michael said as an insult and he clarified. So, but no, not this stream. Okay. Oh, wait, super important. The winner of the Laser Discord short story contest was decided. CT wants me to tell you it was the Inverted Gentleman. Well, there you go. Congratulations, the inver Inverted Gentleman, on winning the Laser Discord short story contest. That's amazing. There you go. Cool. Congratulations. Awesome. Inverted Gentleman. The Inverted Gentleman. Sounds like he's somewhat a character in my favorite movie, Tenet. Anyways. Are we wrapping it up? We're wrapping it up. Okay. The last stream for the year. Though we will put out videos next week. So you will have your your doses of Sitchin Adam to tide you over. Maybe we'll do some maybe we'll do some mini streams during the week. We'll see. Who knows? Who knows what magic could happen, right? Anything could happen. Anything could happen. Maybe we'll be streaming on a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday or even a Saturday. Who knows? It's crazy. We do what we want. We're rebels here. Biden could come out and say, listen, I've decided I'm going to step down and I'm going to make my replacement Donald Trump. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Check out Inverted Gentleman's Substack, there you go. CT just can't, linked it in the chat. Can Biden give his nomination to Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> what would happen then? That would be interesting. The DNC nominates Donald Trump. Wait, what? And he's nominated by the Republicans too? Does that just make him instantly president? That would. Yeah, no, what happens? No, see, here's like the move. The DNC nominates Jared Kushner. Split Ooh. apart the Trump family. Okay. Look at that. It's a power play. Anyways, thank you all for coming. Thank you all for your incredibly generous donations. Hope you all have a fantastic Christmas. A happy Hanukkah. Even a happy Kwanzaa. Happy whatever holiday that you may celebrate. And have a wonderful, wonderful New Year, baby. 2024 is gonna be a blast, right? It's gonna be ups and downs and lefts and rights, gonna be all over the place. It's gonna be drama. It's gonna be exciting. So we'll see you all 
next time. Bye-bye! I wanted to save the future. Yes.